Okay, so we're live and on the air. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Coco Talk in 2021. It Woo-hoo! is a new year. We made it. We made it. We've got a great panel. We've got a great show in store for you. And to start off the show, what I have done today is I have compiled a montage of all of the various versions of the introduction of the show because it has changed in the almost four years that we've been doing this now. When we first started, we didn't have an intro because we weren't planning on being a show. And then we have and we had the original intro, and then we've had a few versions of DeBruce Moore's intro, and we've gotten a few new entries recently, and we've had a few things along the way. So for your viewing and listening pleasure, I treat you now to the history of Coco Talk introductions. We also have a special guest today who will be joining us for our Game On results. Mr. David Shoutoff is here, the author of Star Spores. We'll be talking about the development of the game, entertaining your questions, and so on. So without any further ado, let us kick this off now, boys and girls. Actually, I should probably share the screen so you guys can see it and hear it too, right? Yes. Uh, There we go. There we go. All right. We are starting the intro. At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, ARG, John and Aaron, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Patrick Randolph, Eric Canales, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Schumann, Paul Thayer, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., Tim Lindner, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. This is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Strout. Mm. Ah. Gameplay Goodness. <laughs> this is the first iteration of Bruce's music. is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroh. <laughs> and for those who don't remember, we were live on Roku for a period of time. 
forgotten. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. I like this intro. And... Who could forget Coco Talk After Dark? The original Late Night with David Letterman style theme music. And the the Coco Coco Orchestra. Track. And then it wasn't too long until we got a custom After Dark. Coco Talk, After Dark. Uh, uh, Coco Talk, After Dark. And then, of course, Nick Maroda, Nick Maroda, Nick Maroda gave us our own very special intro. You are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a tandy colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original color computer, the Coco 3, and the world renowned exclusive French computer. How do we say his name three times to make up yeah. for the three years he wasn't on? Right. <laughs> now this is when Bruce Moore finally added lyrics to his famous intro. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Still Keeping my favorite. Keeping the tandy flame yep, alive. Yeah, yeah. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Yeah. That truck was a shot of our live show planner. Yeah. <laughs> James Jones is asking, well, how many live talk shows are there featuring the tandy color? It doesn't matter. That's we're not the, the point. We're the nation's leading. We're leading the nation in live talk. That's all that matters. Leading yeah. the world, actually. <laughs> leading the world. And this was the final version of that where I just made the edits look a lot nicer. Same song. One more time. <laughs> this this totally is feeling. Coco Talk, <laughs> the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. 
And this is the version we ran with most of this year. Keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the eight big world. just tuning in we're doing a special montage of all the various introductions to the coco talk show past present and future thanks for joining us today coco talk is rocking the eight-bit world keeping the tandy flame alive we may be mocked but we'll never stop because coco talk is rocking the eight-bit world <laughs> and here's our new intro that D. Bruce Moore just threw together for us. This is Coco Talk, the only show in the world featuring David Ladd. It's time to grease your weasel and do whatever yo pleasel, because we're about to rock your 8-bit world. Featuring David Ladd. <laughs> it's good to get those warnings out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this music. Coco Talk, they contain David Lamb. <laughs> Offer void where prohibited. There's some weasel right there. <laughs> and the latest entry, our Christmas present from Paul Thayer. By far my favorite theme. That's cool. There we go. Over four years of introductions on the show that just won't stop, despite numerous requests. (laughs) We're here for our fourth (laughs) year. 2021 of Coco Talk has now begun. We've got a great show in store for you today. We've got a special guest joining us, Mr. David Shadoff, the author of Star Spores, which was our game of the week. And, you, you know, we, we are the only show featuring David Ladd, but the reason why we are so successful is that we also feature... 
So without any further ado, we're going to kickstart 2021 and jump right into the Game On Challenge. I believe there is a Coco Thoughts to go with this too, is there not? Yes, there is. All right, so get ready for Coco Thoughts and your high score challenge results, folks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm Samuel Gines, and these are the Coco Thoughts. Here's one from 1984. Star Sports, we're playing Star Sports. This week is Star Sports, fight the nasty. I forgot to apologize to Star Sports, watch for the Star Sports, avoid the Star Sports race. Oh, I didn't even see that part. And hey... How about those nutty star sports birds? Can you leave all the points you can't score? <laughs> and hey, those evil eyes zigzag across the screen. Did they scare you as much as the crosshairs? Star spores, armors, and cubes, spores. Star Sports. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my goodness, Samuel Gimes <laughs> has outdone himself. Is is Dave still here? Dave's still here. I, I was just going to ask. Hey. I was just going to ask Dave, do you regret writing that game now? Have to see. We need to tell everyone the game's better than the scene. So. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and see what the results were this week. All right, welcome to another great week of results. This week we played Star Spores with 23 scores submitted. Mark B, 1,270. Adam Tandy Dragon Guy, 1,750. Ken Reichard, 2,510. Board of Car, 3,260. OG Stevie Stroh, 3,310. R. Allen Murphy, 3,370. Just Mike, 4,100. Rogelio Perea, 4,180. David Ladd, 8,270. Mr. Dave, 6,309, 8,360. Cat Lord, 11,770. Me, 13,290. Frodo NL, 15,380. Jim Rye, 15,740. Ben VR Drake, 16,320. Dave Shadoff, 17,060. David Craker, 19,460. Canadian Retro Things, 21,300. Sloopy, 22,670. Al Curtis Boyle, 23,010. Rob Edmond, 25,460. Tom C, 26,010. Good job. And the number one score this week belongs to Tazman with 27,830. Excellent score, and thank you to all this week's participants. Tazman, good job. Tazman again. Excellent, 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 excellent. All right. Great game. Great game. I remember when we when we should, when we had Data Vaughn a few weeks ago and we saw the game. I had not seen the game before. I was really impressed with it. And I said, Nick, we got to get this game on 
the challenge and I had fun playing it. Yeah, same here. I hadn't I hadn't heard of it before. So my apologies, Dave, but uh, this has turned out to be one of my favorite games on the Coco. It is a oh, lot of fun. We we can blame Spectral for the fact that a lot of people have not heard of this. <laughs> can you guys see my screen? Yeah, we see it, Nick. Okay, so uh, this gameplay footage is courtesy of uh, Canadian Retro Things, who again featured the uh, game on Challenge this week. So we'll have that playing uh, while we talk. So uh, yeah, we act- so we have Dave Shadoff here with us, the author of the game. So uh, Dave, um, to fill us in on the, uh, what was your inspiration for this game? It, it has some definitely some unique aspects to it. So well, what was your- um, yeah, let me go back forty years in my mind and, and <laughs> think about what was going on at the time. Uh, of course, you know. Space Invaders was in the arcades from, I guess, around 78, and, and that just got everybody into uh, into arcade games. And For the next couple of years, it was Galaxians and Galaga and, and, and very similar related themes, Phoenix and so on. And, uh, I mean, that was the arcades. It wasn't that much available for home computers, but they were trying to catch up. So I was a big fan of uh, the Big Five software on the uh the model one and uh they did a couple of games that were really really well done uh and there was also some really good stuff available for the uh the apple i had a friend who had an apple and uh i decided one day that i thought i'd try and find out how hard it was to uh, to write something so i wrote basically this game for the uh the model one uh trs80 and uh it was it was just a little too late to be marketable. Um, but then I thought, well, because the, the Model 1 was pretty much on its way out at that time. So I thought, well, what it, what it needs is color. So uh, I had just got a, uh, a color computer, and, and a friend of mine had, uh, had also got one. And I thought, oh, this 6809 is a pretty damn good uh, processor. So uh, yeah, that's what, uh, what got me interested and, and what got it... Uh, built well how did you get the idea for example in mo- most shooters the aliens are there ready to shoot and they're firing at you whereas here they're they uh, come out of eggs so like what 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 was uh how'd you get that idea yeah actually i i think i stole that from an apple game it was uh space eggs or something like that it was they had some similar themes and i thought it was uh really creative and i think a friend of mine who also programmed some games uh, around the same time, but he wrote, he did it for the uh, the Commodore Pet and the 64. He uh, he said, you know, a game is only really good if if uh, if greed can kill you. Yes, that's a great quote. Yeah, I did notice that the birds give you a sense of greed because you you have to shoot them before they fly off. And oftentimes you will fly off to the side to get the bird using your fuel. So you take a risk, but you get a huge payoff. The bird gives you a lot of points. So I really like the way you balance the risk and reward and the time critical, the time criticalness. It's just a good balance of different, uh, different things that made this game really come together for me. I'm glad you like it. So uh, we noticed there were so there's two different versions. So you want to talk a little bit about how it went from an independent game to uh, being uh, distributed by was it Spectral Associates? Yeah, it was Spectral. What I did was I sent it around to a bunch of different uh, companies. I, I don't remember all of them, but I think it was Mark Data and uh, CompuWare and Spectral, and uh, uh, they were all 
relatively similar on the uh, on the royalty rate, but Spectral had these big, you know, full page, full color ads, and I thought that's really going to sell it. That's you know, this is the company I want to go with, and 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 uh, I submitted it to them, and they said, okay, well, we like it, but we want you to make a couple of changes from the version that you've got playing here. Is we want uh, we want a, something in the background. This is too boring in the background, uh, and we want the front page to have our name on it. And maybe you know something a little bit more of a of a you know some flair like a bonus round or something. Yes, that does explain the differences. Those are the two big differences I noticed between the two versions. So yeah, the Starfield definitely made it uh, um, more visually interesting for sure. And that bonus round was neat. Uh, how you took the concept of the aliens, uh, they come down and stay there and block you in. So you have to avoid being blocked in too tight and still uh, get, you know, be able to destroy the uh, the aliens. So I thought that was a cool bonus level. There was a bonus round? <laughs> yeah, if you get through all six, you get to this bonus round where there's really no uh, no penalty, but you just get extra points yeah. uh, if you do yeah, things you- right. I like that you can you could lose a lo- you could uh, die without losing a life on the bonus level, which is how the bonus level should be. Yeah, I, I seem to recall. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm misremembering, but there was a a possibility to have the bonus round with just birds flying back and forth and, and gathering things. But I don't know whether that was the first bonus round or a subsequent bonus round, or whether you had to have not lost any ships. I, I don't remember the details. So we have a comment in the chat by Canadian Retro Things, who has a YouTube channel, who says this is now one of my favorite color- Coco games. And I would agree with that. This is definitely up there on my list of favorite games. Definitely be- favorite shooter. Well, it, it's uh, it's really gratifying to hear that uh, after all these years of it being unknown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about what happened with... Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, like I say, I, I went with them. I, I mean, CompuWare was really aggressively trying to, to get me as well. Um, but I went with Spectral because of the ads and then as soon as they were ready to publish it, they went from full page, full color ads to, you know, per game to here's a, here's a big black and white sheet with, uh, with, you know, your game as one, you know, six point print in, in, in the field of many. And I thought, well, that's not helping me at all. That's, that's worse than any of the other options. I did see that. I was looking through rainbows and I saw the ads and you were listed. It was, it was uh, star spores parentheses space shooter or alien shooter or something yeah. like that. And that's how they marketed it. Yes. Really or or failed bad. to market it really. Failed to market it. Yeah. Really too bad because this, like I said, this is one of the better, one of the best Coco games and who knows if it would have, uh, did you have any other ideas for games you might've, uh, you might've done that were shelved after, well, not not so much my own games. I mean, the, the games that I probably would have built something um, similar to were um, there is a game that my friend had written on the uh, on the pet called Slime, and uh, and with Slime, it's he he kind of went back and forth. It's either Slime or maybe it's Cancer, but these these little things come down off the screen, drop a little dot, and uh, you're familiar with the game of life, how how the the, the dot kind of grows. Well, this mm-hmm. thing is like a a mold spore and it starts filling the screen and uh and and you have to shoot at the edges of it to uh, to try and and trim it down um so that was actually a really fun game a little hard to control because you need two you need a a movement joystick and you need a shooting joystick a lot like robotron right um 
so that one was was a possibility but not really and of course the other one that i i really enjoyed on uh, on coco was uh, time time bandits yeah, uh, time bandits. Yeah, time bandit. I think it was. Yeah. Where you shoot left and right the early, the different stages, like where yeah, that's right. And you got the little yeah. doors, and you and you flip yep. between realities. That was really a, a compelling concept. Yeah. So, have you given any thought to um, updating this game for uh, you know modern like Windows or Android or or uh, anything like that or? No, nah, not really. I think there's a lot better things that showed up in the arcade, and and uh, I mean I'm involved now with um, not really Mame, but but uh, the uh, FPGA offshoot, Mister. There's a lot of things on 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 that platform that are uh, I think superior to this. Uh, you know things like uh, you know Phoenix or or. Right. Uh, just just a, a bunch of games in that in that genre, more visually appealing. I'm not a graphic artist. I'm not I'm not a uh, an audio engineer. I right. I just put together what I could put together. And this was I was a teenager at the time. So how old were you when you wrote this game? Pardon teenager. me. He said, teenager. "How old were you? You were uh, a teenager. Yeah. So I guess sixteen ish. Wow, it's amazing. That's." I feel like such a failure. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the variety of the enemies, like the robots that come down and stay there for a bit before they'll go back up. And that it was you have good, good variety in the different uh, stages. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your What's your least favorite enemy? Uh, those little squares that shoot lasers at you. And we had a question about that. Is there a way to avoid those lasers? The, the which squares? You, you mean the uh, oh the it's, cyclops. The little, the little uh, squares, little flashing squares on the, the flashing it's the, ones. Yeah. It's the fourth level, and they shoot lasers at you sideways. So, um, what happens is, and you'll see this more on the uh, on the eighty four version from Spectral, is there's kind of a cone of of, of uh, proximity, and it makes this kind of a squealing sound whenever it's within your 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 area and is eligible to shoot you. Okay. Also, everything will shoot you no matter what once your time runs out. Yeah, that was cool. I I, I did that once. I left all the eggs oh, and ran out of time of to see what would happen. Now with this guy with the down down. Yeah, I shot. love that guy. I like that. This that, is my favorite level. This reminds me of Gorf. I did not get this far in the game at all. Oh, I found this one to be the most my most successful level. And was there rhyme? Uh, what was the uh, determination for whether a bird came out of the egg or not? Uh, it's random. Purely random. Yeah. Okay. I spent a lot of time on on uh, the random routine. I was going through taking a a, a a number that that you try to 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 base on when the person hits the uh, the, the joystick, but it would actually go through an X or the uh, the, the next sequential uh, ROM memory location and and add something to it. And okay, yeah, yeah, because I've had games where I got like three birds in a row. And I've had other ones where, like, there are no birds. So I knew I knew there was some. Oh, there's a thing so that are shooting sideways now. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, I that's... love what I love when they all uh, zoom in on you when you're yeah. out of your power. That's freaking evil. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, were you aware that the game was uh, released in, in the UK for the I, Dragon? I found out this past summer. I was uh, I was actually typing in the, uh, the the source code to it in uh, on it's now on GitHub, but um, I was typing it in. I was using the uh, XROAR emulator, and I contacted uh, Chiar and 
about that and I said oh yeah it's really could you could you make this feature for me it's, it's gonna save me a bunch of, uh, of mouse clicking and he said oh yeah that's uh, really interesting the star spores did you know it came out over here and I said what <laughs> <laughs> so should you have been included on the remuneration for that like did you get... uh, y- yes oh my goodness uh, obviously I should have been but clearly I wasn't oh that's terrible and look, they went with the P mode three Puyan color set. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, it's... Uh, that's really too bad the way you were treated very unfairly. That's so, and who, who knows what that could have uh, right. led to other games of this caliber had you been. Mm-hmm. But, uh, apparently, you're not the uh, you're not the first one to have said things about spectral associates, right? That uh, weren't very favorable. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised, really, but uh, well, you can't go back and change the past. So, right. might as well at Cocoa just... Talk, we'd like to remind you that the views and opinions expressed by the members <laughs> of the panel are their own and not necessarily reflecting of those of the Cocoa Talk show, its sponsors, or affiliates. Go back to and you here's next. another thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, I hope that it's, uh, that's just a little consolation that 40 years later, people are discovering your work and. Uh, and uh, like I said, it's become the favorite of a few of us in, in terms of uh, the games for the Coco. So, um, and it and- brought 23, 24 people together for this past week, uh, ending the new year, playing the game together as a kind of a collective experience. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I played the game in many ways. Yeah, and unfortunately, it also brought David Ladd out into the private message arena of your uh, personal space, and we do apologize for that. So, <laughs> do, we have, do we have any questions or comments from anybody in the panel or in chat to, for David? Or wow, I did a great job interviewing. Yeah, there you was. did. You actually—I was thinking to myself that you actually did have a lot of great questions there, Nick Marotta. So, um, unfortunately, I did not get that far in the game to even ask some of the questions about bonus rounds and, and other types of aliens because I didn't. It's see nice them. to get far yeah. enough in the game to be able to ask intelligent questions. Yeah. I've had other ones where I'm like, I never saw that level. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody else was mentioning in the live chat that it was the second time you get to the bonus round that there's uh, some type of uh, birds. Ah, okay. So, yeah, yeah. I, I just I, I I lost some of my skills, so I didn't get to the second bonus round yeah. this time. Oh, somebody's bragging. Is that Tasman? <laughs> just kidding, Tasman. Tasman is one of the ones who uh, gets a lot of the high scores yeah. in our challenge. So he's uh, he's a good guy. Good but, gamer. Uh, yeah, definitely a good gamer. So I guess this means we're going to re- renew Nick's contract for another week. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Text in the mail, Nick. It's in his writer. So, How long uh, did it take you to create this game, David? Uh, well, much of this game was was uh, done much faster than the the version I did on the uh, on the Model One. The Model One version took about a year because I only had a cassette player and it was five hundred baud, and Ed Tasm was really really slow. Um, this one, I seem to recall developing it partially on cassette, but then moving to to disc at some point during its development. So I think it was about three months. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager, three months, that might have been like, you know, full-time worker working quite a bit more than that because it was consuming every hour of every day. Um, that's sort of how uh, crunch time began, I suppose. David, how much of your hardware do you still have from over the years? Uh, 
Well, I still have the Model 1. I still have the uh, the color computer. Um, but in terms of other hardware subsequent to that, I got rid of most of my PCs. Well, as long as your priorities are straight. Yeah. 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 Kept the important got, bits. <laughs> we got a comment that I would definitely agree with. A, a, a big thank you for making this game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And also, if, if somebody has access to it, I think... Uh, uh, one of the guys in chat actually does. It might be Alan. There's a link to your GitHub with the source code for it. So if anybody wants to see how you developed the game and, and some of the techniques, is it fairly well commented or were you kind of limited in the assembler back in the day? Uh, no, actually what happened was um, as part of the spectral contract, this is actually uh, uh, the one good thing that uh, that came out of it. They, uh, they required that uh, I provide a, uh, a commented source code listing. And of course you couldn't actually put a lot of, of comments into source code because of memory constraints. So I ended up hand commenting it and I kept that over the years. And that's what I, I ended up retyping in over the summer uh, for both the, uh, the color computer version and the model one version, which has uh, a substantially lower amount of, of commenting, but sure. I mean, if anybody wants to, uh, to see how I built it, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not, making any claims about it being great code but it's code that works <laughs> was adding the starfield uh challenging at all or any of the things they I, asked for I, I don't i don't recall it being particularly challenging but uh as you can see there's there's still a bit of flashing and trying to overcome that without uh without having knowledge of or reliable vsync kind of attribute uh, like that wasn't something i could rely on back in the day or at least if i could it wasn't something i was aware of oh just so. say the stars are twinkling <laughs> <laughs> okay i didn't notice any any visual anomalies it looked good to me i don't know i think you also had to fit it into 16k too if i remember correctly and that might have you know like you couldn't a page flip to you know draw on a I, it's not being viewed or i think i targeted 32 as opposed to 16 but but yeah i think it was oh, listed okay. as 32k in the ad was oh, it okay and we also like the wipe effect you did when you when the when you died. The, yeah, the I love the various the transitions. Oh yeah, that was something I I loved about the uh, the big five software uh, stuff on Model One. That was just fantastic. This will sound like a small thing, but to me as a gamer, I just love the little things you did. Like, you know, you could hit J or K to pick joystick, but you could hit the button. And button means joystick. So it was very. I liked that. It was really. It was really quick to restart the game. Uh, you know, you didn't have to go through, you didn't have to reach over to the keyboard, just hit the button and boom, it starts the game. Uh, that was a small thing, but just little touches like that you put in that I, I really appreciated as, as a, a gamer. And this is definitely a game that I just, you know, oh, I can do better this time. One more try, one more try. <laughs> I can do it this time. That sucked. I can do it again. I can do better. So uh, it, ha- it definitely has that, uh, you know, one more game factor. So I don't know if you realize how great this game is, but it's, uh, it is really good. Yeah, it incorporated all the bells and whistles that you mentioned. It's just a, it's an amalgamation of so many different games. It's got things from Phoenix. It's got things from um, what was that other game that had like the three stage rocket that you were shooting back and forth? Um, Moon Cresta. Oh, Moon Cresta. You had some Moon Cresta stuff going on there. Some Phoenix stuff in there. Some stuff from Gorf. I mean, it just it's it's like the, it's the holy grail of every space shooter event you would ever want to have. You know. It had smooth graphics and it had good sound effects and uh, and good variety of of aliens. Yeah, 
Yeah, and yeah, I love the explosion. The, the explosion and the explosion sound effect were really good. I heard that explosion sound quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so would I be right in saying that Big Five was a uh, inspiration for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I, I noticed a lot of the effects that you have in there were Big Five special effects uh, that Bill Hogue used to do. Oh, and, yeah. And, and I, as, as well, I was inspired by Big Five as well, so... That's what I, I can see in your game, that there is a bit of that inspiration and that that inspiration to create that level of quality, which you didn't see in most uh, games. Yeah, I, uh, that Big Five was definitely a, an inspiration. Yeah. And, and speaking of the Model 1 version, a couple of people pointed out you've actually got the Model 1 source up <clears throat> on your GitHub as well. That's and right. you said that was never actually officially released? That's right. Yeah, uh, the I, trash I submitted talk. it to a couple right. of of, uh, of companies, but they were they were trying to transition away from Model One. Oh, okay. Because uh, the trash talkers are doing their yearly summary thing uh, tonight, actually. Uh, that's the Tier City Model One and Three group. And uh, I think uh, I, I don't know if they know about the fact that your Star Sports is actually available for the Model One. So I might uh, see if I can join in there tonight and give you a plug for that on your site. Okay, sure. Uh, they might not even know of its existence. I don't know. Frodo was saying that that Space Eggs was based on Moon Cresta. Hmm. And did you say Space Eggs was part of the inspiration for Star Sports? I I think that was the name of it, yeah. That was the uh, the Apple game. Apple 2 one, yeah. Yeah. And was there an accident to the rhyming of Star Sports and Star Wars? (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't think that was an accident. I, I think I think everything in the world was was trying to uh, to ride on the success of that movie. Okay, <laughs> for a decade. Uh, I have to say, I have to say, now. your sound effects in the game are far better than the sound effects that Samuel Gimes did with his singing. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really should have warned you about that ahead of time. Now, it's a really good game, well balanced. It's 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 a it's definitely one that you keep coming back to. Yeah, like I said, it's got the great balance of greed and risk and reward. And yeah, it's really good because those birds are worth a lot of points compared to the other enemies. Yeah, I think the twin cannons are also uh, a little fake out because you have to prefer one over the other because otherwise every every creature will fit in between. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that. Especially the squares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's more with the greed thing. I got two. I got two. I can get more. No, I can't. Well, it's really good when you get two at a time. You feel like you're a hot shot. Yeah, that happened a few times <laughs> with me. That was that was yeah. That's definitely that gave you a rush. It's like, oh, like I got both of them. You're like yeah, plan that, plan it. Oh yeah, I'm a master of this ship. <laughs> yeah, I mean the center of the ship does have a little bit of a Tie Fighter look to it. You know, it's like a Tie Fighter with guns. Um, and that was to me any game that had anything that resembled Star Wars in it. Like Project Nebula had Tie Fighters in it. Quasar Commander yep. had Tie Fighters in it. So even though they weren't Star Wars games, if it looked like Star Wars, it was good enough. You yeah. know? Intergalactic Force actually was a Star Wars ripoff, the flying yeah. the trench thing. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So this version we're seeing, of course, is before the uh, Starfield was added for Star- Spectral Associates release. Yeah, this is the original right. shop around version. Yeah, and I'll just, I'll just say too that you know some people were expecting me to try to get the ease of use maintenance one release out early. You can blame David because I was too busy playing Star Wars to work on the darn thing. So. <laughs> blame or thank? Well, yeah. either or. It was a nice break. <laughs> <laughs> David, yeah, those you... birds are up to eight hundred points at least. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Do, do you still co- uh, do any coding, or, or are you going to do more? 
Well, yeah, what are you doing now? Well, uh, gee, you, as a as a hobby, I mean, my 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 uh, my job actually led me into programming for about twenty five, thirty years, and uh, I do project management now. But usually running teams of of developers or integration of of systems. But my my hobby work still brings me back to nineteen eighties arcade games. Uh, but again, these days. Um, I guess you could say for the last 15 or 20 years, I, I've been into the uh, the Turbo Graphics or PC Engine, as it's otherwise known, mm-hmm. uh, which was a great machine. Uh, and then uh, these days, it's uh, FPGA stuff with uh, Mister and and so on. Do you ever talk about developing this game with anybody? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> Have you thought about using uh, the sound chip and adding more? Uh, no, I, I really haven't thought, to be honest, uh, and, and no offense, but uh, I haven't really thought too much about the color computer since since that time. Oh, no offense. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are involved with the Mr. Uh, MC10 ports and stuff, too, and so you're still kind of on the too, periphery. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, they're, they're machines that I understand and, and uh, that they are simple enough to implement as a kind of a starter FPGA project. I wouldn't call myself uh, an FPGA guru, but... Certainly, uh, you got to start somewhere. Well, you are on this show. <laughs> Maybe oh, things Ken, will change. A person named Ken, Ken make it, Ken Reichert. I don't think you know him. Uh, he, asked if, <laughs> he asked if you're a fan of Bonk. Fan of Bonk. Well, I liked Bonk's, the, the Bonk Adventure games. But uh, again, I, I played more of the, the Japanese versions. So uh, they called it uh, PC Genjin. Okay. Yeah, you know, for the joke, the joke is you know Ken Reichard, right? Oh yeah, yeah, we worked together twenty years ago for yeah. about a year. Oh, you, yeah. you'll admit that I, I, I'm related, and I won't admit that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great, great. It's definitely a great um, contribution to a great lineup of games for the color computer, and it's one hundred percent arcade quality and enjoyable. I'm written at 16. I find that that's that's oh, really yeah. incredible to oh, me. Oh yeah, I mean, look at all you got all the yeah, fonts, that's impressive. You got all kinds of yeah. stuff going on here. So, did you have to learn assembler? Oh well, no, you you said you worked on the Model One, but they get to learn some more assembler for this, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. 6809 is very different from the uh, from the Z80. So uh, it was it was a lot of oh, I can post fix my increments. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get kind of spoiled. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, going back to the 6502 a couple of times, or even the 8088 for that matter, it just was like, oh, jeez. Yeah, what a, what a dearth of registers. Ugh. Yeah. And the 8088 was like, oh, I want to add these two things in a certain way. Oh, I have to use this register and this register. I can't use the one I just loaded back here. <laughs> yeah. I always figured the 80, 8088, 8086 architecture had so many registers because you couldn't do anything directly with memory. It's like, well, of course you need that many registers. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Well, that that's sort of Z eighty like, right? So you could you could do stuff with memory, but there was a penalty for for uh, in cycles. Yeah. David, what do you think of the new stuff for the color computer? The gimme and you know, I I haven't really uh, had a chance to to get too much into that. I, I, uh, I I've ordered a couple of things. Um, I, I'm. I've ordered a, a Cocomac keyboard because the layout, and I want to mm. use that for 
for the uh, the emulators and so on. Um, the uh, like I say, I, I never really got into the Coco Three, so even the Coco Three related stuff is sort of foreign to me. Um, that, that sort of things, but I've also uh, I've got myself on a list for uh, for a Coco VGA. Okay, so nice. We'll see if we can get uh, that into uh, into a machine. Right now, I'm I'm also looking at. You, you guys have probably uh, heard uh, of of these uh, what do they call them um, tape duinos or casduinos yeah. yeah. those things. Uh, although there's there's too many pieces in the bill of materials for that for me. I, I, I found this. It's an Arduino uh, compatible all in one thingy. It's got a little screen on it. It's got uh, SD card slot and uh, and it's got a nice little GPIO board in the back. And I was going to build a. Uh, a little daughter board so I could get the uh, cassette in and out just so I could uh, play around with it. See if I can put this in here. No, that's neat. But uh, I haven't written the software yet, but uh, who knows? Maybe maybe uh, there's something interesting to come out of that. I uh, I don't want to restore uh, mechanical devices. Will you promise no. uh, n- not, not to name it after Australian things? <laughs> hey. hey, that hurts. No, because that's your thing. That's, oh, that's yeah, your, that's my bit. That's yeah. your domain. Yeah, that's, he was just helping it. protect your copyright infringements there. That's, that's right. What he was doing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, was, was, uh, was one of you involved in the existing uh, Castuino stuff? No. No. We're just no. thinking if you're going to be successful in market stuff, that you you might be a little creative. Oh yeah, well I'm not I'm 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 Canadian, so uh, I'm I'm likely. Oh not. you? Yes, I'm just well, I didn't another know that. one of them. Yeah, I'm Canadian too. Oh really? Where are you from? Uh, Mississauga. Oh, okay, yeah, you're not too far. I'm in Ottawa, but I grew up in Niagara. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, nobody would know what Mississauga was, so everybody had to say, "Oh, I'm from Toronto." Toronto. Oh, yeah. Toronto. I, I lived in Rochester, and I could see the very edge of your country. <laughs> there we go. More Canadian talent. See? Yeah, and still nobody's heard of Saskatoon, so that's... Chaskalet? That's catch one. Yeah, Easy another to thing draw, too, hard uh, to spell. When you, when you see the little guys with the feet coming out, stomping down on you, that kind of reminded me of like some Ken Kalish games, too, because Ken Kalish have, was infamous for throwing the kitchen sink... Uh, into his games for all the different variety of things you would uh, come up against too. So like these guys, the little walkers. I like those little guys. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Definitely a great variety in, in enemies uh, yeah, explosion. with their own little quirks and personalities. I love that. Kind of like this panel. But if you ever got an itch to do another Coco game, I think you'd find the financial support a lot better than spectrals. So <laughs> well, you're hard. really setting the bar low, aren't you? <laughs> well, I mean, just to give an example, we've we've had numerous commercial releases here from uh, several people, including Nick, who's on the panel here. I mean, Nick there's Runchies. there's been multiple games that have sold over a hundred copies now. So, oh, yeah. cool! And now that you can do it, you know, all, you don't have to like manufacture physical media; you can sell it all digitally. So there's no overhead for you. You can just throw it on itch.io. They take a small cut for you know handling credit card transactions. So most of the profit would be with you rather than you know with some head right. company. So. Right. He said, if you ever got the itch, I think you'd, you'd make a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't make a living or anything, obviously, but uh, you'd be rewarded for your efforts, I think. I'll okay. get a few Tim, few Tim Hortons anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, $25 Tim Hortons gift card, at least. You know. Right. Yeah, get some Timbits. Good. Stuff. Nightmare Highways buck off. Yeah. 
Is it still a buck off? Yeah, Ken, if, Ken, if you're out there, or Samuel, if you could confirm if um, Nightmare Highway is still on promotion, I'll run that spot later. Um, we don't have to stop talking about this, but I am curious to know what the game of next week is going to be, Nick Moroda. Am I, am I jumping the gun here and, and wanting to know uh, what next, week, next week's game is going to be? No, I don't think so. That's, uh, I appreciate the help in transitioning. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here, Dave. And uh, yeah, if you haven't, we can talk some more. But uh, just for the meantime, I'm going to go ahead and we'll talk about next week's game. And I'm sure you guys will recognize it. Hey, this is, a, this is a request by Jason, actually. And Jason, you, I don't know if you're just listening. Uh, I'm, but, I'm here. That was also, da- don't forget Mr. David Ladd on that one. I don't Mr. want to take all the credit. Yes, David Ladd. Hey, Coco's. David, yeah, this is, there, this is all, yeah, the unofficial 64K RAM check program. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Sailor Man is our game of the week. And um, default yeah. settings, I presume, because this one you can customize the crap out of. Yeah, default. So st- level. So whatever, just start it up and start it. So the number of lives, the level, everything, just go default. And I will mention that uh, <clears throat> uh, John Bodevkar Schaller over at the Amigos will be very happy because this is one of his favorite Coco games. In fact, he 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 just had done some upgrades to his SDC and stuff, and he couldn't get Silliman to run because he forgot you have to run the basic loader. Okay. So he actually had just literally emailed me two days ago to ask how to get it running again. So he's actively playing it recently himself. So I'm sure he'll take. Oh, excellent! Yeah, hopefully he will. Uh, he will submit a score this week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you guys. So basic platformer, you got to catch everything at uh, L- Elise or LC or whatever her name is in this incarnation throws at you. Make all of. Avoid avoid the big fat bad guy. And uh, big fat guy eating a you, sandwich. You eat your collared greens uh, with an S. S on the can for collard greens. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so basically that's our game of the week. And uh, thanks, Stevie, and uh, thank you, Dave. Thanks And for we'll have to find the link, but somewhere on my channel, if you go to my channel and click on playlists, we have a playlist uh, for interviews, and we had a great interview with the author of this game. Chris, yeah, Latham. Chris Latham. Oh yes, and, um, he created Donkey King. He as created well, Donkey King, first game. and he created Alcatraz Sailor Man. Two. And um, oh, so yeah. we do have a great interview with Chris Latham from a couple years ago talking about this game. And um, oh, good. So we'll have to find that link, and we'll throw that link out there in the Game On Challenge channel on uh, Discord if you guys want to check that out. Excellent. Um, I'm going to yeah. stop sharing, Stevie. So okay. If you want to re- fix your uh, layout for One correction: it wasn't Alcatraz Two. He did. He did the nuclear um, reactor simulator in Rainbow. He helped co-author that, which was a pretty pretty cool. Yes, simulation. yes, very very cool. You make so, a yeah, bit of Inception good, happening here. Good game. Excellent game. Sixty four K Coco One or Two or Three. Yes. So. We also have now, and, and by the way, thank you, David, not only for the game, but thank you for being here. Feel free yes. to hang out. I know you were time crunch today, but feel free to hang out as long as you can, if you'd like. And um, thank you for tolerating David Ladd as well. Um, so that's always nice. When- yeah, we should Samuel be paying you for that alone. No, Samuel Gimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, listen, I like Samuel Gimes' material. Um, all right, so do we have Game on News from L. Curtis Boyle? Okay, <clears throat> let me get my uh, honking big list here. I, did, I thought we were going to do an intro or something, so sorry. We can do that. I can run an intro while you do that. Yeah, there should be. Okay. Perfect. All right, everybody. Please welcome the unprepared for his segment, Curtis Boyle, as we talk about Game on News. Feel free to share the screen anytime you want there, Al Curtis Boyle. 
All right, here we go. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this one is a person on, on, on YouTube I'd not heard of before, and maybe some other people on the panel have more details on this because I don't know too much about it, but a guy, and I don't even know how to pronounce this, Vidi Malben, uh, released a video showing his port of the Dungeons of Dagrath game to the Vectrix. Now, the Vectrix, of course, shares a 6809 with the Coco, which is why it's kind of a favorite for Coco people, but it's a vector-based graphics system. It's not raster, and, and Dagrath was designed to be kind of vector-style graphics, just straight black and white drawing lines, so it's a good fit except for maybe the controls, because it's, it's a keyboard-operated typing in commands, you know, single or two-letter commands thing. So I'll play a little bit of the video here. Is that loud enough to hear? Or? Can't hear it at all. Okay. No, well, right now it's not doing any sound, but... Uh, turn it up to 11. Okay. Yeah, still not hearing anything, but it uh, looks gorgeous. Is there? Oh, wait, o- I might have forgot to share sound here. Just a sec. Let me stomp that for a second. Is there an overlay on that? Yeah, there is. A couple. It's, color? it's broken in different sections. Ma- yeah. Maybe we should explain about that because a lot of people don't know what Vectric is. I well, did forget ahead. to share go sound. Go ahead, Ron. You want, you want to? Yeah, there's a film that you put over the screen. Right, the screen itself color. is just black and white. Yeah. Right. You guys can hear that now? Yeah. Yep. You got the sound effects pretty close to the original. Except for the 60-cycle hum, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> There's that, that tracks off the ground loop. There's a fix for that. Yeah, they don't have a buzz-off kit in that one, I guess. <clears throat> but yeah, the now, lines at- are perfect, and you, they're, they're fading off in the distance. Yep. Which, I mean, the Coco version, you kind of just started skipping dots to get that same effect. Is this a recent port? Alan, do you know? Because I think you're the one who originally found this, if I remember correctly, yeah, or at least think, you pointed out. Uh, I think this was like pretty much the first announcement of it being uh, available or done at all, because uh, it was just kind of dropped on one of the Vectrex groups on Facebook. Yes, I think it's a very recent, as of like last month. Wow, that's very nice. Yeah. If you play this game a long time, you might be burning in the... Burning Mine. in your CRT, wow. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, and maybe, Alan, you, you've seen some of the details of this on, on the Facebook group. How do you control the commands you're doing? Because, I mean, there's quite a number of commands to do, and, and then you basically just have a joystick and buttons, right, on the Vectrix? Yeah, it's got a it's got an analog stick and four buttons, and I think that it's got a, kind of a preloaded command set that you're triggering with those four buttons. So you kind of maybe have to cycle through... Um, a, a rotating wheel of options and then once you've highlighted one you hit a, like a select button yeah I'd love to find out more about it or even be able to play it as well but uh, I, I haven't been able to find anything other basically than that intro video and then the, there was a uh, post of like uh, an advertisement talking about it becoming available yeah and just so you know Curtis the picture. longer you keep this frame paused the more you're burning into his uh, CRT yeah that's right, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but to get back to what Ron was saying you notice how the top half is kind of purpley and the bottom half is kind of blue and this is what a lot of games did in the in the early days because they were monochrome so they put clear plastic film in front of like on a <laughs> plate of glass in front of the crt space invaders did that like the top row where the ufo was was red the bottom row where your bunkers were were green but it was literally just clear film so the white 
graphics looked like they had a single color to them. So it was a real poor man's hack to get color on a monochrome system. And so Vetrex has, for their games, all kinds of custom overlays to match the games, like uh, Star Castle is a great one. Um, That's how a lot of the arcades did it, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Star Castle in the arcade. Star Castle's had the little circular yes, ones yeah, there. Space, yeah, circular space Invaders, yeah. So. so this one has a kind of a split-screen... Uh, it's actually, and it's even got the two blue lines above the text window too. So it's got like a two vertical blue lines above where the text was. So the text is kind of pinkish, and it's got two blue lines on a line above and below the text, and it's got blue for the text down there. So yeah, it's incorporated some splashes of color. Honestly, I don't think the Daggerath would look bad if just monochrome. But no, in fact, I, it's I got some. Now, I'm, now this is probably going to be weird. Do they do they invert it? I don't think you can invert with. Um, you can't do inversion like you can. No. Uh, yeah. So when you alternate, It'd be a very levels, busy raster if you try. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, <laughs> the colors are even misaligned here. I see. Yeah, because it's just the, however the um, the overlay was positioned on there, and this is you know he's using like a camera. I'm I'm surprised he's getting the screen as good as he's getting because it's hard to get CRTs like on our modern smartphones and cameras because the the frames per second don't synchronize that well, right? You're looking at a 30 frame per second CRT, and and all of our modern stuff is 60 frames, and um, so but being vector, this isn't really it's there's no frames. Oh, You're that's right. true too. So drawing that, the beam that, around that, that might be why it's it's a little bit better, right? So, uh, and the screen is sideways; it's not it's vertical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, As a lot of the arcade games were back then too. They yeah. were. Yeah, so so I was on the fence with wanting a Vetrex, but I think I've got a compelling reason now. Did somebody mention you need an add-on for this too? Because it's just using some type of ARM uh, add-on to make this work. I don't recall, but there's... Yeah, I think there's uh, playable via VEC Fever. Okay. That's the, the cartridge add-on. Yeah, that's what it says here in the bottom here. Playable via VEC Fever. Okay. And is that... So is that like a Coco SDC equivalent, like a multi-card or something? Good question. Okay. Yeah, I have no I idea asked, what a VEC Fever is. <laughs> I asked the, the original poster over on Facebook if they would come on and discuss this more. Mm-hmm. And they declined saying that it was actually written by someone else named Tomas. Okay. Who, or Thomas, who uh, uh, is notably recluse. Okay. All right. Vec Fever is a uh, development tool. It's mainly a development tool. It's a cartridge, basically, that you can slip into the Vectrix, but it's primarily used for development. Okay. Well, okay. that's cool. Well, well if he's, if he's reclusive, this. I wonder if we could do like an email interview like I used to do back in the old days with the game page. And you can, then they can just answer at leisure whenever they want and they don't have to appear on camera or anything. Even the, that would be nice to have. Well, we'll Why have not? to keep an eye on this project and see where it goes. There's folks this chasing is... around the uh, Vectrex Discord trying to find out more about this and or. Okay. There may well, be keep, keep us posted, Alan, because I, I didn't have heard of it until I think it was you who posted about it, and then it was like, oh, wow, this is cool. All right, what's next, Curtis? Hey, next up, we got some MC10 stuff. Um, so the first one here from Jim McClellan. I uh, released a survival horror game called Monsters in the Manor. In fact, he released it twice because he released a beta, too. I don't know too much about it. I don't know if you, if you have a copy of that when you were doing your stream. I'm not sure. I'll have to get that. And that might it does say that the MCX32SD that you just got, though, is required. So okay. I'm not sure exactly if it's using high-risk graphics or maybe it's using, like, the disk features to load and save stuff. I don't know what it needed for, but um, okay. there's definitely a lot of support coming out for that. I've seen a few projects now that basically say it's required. 
Very cool. Well, I will definitely have to add that to my SD card and check it out. Yeah. Then the next up on the MC10, Jim had posted a question and he was asking about, is there any uh, good chess games for the MC10? So, of course, Jim Gary came in and posted a whole bunch of them that he's ported over the last few years <clears throat> of, of varying degrees of you know complexity and, and gameplay, etc. Um, but they actually look pretty good. There's some that are basically text-based. There's some ones with using low-risk graphics. And then there was somebody else talking about uh, with Jim about doing one for the you know the the new modern cards that allow you to do the high-res graphics and stuff here. And then somebody actually did a mock-up of what that would look like in a P-Mode 1. Okay. Um, the game's not actually written yet here, but somebody was mentioning, actually it was Jim himself that was mentioning, there's a 6800 chess available uh, from 1978 that you could combine with that. It's a machine like which would actually play fairly well. And it's more compatible. With the yeah, that looks like the design. cartridge version of, of micro chess for uh, the Coco a little bit there. Yeah. So anyway, I, I wasn't aware there was four chess games already on the MC10. Um, and, and, and you know, possibly somebody might be working on this new high-res version of it too. But The uh, reason why is that that was proven to really attract the ladies. So they're like, hey, you want to come by and check out chess on my MC10 after school? And it, uh, just, it got the girls. So that was why there were so many <laughs> yeah. of them. So. <laughs> yeah, you just want them off like flies. From I remember. Yes. Good it's, thing I still have my shortwave. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's chess, not and chess. And typing tutor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Next up, I was hoping Alan Huffman would actually be around for this one here because he's been doing a lot of interesting blogs lately uh, and series of blogs. Like he's continuing his keyboard buffer one. We'll get to that one a little bit in the future here. But um, in this one here, he's been taking and going through the Atari 2600 classic cartridge by Warren Robinette called Adventure, which is actually, I think, one of the best games of all time, period, on any platform, especially given the time and the limitations of the hardware it was running on. But he's actually been getting all the graphics uh, out of the original ROMs here and actually putting them up on the Coco. So he did, you know, and here he's got, uh, you know, the low-res version of some of them doing in the semi-graphics mode, and then he decided to map them over to okay, P-Mode 3, screen, it looks like, yeah. or P-Mode 1. So you can see all the sprites, and this is like the entire game. It's basically just blocks and, and these few drawn details here, because, of course, you had not much memory to work with on, on the 2600. But um, definitely is an interesting project. And he's got some uh, blog posts about it, and he's been going through and figuring out how stuff works. And he's, it's an ongoing series, still going. There's more coming. So for those of you who have an interest both in Coco games and also on the Atari 2600 uh, game adventure, that uh, definitely follow the blog post there because it's, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to pull out of that cartridge. And I know Jim's done a pretty good port of adventure with the MC-10, too. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities here. Um, the Amigos returned uh, to the Coco show here. Uh, they actually recorded this about a month ago, but they recorded a few for their shows that went defunct, and they're still going to you know, occasionally throw out new episodes. So this was, the, I think, the 18th episode of the Coco show, and they decided to cover Megabug. And that game is, is of we course, gotcha. your old-fashioned Megabug. We gotcha. Now, yeah, that's right. Megapod. <laughs> <laughs> Complete with animations by Brent. By the very famous Steve. And this was a fun one to listen to because uh, Brent, of course, is the younger brother of Aaron and a fair bit younger. So, like, when Aaron was, you know, teenagers when they got the Coco and got Megabug and Brent was, like, five. But this is one of the games he remembers quite well. That and Dallas Quest he was a huge fan of. But, uh and they go through the fact that this is actually a clone of some other ones, and it's been called different things on different platforms. It was Dung Beetles on the Apple. Oh, that II was interesting. I, yeah, and there was a the few other platform, uh, by the ports way. with different names again, you know, type thing. 
So, and they actually do some comparison videos here. They actually do show the Apple II version side by side, so you can see you know the similarities and some of the differences, etc. So, I guess that would explain. I guess that would explain why it was only one life because it was a clone, and Steve Bjork had had to code it a certain way. I guess like, yeah, because it was basically it was based the on the existing dung beetles that came out yeah. before. Because I know some people don't like the fact there's only one life. Uh, it makes it too hard, but that would be why. And he mentioned something in the review that I'd forgotten about. If you hold down a key during the boot, you actually get twice as many bugs in the maze to make it even harder. Yeah, the enter key, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten about that because I hadn't hadn't looked through the manual. In you get sixteen decades. bugs instead of <laughs> that's all, that's what you really need in this game is making it harder, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that Dave Shadoff will add that to Star Spores for the special Stevie <laughs> Stro edition. <too. laughs> yeah, they really Next. love that we gotcha thing. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Alan Huffman, like I said, he's been a busy boy this past week. So he also put up a video of a mock-up of Super Super Coco Brothers, which is like a semi-graphics for Mirror, Mirror Brothers. So he just did the title screen, and then he played the theme song in, in play statements. I thought it was kind of an interesting take on it. Super Coco Brothers. Oh, look at that. It's scrolling. Yeah, yeah. One player, two player, top. Copyright 1985, Mint Coco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping the fidelity of the play command is low enough that Nintendo won't yank our video for this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this just in, we just received a cease and desist from Nintendo. <laughs> There's no game here, though. It's, just, it's, it's all on me. Yeah. Anyway, I'll play the whole thing. Go, go check That's out cool. the video. I, that I, I like the, uh, the hitting those low notes. and getting in there. So it's mono, monophonic. Yeah, it's a, it's a mono play command, but yeah. he does switch between the octaves so that it does yeah. kind of give that fakeness of being multi polyphonic. That's pretty cool. Good job. It's a pretty cool rendition of it, though, so definitely go check that out. Alan's been a busy boy. Yeah, wait till you get to the main section, too. There's even more news from him. Uh-oh, Mr. Dave. Now, is Mr. Dave on the call here? Yes, I, know him I, I have this queued up, too. But either way, your YouTube video should be fine, but I also have it queued Do you want me up. to save that for a little interview with Dave about it, then? Uh, I can well, that's it. up to Mr. Dave. Is Mr. Dave is still here. That's Mr. Dave to you. Yes. Paging Mr. Dave. Why don't you go ahead and just run it, and then if he comes back on later, we can run it again. I've got it queued up. I can show it at any time. Okay. Because this is part of a, a 512K, 6 on required game. It's the first game he's ever written in assembly language. And it's going to be a bunch of little mini games and stuff combined, which I'll let him get into the details of because I don't know all of it. He's even having guest spots from some of the people on the panel here um, that you'll see on the, on the video teaser. Oh, There's little things you hide and little things that you show. Sometimes I think you're going to get it. Who's that douchebag? Oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> Gambling, gambling, horse racing, horse racing. Ooh, bilingual. Ooh, Mark Overholzer. <laughs> A lot of uh, vices here. Buy weed. Chet <laughs> should like that part. <laughs> and there you go. Twenty twenty one. So he's expecting release this year. 509, yep. 512K required, uh, which is now the third game requiring a 609 wow. for a new title. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's the only thing I know how to program. Oh, there he is. Mr. Dave is here. 
Um, oh, good. Now I can quit being filler spot here and let him talk. <laughs> yeah, real quick, too, and I'm sure if David Shadoff is still here, but Chris Poacher just mentioned that Star Spores is now one of his all-time favorite games on the Dragon 32. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Dave. Mr. Dave. Hey, how much does it cost to get my likeness on there? <laughs> <laughs> So, Mr. Dave, did you want to explain like the game? Like, this is your first assembly language game project you've done for the Coco. Wait, wait a right? second. What does he have me saying there right now? There's no wrong way to, wrong way to poutine. poutine. What the hell is poutine? Fries, cheese curds, and gravy on fries. It's awesome. The Canadian delicacy. Now, am yeah. I am I a fast food serving person? Yep. Okay. <laughs> you couldn't have found more. That's it's like you're going roles. up in the world, Steve. Yeah, I'm going up. Jobs go. Uh, nice butch haircut. Yeah. You, like that? <laughs> <laughs> you got the gold chain. Duke Stevie. <laughs> Duke. It's time to kick Can it. Can I get fries with that? Gum. <laughs> what are those oh, bottles oh, on the wall? Bad ball? attitude for no reason. Uh, poutine sauce. <laughs> I have never heard of poutine before. Oh, oh man, you're missing. Oh, it, it's a must. Okay. It's a must. It's a Quebec delicacy that's popular over Canada. Even Burger King and McDonald's sell it up here now. Oh. Very cool. Anyway, Mr. Dave, if you want to explain the game and the concept and uh, how you got started on it and your goals. Hey, okay, it's a, it's a graphical adventure game. So your young protagonist is in Montreal, and uh, he wants to go to the underground casino. Pretty much anything goes there. And uh, you're... Your goal is to uh, win at the games, score with the girls, and learn how to cheat the games and uh, come out ahead. Hopefully, um, you'll get rich and you'll get the girl of your dreams. Now, the games will play differently for different people, depending on how you play it. Uh, If you want to drink heavily or do drugs, well, that's your choice. Um, (laughs) If you want to cheat, strongly encourage, especially before watching this show. Uh, <laughs> if you want to cheat on the games, uh, go ahead and try. Uh, we have our bouncer here. Marco is quite a presence. And Mark he'll D. Overholzer, bouncer extraordinaire. Yeah. Look at that. There we go. He'll, he'll put key. an end to it if he catches you. The key. Exactly. No cheaters <laughs> in casino. There's a lot but of yeah, debauchery going on here, and I, I approve. By, yeah, it's by definitely weed. inspired by uh, Leisure Suit Larry and you know games like that. Also, so it's it, it's basically an adventure game as a wrapper, but it's got a bunch of mini games inside of it. If I understand correctly, yeah, there is a big overall story to this. It's it's got a a big storyline, which will you know depends on how you play the game will end differently. Uh, there'll be different characters. You have a cell phone. You're going to get contact from different people uh lots of mini games to play uh roulette slot machine horse racing uh, our buddy ken from crt he's a local loan shark you can go to see him get some cash <laughs> and he's in the chat i believe too yeah. steve at the restaurant well he's gonna help you i'm not i don't want to spoil too much but uh he can help you apparently i'm serving up poutine that's right. <laughs> Not to be confused with other things that sound similar. That sounds that. dirty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you're cool. expecting a release by the end of 2021? Like, or are you fairly far along now? Or 
I'm hoping to have this wrapped up by March 1st. Oh, okay. That really. Okay. So if I was serving an order of poutine and I said, would you like fries with that? I'd be redundant, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> or if you're a programmer, it would be recursive. Recursive. Okay. <laughs> In order to explain recursion, I must first explain recursion. But before yes. I could do that, I have to explain recursion. <laughs> I think we could take the Monty Python spam skit and spin it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Sierra games had games within and games, spam. too. You had to play, like, slot machines and card games and stuff in a lot of the Sierra Online games, like Leisure Suit Larry and whatnot. So that's very cool that it's bringing in some of the, um, you know, more adult-themed um, you know, it's like pick your vice. Do you want to gamble? Do you want to smoke? Do you want to drink? Do you want to, you know, chase women? There's uh, lots of chances to um, indulge in whatever uh, things you want to in this game. It looks really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of elements. I'm, I'm putting actually quite a big story into it. So, you know, you're going to try and flirt with the girls. And if you can get on the good side, they might help you beat the system you know cheat the casino games uh some girls are you know the girl at the store is the sister of one of the girls at the casino so you have to be careful what you do and how much of a player you are because it, it's gonna know mm. does this have coco ai in it <laughs> yeah actually uh yesterday when i was programming the roulette game it became so complicated in the math to keep track of how to pay out the bets that I decided that the Coco is just going to look at the board like a croupier would and just pay out as it sees the chips because it was it was too much math. Okay. Too many too many checks to do. So I'm doing it actually visually. You could you could have a um, MC10 as a coprocessor. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just use the Coco Croupier. <laughs> now, these are the uh, first draft of the graphics, and uh, Rob was nice enough to put me together a little uh, teaser for what the game is going to be like. Okay. So there's some, thing, some, some things that are pending, a little rough on the edges, but yeah. uh, I just want to get the framework in. It's quite <laughs> ambitious, and I, I am literally looking forward to this. Now, is it, I'm assuming it's going to require like an SDC because you're probably going to need a ton of storage for all these pictures and stuff, I assume, right? Like this wouldn't run off a regular floppy drive unless you want to swap disks 5,000 times. No, the the first uh, issue of the game is going to be on cart and it's going to be oh, a really? one okay. megabyte one megabyte cartridge with a built-in MP3 player. So you'll have some uh, good club music going. And nice. That, that oh, looks cool. like the girl on a truck mud flap back there. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the sign back there? Yeah. Yeah, you'll be able to tell her that. <laughs> I've seen I've seen better bodies on mud flaps, honey. <laughs> I know that chick anywhere. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I didn't realize you were doing it on a cartridge. That's 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 interesting with the MP3 player on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, the first the first issue will be on the cartridge, and then I'm going to, you know, probably later put it on uh, that it could run on a Windows or a MAME or something. But um, no, it's definitely going to be a cartridge game. Uh, well, put me down Switch. for a pre-order. I definitely want to. I want make. a physical copy of this. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. There'll be some little things with the copy. It'll be kind of a, a fun package. Is there any? Does it include the mud flaps? Is my question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go. 
I would like yeah, to know if I can have some mini games where I can raise, I can climb up the uh, fast food chain ladder where I'm no longer just serving this, but maybe I can become a manager or something else. I can get a big ring of keys that I can lock up the store at night, things like that. So um, <laughs> maybe you could become <laughs> the most authority so like I do. You're 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 stuck serving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck serving. Huh? <laughs> That's my own private purgatory right there, serving. Oh uh, well, uh, don't worry, Steve. You have a you have a very important part of this. Uh, in this game, so this cartridge, roll. this HD? cartridge has uh, one megabyte, and it uh, has a uh, sound chip and a real time clock. <laughs> Can have a uh, probably <laughs> megabyte real time clock and a MP3 player. Yeah. Wow! Hey Stevie, we Explore VR said he'd buy food from you. He Explore VR says he do what now? He he buy fast food from. Oh, you. okay, good, good. <laughs> yeah, you you got cred. Excellent. So this is the um, same. This is the same cartridge that you're using, Nick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't. Uh, the first time I heard of this. Uh, yeah, who's okay. building this card? Uh, me. Yeah, I didn't know about your project, which I really love. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Um, I, I just don't have the time or ability to program all the music, but I am a hardware guy, so I'm putting in a chip, and we're going to just pump uh, audio straight in. What okay, so this is an original MP3. You're not using the one that. Uh... Jim at Retro Things is no, no. This is my own. I didn't, I didn't know other people were doing it at the time. I just oh, thought, okay, okay I, I don't want to sit there and program all this music, and I want something a little more cutting edge, uh, very modern style game. So I'm doing kind of like a anime Japanese dating sim game where you know you have to try and get favor with the girls, and uh, a key element will be the mood meter. So that will be your lifeline in the game. You got to keep your character in the zone, happy. If you know, if you lose too much, or you drink too much, or get beaten up by Marco, well, then you're you're gonna, you know, game over. <laughs> but Just if like you're really life. good mood, yeah. If you're good mood and things are going well, you're gonna win more. You're gonna score better with the girls. Um, so first time, go your copies, way. You get a mood ring. i'm gonna make the cards Uh, i'm gonna 3d print them i'm gonna make the boards everything that's cool okay so a whole one-man shop here yep will there be i'm thinking about 14 hours a day Hmm. will there be a a easy financing plan (laughs) (laughs) for the girl (laughs) to buy the cartridge yeah, we'll work something out. Lay, lay, layaway, <laughs> layaway program. So, uh, very cool. That's a very ambitious project. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I have the time to work on it right now, so I'm giving it my my best uh, shot. Very cool. Very, very, yeah. very cool. Thank, thanks for coming by and talking about it, too. And, and thanks to Rob Inman for putting the little teaser video together. Are, are there yeah, more shots? What was Pardon? that around? Are there more screenshots of this? I'm oh, yeah. Right yeah halfway. He's been posting them in Discord. Yeah, some of them. I'm, okay. I'm not trying to post everything, but uh, there's going to be a good... Um, I mean, uh, the game is going to be at least one meg, so it's a lot of stuff in it. Is that guy wearing a Coco Talk shirt? He certainly is. <laughs> yep. I have to say, Mark, you look intimidating here. I wouldn't want you as a bouncer. Yeah, right, right. We wouldn't know him without that thing on his head. <laughs> Does it shoot lasers? He's shooting lasers <laughs> out of his visor. Freaking lasers. 
Yeah, I'm doing this all in uh, 16 color, um, 320 by 192 graphics. And it looks is, good. Is Tina seeing this? Uh, she took the pictures. Oh, ah. oh okay. <laughs> Better yet. <laughs> cool. Yeah, keep keep us posted, and if you if you get any uh, more of the you know the animated shots, like I know you had a few bits in the teaser here, like showing the actual slots rotating and the horses starting to race. So if you get more into that stuff too, I wouldn't mind showcasing that a little bit later too, or you know just any other scenes you want to do without revealing too much of the game itself. Sure. Yeah, as it gets more uh, more developed, um, like this stuff is all pretty raw. Like uh, I'm taking these BMPs right out of Photoshop and taking the raw data and putting them into the cocoa. Like I'm not using any programs for this. There's no, um, you know, it, it's all assembly language. So you're it's not going to cool. rename this uh, leisure suit overholzer or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Mark just said no. I think. Okay, and Rob, Rob just informed us there will be several more promos. So I guess as more, oh, well, as, as more information becomes available, Rob will be throwing together more sizzle reels for us. So thank you for that. Cool. Rob Inman. As a quick aside, too, uh, Rob and I are going to be doing some tutorial videos later on, too. Um, oh, good. So yeah, not on this game. Um, I'll no. make sure I put oh, those on oh, when I have trouble uh, sleeping. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, while I, I still have the mic on, um, I really enjoyed the uh, the game of the week. I think David did a great job on it. And there was a lot of buzz on Discord. Everyone posting their scores were like, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to keep going, try and get a higher score. And it, it definitely wasn't a boring game. It was definitely really enjoyable. So uh, I want to give a shout out yeah, to that. We, now, oh, it, good. Is, was this the only thing that David ever released for the Coco? Sounds like yep. it. Yep, it was. I mean, when, when, when he, what he went through, his spectral happened. Yeah. And you can understand why he didn't. So this was your only Coco release, David? Yeah, that's right. So, so this is like the musical equivalent of a one-hit wonder. You've oh, got to, you, just, you came out strong, and you just have you have something that everybody loves. That's awesome. And the record company screwed you over. <laughs> well, that, that, that's why I asked him if they had any other ideas that, when it come to fruition, had things worked out more positively with Spectrum because he's obviously talented. And yeah. uh, who knows what we missed out on? That is so cool. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of after after that segment ended, there was a lot more people coming through the live chat. So one of the guys, Chris Poacher, was saying that his drag the dragon version is now one of his favorite dragon games. So uh, that's really cool that it was so well received. So that's awesome. Can I share for one second? Go, uh, sure. I think Curtis might need sure. to stop. Go ahead. All right. Uh, just a quick. Oh, that's right. Uh, thanks to Rob. The, uh... <laughs> a bit gangster, Rob. There, yeah, he's looking completely gangster. He's wearing his Arizona shirt. Yeah, right. And he looks like you take a hit out on you or lose yeah. money. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. when you take <laughs> these pictures and you break them down into pixels and in flat color palettes that it really changes the personality of the person. You know. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to see what it's going to come out as. Yeah. Yeah, this guy and Duke Steve, we got a problem. Yeah. I can see him and Marco <laughs> in the game here taking each other on at some point. That's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I told Rondell, though, the lower the resolution, the better he looks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, let me show you <laughs> oh, my little friend. I like this show. <laughs> You've got a face for standard deaf. Yes. yes. <laughs> What's Dave? that saying? The, yeah. the worse your life, the better we sound. That's right. Thank you so much for, for starting this project, Dave, and we really look forward to seeing more of this as, as the world turns. Oh, thanks. I'm working hard to make a, a fun game and... You know the kind of style I like. A little so. bit, little bit spicy, little saucy. Something, oh, yeah. something your pastor would want you to play. <laughs> Check <laughs> out this game with gambling and. Well, drinking. that's going to be up to the players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the players are going to be in charge of their own destiny. So. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, be your own moral compass in this one. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. like playing Grand Theft Auto and trying to uh, obey all the traffic laws. Yeah. Well, I always treat my moral compass like a game of Twister. It's just, <laughs> okay, today I'm a scumbag. <laughs> Left-hand scumbag. Yes, all right. Cool. What else we got in Game On News, L. Curtis Boyle? Well, speaking of scumbags, this guy named Stevie Stroh did <laughs> <laughs> an MC10 What a segue. I couldn't have planned that better if I knew. Uh I had a lot of fun playing. I, I just want to say, for the record, it's a new year. I've been saying this for years. The MC10 is a fantastic machine. It's an incredible piece of technology. Some amazing people making software for it. Um, so, yeah, because you, you got your new SD uh, MCX32 SD. Yes, and you got a whole bunch of discs you know, or cassette sets, I should say, by different authors too. So you have them set yes. up. Yes. Yes. Uh, do you want me to stop sharing so you can show that? No, no, I'll show it later. That's fine. We can talk oh, about it sorry. project updates and stop. acquisitions, but yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll save it for that then. Yeah. But yeah, the, so I ordered that last week when, when my internet took a crap on me and, and Mark uh, Bosley started streaming. I'm like, oh, since we're talking about this, let me go ahead and order it real quick. So I ordered <laughs> it on the show live and on the air last week. And I got it in like Wednesday or something. It came in like wicked fast. And I didn't have time to play with it really until Friday. And so I, you know. Uh, I actually had to read, too, to figure it out, but I, I pulled up the manual. I read the manual, figured out how to set up the auto-exec file, so it bo- kind of like the Coco SDC where you can See, boot yeah. up to something. So you create a folder called mcx-sd or something, and you put an auto-exec bass file in there, and I grabbed Darren Ottery's um, loader that he had been talking about on the Facebook group, and I used that as my file browser because it does have dir commands, but they're not as easy as the Coco SDC one. You've got to specify, like, zero colon slash folder slash file name and it's just a little bit more type heavy and having to type on that keyboard is the worst possible thing anybody should ever have to do so um (laughs) having that user interface really made launching the software just a little bit easier so i highly recommend and i know that robert sieg is working on one too but for whatever reason i couldn't figure out how to unzip his so i just went with the one that i could actually get going so we have two different um, front-end loaders for this platform already to, to browse files and directories and launch software. So it's a great start for a brand-new product. And you hit a few little quirks. There were some things that were designed for the MCX-128 that weren't running properly. Did we ever figure out, was it the loader cause? Well, I, have, no, I, I seriously doubt it's the loader because Darren, Darren knows the MC-10. He had one back in the day, and if there was an issue, he would have known about it. So I suspect my MC-10 having the onboard 8K mod done to it might be throwing things off from what the mc32 uh, is doing for memory allocations so that's my guess and i i need to rejigger things to get out my other mc10 to try it on that's unmodified but that one only has rf out so i've got to switch out all my capture and input devices and stuff so that's another project but yeah i do want to get to the bottom of that 
re- rejigger is a technical term. It is. Yes, it's <laughs> kind of it's kind of like finagles, kind of like a little yeah. bit of finagling. It's kind of like poutine. Yes. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> I like the little cream cheese on my finagles. But this is a game that we talked about on the news that I was dying to try. It's called Sucks, right? So shoot upward, kill stuff or something Every, like that. Anything or something. Which yeah. is similar to Star Spores. As I was playing, I'm like, you know what? This reminds me of Star Spores. And I really should be playing Star Spores, but I'm having a lot of fun playing <laughs> this one, too. So, um, yeah, a lot of great content. Um, Jim Gary posted a couple of links in the MC10 Facebook group with some Google Drive stuff. So I just went there. I pulled those. I unzipped them, stuck them on the SD card, and started um, just kind of perusing software. A few of them I had to rename. An interesting thing about the file browser is that it will recognize long file names, but at the end of the day, the MC10 still is not able to load the long file names, so I still had to like manually shorten all the file names to make sure they weren't more than eight characters long and stuff. So there was a handful of things I had to rename um, because I'm, I'm assuming Jim's uh, archive was based on using an emulator. When you're using a modern yeah, PC, it doesn't matter how long the the, the C10 file name is. Um, but there is just a spit ton of software for the MC10. So um, yeah, and some from, decent ML games like this is yeah, one this of them, one and there's an others. Asteroids, there's a Pac-Man, there's the uh, Space Assault got ported. Darren Atkinson, Flag and Bird, Flag and Bird. Yeah, there's there's a good half a dozen or more, maybe closer to a dozen uh, semi-language games for. The MC10 and a ton of stuff in basic that's all really high quality. So, yeah. Now, I did want to play a little bit of this one because I know the video we showed last time was shot from a phone from like way off and it was kind of hard to see and hear the game. So, this is, this is, is a fairly new game anyway. I was going to play a few seconds of it. Look, look um, how clean that text is on there, right? You see how good the text looks on there? So, I got, I sent I my MC10 off to, um, to Ed Snyder because I'm not a hardware guy. So, Ed Snyder did the 8K update for me and he put in a composite board. So this is composite out, and then I have a fairly good high-end upscaler that's taking the composite and just cleaning it up. So this is a super pristine picture as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, look at this. Look at the variety of your ships and stuff. And this one, I like the rapid fire in this, too. You can hold down the space bar and just keep shooting as you kind of scroll side to side and shoot at stuff. So, it's a pretty good game, and like Star Spores, it has that right balance of things and, and a yeah. lot of variety too. Like it, they actually almost look like they're inspired. Yeah, yeah, it could be. This one was inspired by Star Spores. So, and yeah, and there's just there's so much software, and just in the Jim Gary collection alone, um, pages and pages and pages of software to look through. And then there's a bunch. Yeah, I think of he's other done authors. well over 200 titles already. Yeah. I think at this point, or pretty close to it, anyway. Just by himself. <laughs> anyway, there's three hours of MC10 ga- gaming goodness there that Steve did last night. So, And if you want to see what a lot of the Jim Gary games look like, there's a ton of those. You demonstrated and, the Asteroids, so that one had a bit of a glitch. Yeah, and that, again, that might be because of my 8K onboard. So maybe some th- stuff is pushing memory. And that this is Diego's game. I remember him talking about this one where you had to clean the teeth of the hippo. Yeah, and so uh, <laughs> that was fun this, I think this is based on um, I think this is based on a mobile game or something. Um, similar, and there was a Timberman that we found that was pretty good. A ton of great titles. This is the Space Assault, which is basically ported from the Tandy cartridge. Great little Space Invaders game. Um, yeah. So one of the things that they were talking about last night too is apparently MC10 prices are going up now too. So you're looking at a hundred dollars to two hundred dollars for a freaking MC10 now on eBay just because more people are interested and they're getting harder to find. 
Um, I got lucky. I bought them a couple of years ago. I got my first NT- MC10 probably maybe a year into the hobby for me, and I think I got it for 40 bucks in the box. And I was like, oh, man, this is a steal. I, I never planned on ever using it. I just figured it would be nice to have for 40 bucks. You can't go wrong. So I'm happy I have mine now because they're probably going to be harder to get. Um, but for those who have them, we've got two great add-ons now for that from from the brilliant minds of Darren Atkinson and the uh, the engineering prowess of uh, of uh, Ed Snyder. But I have the original MCX128 that basically see how the screen's kind of fuzzy here. I think that has to do with my onboard memory. So this was the Asteroids game. Great Asteroids though, very smooth, plays well. Yeah, if I remember, it's based on the Star Blaster cartridge from the Coco, and just rescaled, if I remember. Okay. When they were talking about it. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good titles, but there's two different products now. So if you own an MC10, you have a couple paths to take, and probably the MC32 SD is going to be a path of less resistance because you don't have to worry about getting into MC, which is like a drive wire type thing for it. You can literally just stick things on the SD card, just like the Coco SDC. There is something like the SDC Explorer, and I'm sure the, I'm sure that that program will evolve over time. There's two different people providing something like this was Lee Patterson's bouncy ball for the Coco that got ported to the MC10. Fun little game. Um, so this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is only the beginning of what people will be doing with this MC32 cartridge. There's going to be a lot of front ends for it. It's going to open up new doors because it adds more RAM. Right, because you can't. Yep. It's hard to if you have an MC10 now. How do I add memory to it? Trying to find the original Tandy 16K upgrade. Those are going to be less common on eBay than even the MC10s will. So we've got memory options. We got all kinds of options here. Um, so yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, it also to, adds extended basics. You can do high res graphics. You can you know save and load machine language easy and a bunch of other things too. It's actually yeah. quite a. This is literally the first uh, like modern solution for, uh, or you know, or any kind of solution besides cassette like ever because there was a, a disk drive that was done a few years ago that was in development but it never got completed well the mcx 128 has been around for a while it's been around for at least two years that i'm aware of and and right. that offers the same functionality but it has to do it over a serial cable so you need to have uh you know a, 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 basically your bit banger connected to uh, like oh, a drive true. wire the- server but uh, that works very well um the mcx 128 actually adds 128k of ram and gives you a, a large basic with up to um 40k available in basic so you can actually when you do a print mem you're seeing 40k available basic space so you could actually write some pretty big basic programs on your mc10 and save them out to uh to I, i'm saying DriveWire because that's the name everybody recognizes yeah, the mc surfer I it's, think called it's called mc e-m-c-e-e so it's a drive wire like protocol that actually works on pi drive wire so if you're running that you're running drive wire and mc at the same time um so yeah so, so how is it that people don't think that the mc10 is not a color computer well it's, it is a computer that has color but it's not the it cocoa. says it on, on the label yeah it's a color computer but it's not a color cocoa. computer it says yes. it's a color computer it is a lot of computers are color computers so you're trying to say is it a cocoa because well, uh, uh, the the uh, TDP one hundred doesn't say it's a color computer, but we believe it is, don't we? No, I believe the jury's still out on that one. I'm pretty sure that's. I would like in the MC- yeah. I, I would like in the MC10 <laughs> to be more of a cousin to the color computer. 
Well, yeah, first cousin. It the, shares the VDG and some the, other stuff yeah, so too. The, but things, yeah. the thing you just want to make sure is that yes, yes, it is, and it's made by Radio Shack. It is called Micro Color Computer. It is a color computer, but it's not a cocoa. And I'm not saying that to to be mean. I'm just saying that so if somebody doesn't know any better, you can't run cocoa software. So I'd hate to have somebody to buy one saying, "Hey, I got this MC10. It's a it's a smaller version of the cocoa. It's not hardware." Coco. It's Coco similar, but you cannot run. You could you could port basic programs, but you couldn't take Donkey King and run it on here, right? You couldn't take the over the counter and third party software from the real no. color computer and run on this. And that's the only reason why I would want to make sure that distinction is clear. Um, is it yeah, like some of the games computer? we've shown here that are on the Coco, like Space Assault, Flood of Witches on the screen right now, um, Space Assault, uh, you know, Asteroids or whatever, Bouncy Ball. I've been ported from the Coco to the MC10, but they had to be rewritten. They will not just run. Yeah, that's and, that's and why it's the, considered and, The TDP is different because that you can take Coco programs and they just literally run. Yeah, so. TDP is 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 a Coco of a different name. This has a okay. different processor too. It's not a sixty eight oh nine. So that's the other important part yeah. is that you the, you can't just drag drag and drop an assembly language program from one platform to the yeah. other because they, they as John Laurie yeah. said, I would consider it a, a first cousin because it first does share cousin. like the VDG and it does share the history of the Cocoa and the basic it's is made quite by similar. Radio Shack. It's got the same parents, but it's not a it's not one hundred percent compatible. So that's the one thing I would say is a little bit different. But right? here it is on Cocoa Talk. Well, it's part of the color computer it's part family. Of the color from, computer and, family. Yeah. It is. Aren't the uh, CPU rather similar though? Yeah, it's a Motorola. I mean, it's... it is a Motorola. It's it's similar, but it's not the same. It's a sixty eight oh three, so it doesn't have the full instruction set, and you can't just drag and drop a program from the Cocoa and have it run on here because um, the yeah, CPU kind of, is different. It's kind of the okay. RC Cola of the Cocoa world. Actually, <laughs> you can load a, a Cocoa program in there. It won't run, but it'll load in. Okay, there you go. You can load it, but it won't run. You heard it here first, first exactly. folks. So, because uh, <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> now <laughs> the basic the, the basic is pretty compatible, so you could like save out a basic program in ASCII format or through an emulator, copy and paste it into the emulator, and then you know. So it's re- it should be fairly simple to. Uh, uh, Terry Steen's calling avocado. It's actually asparagus, Terry. But we uh, any yeah. vegetable do at this point. I think he's saying stop. <laughs> with the, think, tomato, tomato, apricot. Yeah, tomato, tomato. Okay, I think we've beat that horse to death. Yeah. Um, now we know why, good three-hour uh, stream. Go check Ronso. it out if you've never seen much of the MC10 Get software it. library before. It's a good chance to check it out. Ostrich. Anna. <laughs> 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 And we talked about Diego earlier because we showed one of his games for, you know, brushing the hippo's teeth type thing, or at least shooting the plaque off. Yeah. So this is a, a game he's reprogramming, re-optimizing, and one that he wrote back in 1987 called Airwolf, and it was inspired by a Spectrum game. Frodo can correct me Does if I'm wrong. Does this have Jan Michael Vincent in it by any chance? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Ernest maybe, maybe it came with a poster. Ernest Borgnine? Sure. No. Teen Beat or something <laughs> like that. You know, Nick, Nick Rota would know because he's been in Teen Beat too. Uh, Whenever I hear Airwolf, I just think, you know, Ernest Borgnine. So. <laughs> so this is a game he wrote like 33 years ago, and he's actually revisiting it, and, you know, learned how to optimize better, and he's you know, tweaking the graphics and stuff. So he's got a side-by-side comparison of what the original will look like on the left, I believe, and then on the right's the new one. So I'll just play a little Has bit. Has he been that. talking to David Land with these comparison videos? Oh, we got a master class of that coming up from David himself, so. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> Look at that, the 2.0 release. Oh, look at that. See, this one, the screen's already open, right? So this one... You and he's redesigned see. the copter. It's more modern in the new one. Oh, yeah. Now the map. Oh, look at that. 
Just a small bit fast. Oh, that is so cool. There's your water. Uh-oh. Uh, this is Shades of Popstar Pilot right now. Yeah, or Sea Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got a little laser beam going oh, across there. Balloons. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Yeah, so it is possible to optimize BASIC, even though it's a interpreted language and it's slower than assembly. You can code it to run more effectively. Yep, and if you want to learn about that, Alan has done tons and yep. tons of blogs that he's oh, still yeah. continuing on of how to optimize and tweak every bit of speed you yep. can out of yep. Microsoft. I, I, I gleaned a lot of that when I was working on Cosmic Aliens, all the optimization stuff. Uh, yeah, I like the better copter. It looks more like... Uh, Apache. More modern. I mean, the, yeah. the other one on the left looks like a 70s, Yeah, the one on the left looks kind of like a news copter, where this one looks more like a military, like an Apache-type copter yeah. here. Uh, tonight on Copter 10, we're going to look at live traffic feed for you, coming in over the uh, <laughs> yeah. 301 yeah. highway. <laughs> there seems to be an accident. Uh, somebody dumped poutine on the highway. And, <laughs> yeah, and there's a catch good. there. It's the nightmare highway. Yeah, all right. Anyway, that was a brief uh, foray into Diego's world. Now we're going to go back to the MC10 because it's been a busy week for the MC10 here. So incredible machine. Fantastic. So Robert, <laughs> is it Sieg or Sieg? Sieg, I believe Sieg. it's Sieg. Yeah. So he made uh, and he just posted this one up on New Year's Eve. Um, it's a collect fuel or die game. Now I don't have, unfortunately, there's no screenshots, and I don't have an MC10 here, and I didn't have time to run it through the emulator. So I don't know if anybody on the panel is taking a look at this yet. Called Fuel or Die, and it's available on Google Drive for a free download. Okay. And it's uh, also made for the MCX 30, uh, 32SD. So that's a, this, you know, the second or third game just in the span of today that we've talked about that requires the new card. So you pick the right time to buy one there, Stevie. Oh, yeah. And then he also did another game um, called War 17X, which I don't know too much about it either. There is some broken download links when I was trying to take a look at it here. Some people have actually been mentioning it. It doesn't download. So once he fixes it, I'm sure it'll be up there. But he just put that one up like literally today, this morning. So the, the MC ton content is getting cranked out right now, and it's not by Jim Gary. So yeah, that's... if you guys aren't aware, Robert's been doing a lot of stuff with image manipulation and pushing colors and palettes and dithering effects and converting images, like you know, kind of like what Ron does with his high color stuff and his H, his yeah. SG six stuff. Robert's been doing a lot of that stuff in the MC ten space. So it's really cool to see people pushing pixels onto this machine and doing really cool, innovative things with them. He's so. got a really cool video you're going to like coming up in okay. the regular news yeah. on that very subject. Well, wait so yeah, a bunch of new MC10 games part, out. So, so. And uh, and the basic on that one is version 3. I think they've, it's even got more additions than the old MCX128 basic has. So um, it's it's a pretty, you know, complete yeah, package you're not just getting ram you're not just getting the sd card but you're also getting a brand new basic too so yeah because some of the stuff because again i was reading i did that reading thing um it refers to different drives now similar to like what uh, coco dos does right so you have drive um zero is your internal sd card but then you have drive one is now like your drive wire or your mc drive slot so you can now start to reference files off of different drives so it's like zero colons path file name and so you can pull things from the internal pull things so you could have an internal application pulling stuff over the wire too um you can mix and match it so it's a lot more operating system centric now and how it oh, can cool. reference, I didn't know that. That's, you can that's reference awesome. devices and the mc protocol stuff at the same time um i read 
I'm almost I, I'm, I'm like I'm just, I, I'm just bragging because I read. I hardly ever read, so sorry. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, but I mean, you're actually getting me interested in getting an MC10 at this point, which is not something I thought I'd ever say. I'm pretty well Coco Three. Well, we've been waiting days, on the ease of use edition ported to it. So. Yeah, I know some people were bugging me about that earlier. OS three. OS three. Now the original RTOS. Uh, by Microware that came out in 78 for the 6800. That could be ported because 6803 is basically a 6800 with a built-in timer and a, some other things. That could be ported over. Okay. And that actually did some multitask. I can't remember if it did preemptive multitask, but it did have the ability to switch between apps. So That'd be a real crunch in 4K, though. Well, that's well, the whole we point. Have, these are now, these are now 32 and 40K. 32K, so. 40K, 128K. How many okay. Ks do you need? we got all kinds of Ks over here. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that okay or zero k hey this is uh what's his face the rob's lava retro lamp rambles guy, right? one of our favorite uk guys with the lav lamps yeah so he did a review of ken kalish's devil assault and, and once again you can see the artwork on the uk releases of these same games we saw in north america is way better than we saw oh, yeah. in north america <laughs> i see the devil now this one, this one's a bit different because Rob actually does well at this game, ah. which is a rarity from what I've seen lately. Um, and it's got you know the traditional, you know, loading screen from Microdeal, and of course that's paying a P mode three instead of a P mode four, so that you actually get uh, color. Machine language, three different screens, cassette, one joystick required. Righto then. Well, let's go with green, shall we? I haven't had a green one for a while. Yep, that's definitely green, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. Let's zoom in on that. I'm not feeling, not feeling the green here. Let me out. Okay, that'll do. Select level, select level, select level, select level, select level, select level. I can't speak anymore. Select level <laughs> one, I think. I love the sound effects Ken Callis uses. Bombing yep. Oh yeah, Whoa. this is like uh, Phoenix. Yeah. Demon attack. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's it's demon attack with movable bullets. I guess is the main yeah. difference. The Gorf style. They follow nice you. Nice and fast too. You. Yeah, which is novel. Oh, and it's even got a star field in the background. Hey, Spectral must ask for that. <laughs> we know we want to sell six copies of this thing. Can you add some stars? <laughs> yeah, this one was actually sold by Tom Mix, and then yeah. of course Microdeal in the UK, but. Uh, so you could use Coco VGA with this and flip things. Okay. Right? No, yeah, there, it's Ooh. on the Coco. It was using the P mode for black background stuff. Robot yeah. assault. <laughs> oh, they look like teddy bears. They look it, like. To uh, me, it's kind of funny. We talked about Star Spores today, which actually has like walking people and yeah, spaceships and, so and stuff. This. So, the, yeah, it's, it's kind of coincidental. That's it why I say it reminded thing. me of some Ken Callish stuff, you know. Yeah. Probably don't want them shooting me either, but I say grand. Great minds think alike. I think is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. Who copied who? It's, it's this Ooh, concurrent nice. brilliance happening all over the world. Sproings, the bouncy guys. Boing, boing, boing. I can't get them. Sounds oh, are good. Yeah, well Ken Kalish was a master at making like sound on this machine. Yep, especially crank- cranking him out in 16K, too. Yeah. Because almost all of his games, that's all they needed. There was just, I think, two of his out of his entire catalog that required more. I mean, it basically loops after that wave gets yeah. harder and faster yeah. type thing. But, uh, yeah, it's a good review, and he actually does quite well. Like, he actually gets to play through it and what's speeding up and stuff. And, of course, he has his colorful commentary he always does, which is always awesome to listen to. Yeah. The Amigos are out there in live chat. Hey, Amigos. Hey, Matt Meyer. Hey, Robin Min. 
Matt Meyer Strickyak is out there. Just want to say hi to some other people. <laughs> Demon Attack on Crack. That's how yeah. I'm assuming that's Aaron or is that John? I'm not even sure. Next up, uh, we mentioned this last week. Marlon Lee had not done a Coco video for about four months, and then he released one last week, and he said he was going to get another one cranked out before the new year. And, well, this one got put on literally on New Year's Day. Um, but it's a Defender Cold called Nerval Force, which is not one of the more popular ones, I think. But, I remember um, the name. I, let's see what the... Um... Okay, hey, I remember that title screen. we have Nerval Force. Oh, yeah. Defender I remember this. Color Theater. Little low resolution, and the uh, some of the elements. What I love about Marlon Lee is he never actually tells you the name of the game. It's like a Cubert clone for the color computer, Pac Man clone, <laughs> Defender. Why not just say you know Nerval Force for the color? name the game in the title of the video? But no, that's one. <laughs> now the funny thing I found here is that he talks about you know some of the other Defender clones that are out there, and he said this is one that to him is the closest to the arcade version. So I've got to send him a link to Guardian because I don't think he's played that one, obviously, because that's the closest clone I can think of. I don't know if the rest of the panel agrees with that. We have Planet Invasion. We have Starfire, um, Starblaze by Greg Zummel. That was a Radio Shack cartridge. I like the explosion and stuff on here, though. And it has the radar. I mean, it does have a lot of the elements. Yeah, rescuing people. Seeing yourself on the radar and seeing the active guys on the radar. No, it's a good solid version. I definitely have anything against it. I wouldn't say it's the best one on the Cocoa One and Two, though. And of course, if if Hewlett can get the uh, Defender Transcode for the Cocoa Three done, obviously that'll be the closest one at that point. But yeah, and then they turn into the mutant once they reach the top. You know, so when they yeah, that's in here too. I don't know if it has the whole planet blowing up. I don't think he played long enough to see if that happens. License versions are uh, anyway good. Good to see Marlon yeah. back as he he's taken a couple of hiatuses lately. I'm not and sure if he's just busy with stuff or got, uh, hopefully it's not health related or anything like that. But uh, I mean, he's one of the very first of us that ever started doing Coco videos on YouTube. Look at that, well over a decade like Star Blaze Defender Clone for the color computer. My video is underneath there. The one that you and yep. I did. Yeah, it's linked so, up. As soon as you, so Defender oh, and Coco come up, and then boom. <laughs> you, Curtis and I did a showcase of a, like a half a dozen or more this different Defender clones for the Coco. Yeah, um, well, we should do a follow up because I think we only covered about half of them. Right. Well, we learned a lot more since then too. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, uh, Simon <clears throat> WGB, and I spelt it wrong in the original notes I put up there, so whoops. Um, but he's he's the one who we've, we've talked about before. He does these long live plays, and he just picks you know a topic, and he's been changing the last month. So that instead of just randomly picking a different system, and he does modern systems and retro systems, but instead of picking a random system every single day, he picks a theme for a few days, and he sticks with it. So he returned to the Dragon 32 here right before New Year's, and he did three days worth of streams of over three hours per stream. Wow. And he plays like a game for a full hour, so you get to see a fair bit of it if he's if he's really good at it. So uh, the first stream he did two days ago on day one was Wizard's Quest, which is pictured here, Donkey King, Mr. Dig, and Cashman. Nice. Great quest, great collection. And then on the – I won't play them because they're, they're really long, but definitely go check them out if you want to see, like, long play. Um, day two, he did Gordon Bennett, Speed Racer, Fire Force, and Tea Time, most of which we've seen before. Gordon Bennett's kind of a – a spectrum style game. So Frodo in the chat will, will recognize, I'm sure it's called clone of something or maybe even a port, but this is one I had not seen before. I like the whole titles and graphics of this thing. It looks like a chef or something. Now this oh, looks toilets. more familiar. I love like a game the, with toilets. Yeah. <laughs> and animated toilets. I mean, or that's animated toilets. Yeah. 
Not to be this confused this, with this... Gordon Ramsay by any chance. <laughs> what a lot of crap. <laughs> of course, he has the same problem the rest of us do. He always picked the wrong stuff in emulation. You have to keep swapping joysticks around. And, you know, standards, we don't need those. Does Ron have to take a potty break now? <laughs> yeah, this might be reminding him. You're making me nervous. <laughs> some toilets there, Ron. Subliminal, subliminal advertising. Out, uh, he's he's instinctively out crossing his legs now. So. Asparagus. Is anybody stinks. stealing toilet paper in this game? <laughs> we need to uh, mention to all these uh, game reviewers that they can get the switcheroo to... Uh, that bar comes down does, in the Does that work flush. on the dragon, though? With, with no, the dragon doesn't have the uh, RGB uh, the, No, the switcheroo is only for the Coco 3 for video. Maybe you're thinking oh, like so a was, Joey... Thinking, you're thinking of a Joey a controller Joey, switch. Oh, the Joey Sorry. joystick switch, yeah. Yeah, the uh, Joey controller switch can be made to work with a dragon, yes. Got to remove the center pin, right? Right, well, I, okay. I should just make that an option. Yeah. <laughs> just make should. it where you can flip a switch, where you can switch it into dragon mode. It just needs one more yep. toggle switch. Because <laughs> we, we all like our toggle switches. Yeah. Oh, I love this swinging the rope over the stuff type games. Yeah, this was his third day, so he spent three and almost three and a half hours playing just three games. Cuthbert awesome. goes walkabout, which we've seen many times before. Jet Set Willy, which we've seen, which is another Spectrum port, and then Hunchback, which is this one here. Sanctuary. <laughs> Bing. Oh, you ring the bell. Oh, yep. super bonus. Some of these games were just designed where they were so unforgiving on being so pixel oh, yeah. perfect where you, before you were had to jump and where you had to land. The UK the market was known for pixel yeah. perfect jumps. That was and the big the, thing. Uh, collision detection was a real son of a bitch too sometimes. So um, no. does he get to pour the lead off the building? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those guys are waving their pointy sticks real close to my royal yeah. jewels, man. Take it easy, man. <laughs> <laughs> was this but a yeah, the- uh, Spectrum game first? It might have been. It this, might. this one might have been. I'm not sure. I was hoping Frodo was still in the chat. I don't think he is, unfortunately, because he, he knows the Spectrum like crazy. That's it. That was his machine growing up. And he's actually played some of the Dragon ports of some of the Spectrum games, and, and they're they're pretty darn close. I mean, the spec, spec the original Spectrum 48K, I think, had basically the same graphics mode we do. They just had, you could set colors based on those square blocks. That's why you had that weird, you know, color changes when you walk a character across a different color. <laughs> But the res was exactly the same. That's why uh, when they did the uh, AGD port, it was so easy to make it a Coco port because the graphics resolution is exactly the same. All right. Uh, Frodo says he's not able to respond. He's helping out some Twitch friends right now. Apparently, uh, I was just looking up the wiki. Uh, Hunchback was out for the uh, arcades, Akon Electron, Amstrad, Atari 8-bits, BBC, Commodore, Blah, blah, blah. Heaps of machines. It's wow. a huge one that none of us have ever heard of. Yeah, of everything that. but yeah. the Coco, apparently. <laughs> no, no, it's got listed the Dragon 32. Dragon, right, but not the Coco. But yeah, close wow. enough. Wow, yeah, yeah, close yeah. enough. Ocean presents Hunchback. Well, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's neat, though. Yeah. It's, it's got some you know, it's, pitfall it's elements a, with the swinging vines. It's kind of a bit dragonfire ish. It's a little I bit of false advertising because there's not much hunch on his back. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, next up here, this uh, Steve Banford posted this in our Discord. Um, it's a video showing his very first boot of Cersei's Island, which is his upcoming game that he's using on the Game Master cartridge for hardware sound. That he's actually put onto an actual ROM chip. So he says this is the first time he's running it on his Dragon 
in the final form it's meant to be. Excellent. Obviously, the game's still in development, so I'll play the whole thing. It's not too long, but and you'll have to let me know the volume on this one here. I'm not sure how turn well it all the way up. Then we'll tell you if it needs to go down. Right now, I don't hear anything. Yeah, no, there's no sound yet. He hasn't started okay. playing it yet, but December thirtieth, so just before New Year's. Yeah, there's the cartridge in the side of the dragon. There we have it. It has a stealth cover on it. <laughs> <laughs> Turning it on. Nice. Let's hear that music, Steve. So there's no game over music, apparently, because I wonder if he's going to start it up where we can hear the music. Because that's the no. I think that initial little ding sound is the only thing I actually get demoed here. Okay. This, I think in this case it was more the fact you actually got it burned on booting on hardware. Ran. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, that's cool. But yeah, the music on this is incredible. Yeah, and as as being mentioned right now, there there is a channel for this in Discord. So if you join our Discord server, uh, there's a Cersei's Island channel that Steve is updating us on the project of this on there. I yep. posted the link. Yes, I saw that. Thank you. And he's also giving technical details on the game and stuff in there too. So just if you want to hear some of the developer stories, you know, as it's being designed, you can you can catch that with Steve as well. Cannot wait for this. Next to Mr. Yep. Dave's game, this is one of the most anticipated things gonna be hitting the Coco space. It's a nice monitor. We were demoing it a year ago at the VCF West and we got lots of people that it looked so much like Mario from Super Nintendo, they were like what is this? Right? And the music <laughs> yep. really sells it. Yeah, that's what gives it that yep. whole NES yep. feel when you have that chip tunes cranking in the background. Yep. Cuthbert Dragon. More titles. More mugs. Yeah. So, of course, we showed the Star Spores one here because you know, actually yeah. it showed the cassette artwork and stuff that we you know, for the UK version of it here and also the alternate color sets. So, no need to play that one again. So, the other one, and he, basically, he just started doing updates this morning, so I we might be putting some more on later today as we go. The other one he did was Caverns of Doom. Not to be confused with the Forest of Doom. With Cuthbert, of course, Cuthbert. starring. The micro-deal guy. Cuthbert of Doom. Cuthbert of Doom. I still want a dragon mug. Oh, this looks kind of Forest of Doomy. It's it's one of those text adventure games that actually has a nice layout. This like is it's not... so this is some of the ideas I want to incorporate. I want a window where your room description never goes away, so you don't have to keep typing and look. You know, I want to yeah. I want to have different panels where you know where you know where you are. That's always on screen. You know what objects are in the room, and you know what directions are available. I want to have different panels that have all that stuff on screen at all times. Yeah. And then now, Stevie, send... this is one of the ways we might finally get you to run Nitrous Nine because that's dead freaking easy with the way the windowing system works, even in basic. Ah, okay. That's true. Plug. <laughs> Asparagus. Definitely <laughs> yeah, pushing that basic 09. Yeah, that's because he gets a commission, not the licensing for it. So Yeah, I get, uh, I get as much pay as I can do from this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a division by zero air, I believe. That's right. <laughs> Pretty much. Not, not a number. <clears throat> <laughs> so we're talking, we've talked about Alan's blogs and all the stuff he's been doing lately. We've also talked about some Atari, you know, 2600 stuff, including Adventure. So this is Alan's 
part one of his exploring the Atari VCS one. And here you can see on the left, he's got a shot from the actual Atari 2600. And then he has it, what is remapped to the Coco semi graphics. Yeah. And he starts going through the whole technical details. This is an ongoing series that he's been going through like a, quite a bit of the stuff here. Wow. So running in a flat screen with the actual Atari joystick too. There's an interview we link here. He's got to warm up and that the person who wrote it. And okay. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys all know the full story behind it, but at the time, Atari would not let programmers have credits for anything. And that was the reason Activision got started because programmers got tired of this mm-hmm. you know, being anonymous shills. So he actually snuck in a secret message. You had to get the transmolecular dot and put it in a certain room and you, it was invisible normally and you had to get a bridge in the maze to find it, blah, blah, blah. And he actually snuck in his, his entire credit screen where it says created by Warren Robinette right dead center in the screen if you did it right. And um, it's an interesting Which history. Is the of the first you know, Easter egg ever yes. in, in a video game. And it was the kind of premise of Ready Player One, you know, Easter egg hunt. Um, so, yeah. Very cool stuff. But he's going right into the details of the game here. And he has a bit of a shadowy effect here on the Coco one. Kind of unintentionally. I think it's just where the graphics cut off. And, of course, you have to have black and the color in your semi graphics. Oh, there's the dragon. Or the seahorse, yep. depending on what you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, <so>. you... <laughs> <laughs> and then he did part two. And there's one of your dragons again. This time with the stomach full. So I think this is after he's eaten you. I'm not sure. He does. I really think going into details like how the the actual data is set up because I mean these things on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, you had so little RAM and you had so little size of ROMs here. I mean these games were huge compared to the size. I mean think if I remember Adventure was four K of ROM and of course the Atari had one hundred twenty eight bytes, not even K bytes of RAM to work with, which is like an eighth and of a K to to cram that much into it to get yeah. a full game with multi screens and everything else. That's just I, that stuff floors me. The fact that they yeah. could pull the stuff off, they did. That's beyond my my ability. Well, it's just basically it was all in ROM, and uh, the RAM was just used for variable storage and stack. Well, you had to draw the screen on it, too, though. And you had to draw it one line at a time in the raster, because that's all the RAM you had was for one raster line. Racing so, the beam. Yeah. yeah you had to like, no... refresh every line as it was going. Right. Yeah, there was no video RAM. Yeah. Like, that That part, I, I, I would just tear my hair out. Yeah. I'd be looking like David Ladd right now if I had to do that, so... Actually, it wasn't too bad. There's like a kernel that you write. It's like a loop, and then you just kind of work around that. It's not that. I've looked into it a little bit, but I, I've never actually. As soon as you write an Atari 2600 game, I'll, I'll, I'll do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Can you say count the cycles? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's the type of thing. You, I mean, they also had a limit of, what, four sprites at a time, and a lot of games went past that by changing the sprite you know, <clears throat> mid-scan. To yeah, there were two two player sprites, uh, uh, um, two missile sprites, and two uh, ball sprites. Yeah, and, and the original uh, programmers like asteroids flickered like mad because you were shutting sprites on and off just to yeah. get more asteroids. And you know, once they figured out how to do things, like Activision was a master of this. You would just you know start changing the background instead to be a fake sprite, and then you could actually get much smoother, non flickery graphics. There was a there was one trick that uh, David uh, Crane talked about once where they took the there was a, a feature the the guy who wrote the who made the video card had a little extra space and so he created this function where you could double and triple a sprite and so there would be a sprite and then there'd be a space and then there'd be a repeat of that sprite and then a space and another repeat and he was he would literally like load the first line of the sprite 
And then before the second line would be written, he would cram new data in there. So he was able to take both player sprites and interleave them yeah. and create a six-digit display that the guy who made the video card came up and he saw the six-digit display. He's like, how are you doing that? He goes, this machine can't do that. <laughs> yeah. He goes, and he explained to him, he says, yeah, the fact that you put that that feature in uh, enabled him to do it. So it was a lot of uh, really interesting, uh, clever sort of tricks, yeah. Back at a time this when is, you this... had to do that. You really yeah. had to, yeah. Yeah, yeah Ryan, now, Alan, this is, this is probably the most... Uh, the one I, I'm the most um, not impressed. Impressed is the right the right word, but the one I'm most interested in out of everything he's done this week, and he's done a lot. So he found on an Atari archive there's an old hangman. There was this, this is an archive of games that were never released. They were announced. They got to various stages of development. Some just concept and art, and some actually got you know basically done and then got pulled for whatever reason. But there's a few of these that actually involve the 6847 VDG chip being built in the cartridge. So there's a history of Hangman here, and I won't play the video here, but uh, you can go through there, and you can recognize just look at the graphics here. Like that's that looks like P mode one right there, P mode yeah. one or yeah. zero maybe even. Um, but he goes through that one, and that was one that he found that actually would have been released with the VDG chip on the cart to give it you know real graphics RAM like we're talking about here to make things a lot easier to do you know this type of you know bitmap drawing and stuff. And then uh, he found another one. Was it up at the top? There was another one that was re- not released either. Oh, Space Assault here, right here. If I can get the stupid cursor to stay still. And now, I'd like to talk to Glenn Soggy and the rest of the image producer because none of them mentioned this, but there was actually an ad for Space Assault that actually had a picture of the Coco's graphics. So apparently, image producers was going to be doing a cross license deal through another company with the expander system that had the VDG in it well and was actually going to port the actual Space Assault from the Coco to the Atari 2600. Interesting. That never got done. I mean, they already had Space Invaders, and it was damn good. Yeah. I, like, so, I'm not sure why that would have happened, yeah. but it seemed to have gotten you know, to a fairly advanced stage here. Let's see if we can bring up the link. Yeah, here at the top. Yeah. So the screenshot, and unfortunately the left screenshot's broken at the moment, but it's an expander system. Oh, there it is. Finally come up. Which is actually showing a picture of the game Space Assault uh, from the Coco, and that was originally uh, for the image producers here, and then sold through Tandy, and then Unitronics apparently was doing some licensing deal with it to uh, put on the Atari. So it's it's kind of a fascinating history that you know we, we, it's not too often you have a game from the well actually never you get a game from the Coco ported to the Atari twenty six hundred. So yeah, uh, just a bit of fascinating game history. I've never heard of that. The, none of the guys I've talked to, the image producers, have ever mentioned this. So I don't know if maybe this was just in the negotiation stage and kind of got advertised way ahead of schedule and then nothing ever happened or what. But I'll have to get, try to get a hold of Glenn again and see if he if I tweak his memory about it, if he remembers any of the details about this. And that is the end of the game on news section. Far out, far out. What are we? What are we into the show right now? We're two hours in, and we still have news, news, and we haven't. Oh, done, and there's lots, and we haven't done panel introductions or anything else. So we're going to run a slightly longer than usual commercial break. We're going to take about a five minute commercial break. That way, Ron Delvo. It looks like Ron's already gone potty because he's, he's <laughs> switched to his offline picture there. But this is where everybody can go take those potty breaks, smoke them if you got them, all that good stuff. And we'll be back after these words with. Um, uh, Coco News and more. See you in a little bit, everybody.
We will return after these messages. Here's a hi-fi bargain from your nearby Radio Shack store. Save $100 on our exclusive realistic 77 AM-FM stereo receiver. Only $159.95 during the sale. With audio component features like FM muting, push-button tape monitor, main remote speaker switching, in a genuine walnut veneer case. The ideal control center for your new music system. The sale-priced realistic 77 receiver. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy company. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Hey guys, Stevie Stro, and if you're watching this, chances are you're a fan of the Coco, and hopefully Coco Talk. Before there was Coco Talk, there were my gameplay videos on YouTube, and I've got a couple of DVDs with some pretty cool collections. My first DVD was an assortment of videos that were on my YouTube channel with a special introduction, and this was released for my first Coco Fest I attended as kind of a, a pickup item you could grab at the show. However, there is more. I released another exclusive content for Coco Fest 26, and this has 13 videos and over two hours of gameplay goodness of things that are not on my YouTube channel. So these are exclusive Coco gameplay videos and reviews and a special introduction and an and outro from yours truly. And if you're a fan of Coco Talk, we have the best of Coco Talk Volume 1 and Volume 2 featuring some um, some videos that were produced by Brian Joyce, who created our two best of um, episodes for us at the end of 2017. But there's also an exclusive, never-seen episode of Coco Talk that we recorded for this video with a bunch of us getting together talking about how excited we were for the upcoming Coco Fest that year and some bonus content as well. So if you're looking for some really cool exclusive Coco goodies that you can watch at home at any time, you might want to check out a whole bunch of these DVDs where you can also get uh, t-shirts and coffee mugs at the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com. So swing on by today and grab yourself some cool Coco gear. From the makers of the Switcheroo. Wallaby Cable, Color Computer 3 Dual RGB Cable. Get yours today at CocoMan.biz. Scared you, didn't I? <laughs> Hello there. It's me, Atsumo. Um, all the way from Melbourne to you, my darling. And um, congratulations on your talk show, Coco Talk. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. I don't think I'd ever be good at a talk show. I just don't have anything ever to say, ever. Just can never think of things to say. It's just like no words ever come out of my mouth. It's just very embarrassing. I just, it's just silence all the time. <laughs> my darling, I hope you're having a fabulous day. From me to you, bye. <laughs> Extended Color Basic, combined with a disc controller, brings you Disc Extended Color Basic. Direct access to your floppies. Direct access to all of your hardware resources. Deck B on your color computer. Deck B washes away the competition. Hello, this is Grant Leedy with Coco Talk.
Got your Coco 3 yet? From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El all right, and we are back with Mikey's favorite part, Snoozy Newsy. Yeah, and we have a Band-Aid on the screen there just in case he gets wounded by being bored for so long because there's a lot of news today. Okay, so to start it off, uh, Darren Atkinson, of course, the creator of the Coco SDC, the SDCX 32SD for the MC10, etc., has done a software patch update, firmware actually, uh, for the MCAX32 SD card uh, that was getting a bit of a bug trying to read directories from the MC server that Stevie was mentioning. So I'm assuming, Stevie, you must have installed this before you did your stream last night? Honestly, I didn't because I wasn't doing anything over DriveWire. I think I think this has to do with doing stuff over MC. So I'm not sure if yeah. mine's already patched or not. And I, because I wasn't using MC, I didn't even bother to check. Okay. So for those of you that do have the card there, the, uh, the firmware patch is updated is they available to, for download off of his blog site and uh, we'll fix the problem and your MC server should work fine getting directories. And um, the uh, viewer that you were using Stevie uh, to view the directories and stuff here by Robert Sieg. Has no, I wasn't using had... Robert Sieg because I couldn't oh, figure out how to mean? unzip. I was using Darren Otteries, Daz's. Oh, okay. So yeah, this is one. Okay, of so two. for the other directory browser for the yes. MC10, there's there's an update there as well too from from Robert, so you can download off Facebook and the Facebook group. Yeah, the file name like d dot zip remove. I don't know when I downloaded the file thing, I couldn't get seven zip to figure out what to do with the file, so I couldn't get whatever's inside it. So I'll have to reach out to Robert and ask him for a. Oh, okay. I, I realize that the data file sizes on these retro systems take up exuberant amounts of space, so we must compress them. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I actually, need, it's uh, mainly I think because uh, some of the binary yeah. files, if you put a raw binary, get corrupted when you download them. So oh yeah, and, and maybe security scans and stuff too. But anyways, yeah. But I do know Facebook is a stupid thing. You can't name it .zip. Nah. Oh, so that might be. Oh, maybe you have to remove yeah. the word "remove." Maybe I had to rename it to just d yes, dot zip. Okay. Well, silly me. All right. Now I know. And, <laughs> and, and, and Facebook lo- doesn't scan the files. Just and that that, that, that ends our file. episode of newbie talk here. Yes. First yes. Yeah. Then- Knowing is half the battle, right there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> okay. <sighs> um, my ignorance is your amusement. So. Uh, so next up, this is kind of a, an unintentional collaboration. So, of course, we saw the the bouncing Taurus thing that uh, Simon has done on the Coco 3 as part of his big Coco 3 Kimi-X demo. And then he did uh, a port of that to the Coco 1 and 2, showing it in, in P-Mode 3. And then Darren Atkinson apparently bored after he did his patch to fix the MCX MC server bug, um, decided to port it to the MC10. So this is the uh, Taurus bouncing demo on the MC10, just a, about a 10-second clip. In a lower res, of course. But still, it looks pretty pretty visually impressive for an MC10. I'm just wondering, is there anything Darren uh, can't do? <laughs> <laughs> yes, stay idle. 
Oh, and, and Retro Innovation says, note to all Facebook posters, if Steve is in the group, make sure to end all your zip files with filename.zip underscore Steve, delete this part. <laughs> you spell it out for me. Spell it out for me specifically. Thank you. <laughs> okay, now I know how to fix the next Nitrous 9 distribution. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. Uh, <laughs> Stevie type DOS. That's what I'm going to call it. Stevie type DOS. <laughs> And then this here is the link for the actual uh, code itself for the or not the code the uh, cassette file image if you want to actually download it and try it on your MC10 yourself here. So, 16k expansion required, but it should work with the other two expansions, the 32 and the 128 as well. It's a busy MC10 week, I gotta tell you. So here's another one from Robert Sieg. Incredible uh, machine. A, yeah, it's a 24-bit <laughs> BMP to MCX32 converter. So another one specifically for your your upgrade there. And this is the actual, and of course it says zip remove again. <laughs> he hasn't had the Stevie part, so I'm sure that's confusing you. Um, but it'll basically convert a 24-bit BMP file down to a 128 by 96 picture, uh, which then becomes compatible. It's like a P-Mode uh, 1 screen. Yeah, four-color screen, basically. Yeah. So he's got that available for download on the Facebook group as well. And then here he does a sample picture that he did. Yeah. He said this probably wasn't the best one he could have picked here because of the... The contrast. No, but it looks but, really good. Yeah. I said, this reminds me of the stuff that Ron's doing with the high color stuff and with the SG6 stuff, but just now squeezing things down to the low res four color MC10 space. And again, like with what you guys talking about with the Atari, when you have the, all these limitations, it's neat to see what people can do within these limitations, you know? It's VG6. VG6. SG6. Sorry, SG6. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> well, actually, well, actually, it's, it's yeah, VG6. Snort. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. What, you, you are correct. Stevie Day or something? You are correct, Ron. <laughs> yeah, you are correct, Ron. Thank you, Ron. This was a rather interesting one here, too. Now, this was posted by uh, Jim Gary. <clears throat> as Who a is link Jim to... Gary? Who is this Jim Gary you speak of? I don't know. He used to write for the MC10, but apparently he's been overtaken now and doesn't do anything. Um, so he posted this link on Daily Chaos, <laughs> uh, actually talking about the MC10, okay. Adventures in Retro Computing. So they have a bit of a write-up. It's not you know extravagant or anything, but basically telling them what it was like with the original hardware, et cetera. And then they're taking a poll to see who's actually owned one or never heard oh, of it before or whatever. So. But that's a fairly major tech site, and covering the MC10 is not something you see too often on a major tech site these days. So that was kind of cool that he found that. Very cool. And there's live chat there, too. So if anybody needs to have live chat with an expert, it's right there on that site. So Yep. Um, now, this this I found fascinating, and this I'm going to play in its entirety. It's a minute and 49 seconds. And now this we is... can actually get the VG6 going here, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've Boom. seen this one, obviously, already. So. Boom, in your face. <laughs> this was a surprise for me. So I'm going to turn the volume up a bit here. How do you yeah. make Incredible Sheen more incredible -er? You add the Coco VGA to the MC10. <laughs> incredible <-er. laughs> <laughs> MC That's why the keyboard's higher, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit more clearance. This is its display. I've got that cranked, too, so it's loud enough. Yeah, well. The MCX32. Don't have to do. Dot uh, zip remove. <laughs> Stevie, type run. Okay, so here's his. His is oh, see his. You can just move the up and down arrow keys. Oh, I like that. So I'm gonna have to try that one too. Seven of nine. Do you want a copy of this directory program here? No, we're not gonna put that there right now. Fast view. Down to fast view. We're gonna run this. 
This is on the MC10. Right? This requires zero typing. This looks I'm, familiar. Uh, yeah. Fast view bass. So you want to say it's a basic load B, and I just hit run, enter. Boom. Yeah, this is so cool. And there's seven nine. Oh, wow. Far out. Jerry Ryan. This never looked better. This wasn't on the show last week. This looks awesome. Uh, we might have shown it, but now we're, we probably showed some screenshots of it, but this is the video. Yeah, this is the actual animated okay. palette demo from yeah, the, this is the Coco VGA. Uh, I know I've seen In it. An yeah. MC10. In an MC10. That's amazing. On the Coco VGA. I'm a huge Voyager fan, too. I absolutely love Voyager. Yeah. Well, she did you see her in Picard, too? Because she made a comeback in Picard, the new series. Oh, did she really? Yeah. Yeah. She looks, she looks stunning. She has aged quite well, unlike yep. most of us on the panel. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Uh, for yourself, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> like, when I first saw his video, I didn't realize what it was. And yeah, I was thinking, looking, I was going, this is kind of weird. Why has he got this thing underneath the MC-10 and it's kind of the keyboards popped out a bit? And it's, it's <laughs> Ken really Reichert says it's still not a Coco, even with the uh, Coco VGA and the MC-10. It's still not a Coco. Asparagus. <laughs> asparagus. <laughs> but, it, but it's closer now. Cause, I mean, this is giving it some advanced palette animations. It gives you more colors to choose from if you wanted to set the palettes. Like it's. And what kind of modification was there to use the Coco VGA on it? I I don't I don't know if the VDG is socketed. Well, it doesn't in fit in the case, obviously, because he has this he had to raise the keyboard up. Yeah, he had to raise it instead the of lowering it. You raised it, raised the suspension. Yeah, Frankensteining the MC10. Now, Ron, Ron, actually, since you're an MC10 fan, is this something you would plan to do? Is actually install a Coco VGA in your MC10? No, I don't think I'll do that. But I'm going to get one of those little boxes with the cardstick. The, the 32. D- the SSX, yeah. yeah, yeah. That I'm going to get. Yep. It's cool. Uh, I should wait, and then all the um, flaws that you guys are finding, by the time I order mine, I won't have to upgrade it. Yeah, because you're going to get it quick, man. I got mine in less than a week. I got mine like three or four <laughs> days, it seemed like. And we just, just need just... to get Ed to make a Coco Mac keyboard for the MC10. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. that would be the big yes. thing. If any computer this... needed a keyboard upgrade, it was this one. Yeah. Isn't this yeah. distorting the MC10? Is it distorting the MC10? <laughs> Maybe the we MC could get a shift key on both sides. Literally, he did. I mean, look at the height of it yeah, now. He yes, he it's it. Frankenstein. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well just make a, a Coco 2 case. And right. Use any well, keyboard. Last year, they were showing off the prototypes of the MC11, where they were working on a new MC10-like build, but using all new chips and stuff and building a better MC10. And I would like to see where that goes. You know, what What I see happening here with the things like the Gimme X and these MCXs and the Coco VGAs, these are cool things. And I believe if we were to view this as like evolution, these are all things that are going to morph into a new Coco. So I see yeah. a new MC10 with built-in SD cards on the side and Coco VGA built in. And, you know, I see a new, dare I say, Coco 4 that's got the Gimme X and the memory and the faster CPUs and SD readers on the side and built-in high-speed serial ports and sound chips and real-time clocks. And all these things are eventually going to morph their way into you know, uh, a complete system as a, rather than bolt-ons, you know, and, and that's going to be cool. And for the hundreds and hundreds of dollars I've spent buying all the individual things, I'll be spending that probably four times more when they put them all together in one box, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> you'll be able to recoup some of your investment because you'll be able to sell all these off on eBay yeah, apparently yeah. for astronomical but, prices. You know, like- I, I see, you know, I see a future where there's going to be new Cocos that have all the stuff built in where you don't have to, add, you don't have to crowbar on stuff 
Um, and, and you know what I was thinking of is, uh, you know, how we're painting their cocos now, different colors. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to have it so uh, it's painted in that paint that when you turn it on and the heat comes on it, you know, it change color. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that way you know Wouldn't if your cocoa is cool. overheating, right? So <laughs> kind of like Mr. Dave's keyboard in his cocoa. Yeah, right. So, um, I was going to paint my MC-10 red, and then I realized it had already been done. Lay <laughs> 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 Alice. So, uh, Why do you do blue instead? Yeah, and I've seen a mood cocoa, Jim Rice says. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. What do you mean, uh, Lay Alice? What Le, like mean? French. Alice is the French. Oh. MC-10, yeah, the red, Le, the red Alice, case yeah. they had for the yeah. Alice? Yeah. I heard it different. <laughs> it was spelled L-E, not L-A-Y. So. Oh. <laughs> Le- <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the Pepe Le Pew French. Yes, you just put the word "lay" in front of everything. It's I was speaking "lay" French. Le <laughs> coco. Le oui, le oui, le oui, oui. Okay. Le asparagus. There you go. Red bubble. This, this is a bit of a sadder one. Well, it's it's, it's good and bad, I guess. Both. It's a mixture of both. But um, some people are actually getting hit with. Uh, trademark issues now with with the you know semi-resurrected radio shack so this was pointed out to the all things tandy radio shacks there so they've getting the first warnings you know uh, we have to remove our artwork for in this particular case here because of the radio shack uh, logo and um i guess for people that are making all these you know t-shirts and and stuff here maybe you have to actually approach the new radio shack to make sure that this is legal or you might start getting takedown orders too so, I mean, it's good the fact that Radio Shack is actually resurrecting enough to actually warrant doing this. Um, but it's kind of sad that, you know, the hobbyists that have been trying to keep the name afloat all these years as they went into bankruptcy are now getting kind of hit with it. So, I don't know. Is this a good story or a bad story? I'm not sure. So, if you're selling a badge, that, yeah, you're breaking like a badge replacement, your copyright infringement. I don't, yep. I don't disagree with that. But should they be enforcing that? Um, you know, I, I guess it's kind of like the whole Nintendo thing, or, or just copyrights in general. Yeah. If you don't, it's like orphanware. It, I mean, that's yeah. another thing. If you that's... don't enforce it, you leave it open to. Now, if you some people if... in the comments below had mentioned that the Radio Shack Tandy logos are definitely trademarks still. Yeah, uh, but apparently the Radio the TRS eighty one is not. That one okay. got expired. So maybe there's a gray area you can still play in. Mm. So ju- just my two cents on this when it comes to selling t-shirts, because we do have a swag shop. I have, invo- I have intentionally avoided using custom or using the original artwork that I had no, no input in the production of. So like I would not sell a dungeons of Daggerath t-shirt or anything like that. Cause I don't own that artwork. So when we set up the images, I was very uh, conscientious of having things drawn that don't live anywhere else and didn't come from anywhere else. So our Coco stuff, even though it looked like the guy from the from the basic book, it was hand drawn by by Joel Adams and it's not yeah. lifted from anything. So um, I have I myself made a conscious choice to not just sell a logo that I didn't own or create. Um, that was just a moral choice. I wasn't even concerned about the legal aspect, but now apparently uh, it's kind of like Radio Shack is becoming Nintendo. Um, they're which has, is a good has, and bad, yeah. Has anybody thought uh, that maybe they're going to do something with the logo later, and that's why? No, no. that was suggested in the in that post, and I made the point that the whole reason the people who own Radio Shack now it's not like Radio Shack is people. Go, oh yeah, well Radio Shack's still around. They they sell online. That's not really true. Another company bought. <laughs> 
the rights to the Radio Shack IP, <clears throat> and they just basically buy crap from China and sell it under the Radio Shack name. So the 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 one thing that's worth any money is the the, uh, the branding, the, the name, Radio the branding, Shack exactly. So they're defending it, and I point that out. I said they're just defending their property because that's pretty much all they really, you know. I basically called them corporate trolls because that's yeah. kind of what they're doing. They're just buying a lot like patent patent trolls. Yeah, they they buy something and then they if you step they on milk their it toes, as much as they can, basically. Exactly, and that's kind of what they're doing. And a lot of these patent and trolls and copyright trolls, they only buy things in the hopes that they can now sue somebody based on yep. what they own. Um, exactly. In this case here, they are actually – the company exists in some facet and is still selling things. Um, but yeah, right. I, I hear yeah, but it's just cheap Chinese junk. Oh, you still, you yeah. still have the Radio Shack network of independent dealers that yes, are still around and have been stores. around Those since are, today. Yeah. Yeah, but what are they selling? They're not selling stuff made down in a factory down in Fort Worth. They're selling stuff that was sourced from China. Bang. Radio Shack uh, logo, you know, branding. And out to you. So it's, you know, it's the the Radio Shack that we all actually grew up with that had American-made products made in the United States is gone, is long gone, and it's just kind well, that of really goes that really goes for any company anymore because a right. lot of these companies like you know let's let's pick Hewlett Packard. Yeah, they're they're in the case like Hewlett Packard, they're making things in China with a subsidiary and then selling them to themselves. You know, it, yeah, yeah. So that's just the corporate it's world. It's not just Radio days. Shack. I mean, you give an example that John would be familiar with Apple. I mean, it, there's a reason that a lot of their products say designed in California. They're not built there. They're built right. in China. But it's it's not even good guy, bad guy anymore. If you have a – if I have a right-of-way to the lake, I can't let you drive over it because I'll lose my right-of-way, and then you can just drive over my land. So it doesn't matter if I care or not. I still have to protect my brand regardless of whether yeah, I – yeah. 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 I understand it doesn't mean we necessarily agree with it, but it is it is what it is. Um, now I don't know would the, would these people be approachable for people that are making like replacement RAM stickers and stuff like that? Could somebody approach and say we'd like to still sell this product? Maybe you can throw it on your online right. store for now, the people that would the, do it. I don't so, know. so this this has happened with the Tandy badges that are being sold by Mike Rowan because Tandy is owned by Darren um, uh, Darren Grant. In the UK, so Tandy Computers is still an active, viable company, and so they reached out to Darren Grant and got permission to you to use Tandy in their badges. So the flat embossed metal badges that Mike Rowan makes, that are the 5K and the two Megan stuff, those are licensed from Tandy, but they don't say Radio Shack on them. Okay. Yeah. Now, do they do they have to give him them a cut then? I well, thing, that, I'm not privy to the I'm deal. Sure. I just remember that conversation, I'm, and they and they, and that's how they market it. They say we have licensed badges, right? So, uh, well, if they're open to doing that at least once, I mean, maybe some of the other people. Well, that are again, making, that's like, Darren, that's, that's Darren Grant and Tandy. That's not Radio Shack. Tandy and Radio Shack are not oh, the right. same thing. So, Tandy Electronics or Tandy Computers is a UK owned company, um, not Radio it's Shack. Inter- interesting that uh, this is all red bubble um, here. Um, I've got a Redbubble account that I've got a, a ton of photos on, and I, I, I forgot about it. And I recently went back to it, and I thought I should put up some new photos and sell some stuff on there and, and promote my Redbubble account. Um, and I found out they, they, they expanded everything. There's a whole ton of stuff you can do. There's all sorts of different clothes. There's like T-shirts and, and dresses and all sorts of things. 
and I was thinking about actually doing like like a, um, a, a a custom design with the Radio Shack logo and a few other things specifically for Coco Talk for something for me to wear for Coco Talk. Um, stick it up on my red bubble thing and then buy it myself just so I can do a custom design right. that I can buy. And so I guess I'd, I'd, I'd probably still get away with that, I guess, wouldn't I? Yeah, as long or as you're not selling they... it to the public. If you're just using that as a way to produce something for yourself that you're not selling, there's, uh, I can't see why you couldn't do that. Why don't we just yeah. say right here, we don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one the one who would be affected by this right now would be Carlos Camacho because he does have Radio Shack yeah. badges with the bubbles, and so he's now. And he had put up those Radio Shack 40th anniversary Coco T-shirts, which he actually pulled down not too long after this okay. article showed up. So right. that's why. And he was also selling like <clears throat> Motorola logoed stuff too at Coco Fest, like T-shirts mm-hmm. and like uh, coasters and stuff, where he was just printing the Motorola logo and stuff. And again. I'm I'm not casting judgment or I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I I appreciate the fact you did it, but I I always stared away from using a logo that was that formerly belonged to someone and anything that I would have produced myself. So. If they're watching the show right now, he's just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't really do that. Well, the guy who originally posted this had this idea that you know, oh, they're they're defending their uh their IP rights because they're they're it says it right there. Or they're going to they plan a, re- a turn in a big way, and I, and I wrote, I'm like, no, not at all. They're just defending it. They're defending intention. it for the sake of defending it. So. Yeah, because they pay what you they have to enforce it. your patents and your copyrights and stuff, yeah. or you lose them. Yeah, or you can lose them in court because they'll say, well, you didn't defend it here, so why are you coming to us now later at a later time? Yeah, yeah true. Right, yeah. and the guy, the guy who I guess works for the company that owns it, it stepped in on this. Uh, this post and talked about that and said that they had to defend their rights or they would lose them. Right. It kind of reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago, they trademarked the word Super Bowl where you couldn't say Super Bowl anymore in any hour. So everything was the, the big, big game. game. Yes. <laughs> buy, buy some chips for the big game and you get some specials on wings for the big game. You know, <laughs> and I, I was so happy when I heard about the big game there because I thought finally the States is paying attention to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hopefully, like, uh, I, I'd forgotten about the fact that Tandy in the UK is is actually open to doing licensing deals with the hobbyist market. So maybe that's an approach some of the other people can do with, you know, various shirts and various things, too. And, I mean, some of the Tandy computers and Tandy Cocos actually say Tandy, not Radio Shack, too. Mm-hmm. So it's still period correct, you know, to do badges that way. So. Yeah. But like Ron says, we don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> right, so. Well, you don't need EOU anymore because now it reports the amount of RAM right on the screen when you boot. I'm oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, actually, actually. I'm a self-promoting horror. What yeah. can I say? <laughs> You're a horror anyway. Today's so. quote of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There's your sound bite for the next show. Today, Curtis. Asparagus. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Next up, another Alan Huffman. As he said, he was a busy boy this week, so we got onto part four of benchmarking the Coco keyboard. And based on some input he got from William Astle here about the keyboard rollover table that basically keeps track of. So that bit pattern you're seeing, there's basically seven rows in the PIA you write to, and then you read the columns back, or maybe I got that flipped around. But anyway, you, you, you can figure out what keys are being pressed here. And so in this case, he's actually holding down four keys at once, and that's those zeros. So one means the key's not held down in that particular grid. And you can find you know, the diagrams, the grid of which which addresses are what keys. And um, so you kind of go through there, and you said basically you can use this for a peak, and this will actually register the key being held down. So if you want key repeat, that's the way you can do it in basic. 
And so they get into you know the nitty gritty, some sample programs and um, you know what keys you can detect together, which ones you can't, et cetera, type things. So handy. and to be continued. So there's more coming. I bet he's about to make a great keyboard because he was playing with hardware designs a while back and. Alan Alan Huffman is something of an anomaly because he has his peaks and valleys of of productivity and blogging and everything else where I guess it's like currently we're in the peak of Alan Huffman's season, right? (laughs) At some point in time, he will fall off the radar again. But I love him. He's like that that candle that burns bright. And He's it, full it, throttle it, for a couple of months, and then he takes like a couple month break where you don't yeah, hear anything but he from him. So, he is so productive, and he does the coolest yeah. things with so much detail, and he's so enthusiastic and so knowledgeable, and you know he's very thought provoking. And um, yeah. I, I think he just he, burns himself out, to be honest. I mean, I've never talked to him about it, but yeah. he I, he goes yeah. so hard when he gets into some of these projects, and he's doing multiple ones at once. He's doing the adventure, he's doing yeah, you know, the benchmark yeah. and the keyboard. He's working on Sir Sound and stuff, and, and you know, Actually, eventually, I think he just burns himself out. He needs a bit of a break to recharge. Then he comes back full throttle again, you know, months later. His name does it all, sub-Ether. He goes into the Ether. (laughs) 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 So, uh, yeah, but Alan Huffman is is in full effect right now, and we are all benefiting. He's a Coco treasure, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's the coolest guy to hang out with, and he's so enthused. And I, you know, when we were trying to talk about keynote speakers or just speakers for Coco Fest, when we were still planning the one that would that didn't happen this year, he was one of my votes of somebody that yeah, I would love too. to hear speak because he's he's got he's so interesting and he's been to infectious so many infectious enthusiasm infectious enthusiasm great way to describe Alan Huffman so I, I would pay money to sit there and just listen to Alan Huffman speak for hours on end he's just that and engaging so yeah he's uh, the yeah. complete opposite of snoozy newsy that I do here right now <laughs> so <laughs> let's face it the word infectious was probably not a good word to use last year. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to the main stage, the very infectious Alan Huffman. Put on your mask, six feet away. <laughs> oh no, he coughed. Everybody, leave. everybody, look under your chairs. There's a can of Lysol. <laughs> uh, so that's awesome, Alan. We love you. You are a treasure. Yeah. And feel free to come on and guest. You got so much stuff going on. I'd love to have you on here to talk about it. Right. I need a new keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the next up, uh, Sheldon McDonald's been a bit busy, too. Of course, he's been doing his Learning Assembly series, and uh, this is kind of side videos related to it. So with some help from Simon Jonasson, he figured out how to do circles in semi-graphics. So he wrote a machine language routine to do that, and this uh, is a brief little demo of one of his circle routines he did. (sighs) That is cool. It's like an explosion. Even does the Moray patterns and... Yeah, because that's what happens when you use the mm. real circle command. You are going to see a couple of pixels, you know, not yeah. fully fill in, uh, even in. Uh, yeah, right there you can see the artifacting. Yeah, because when you're filling out by circle and it's doing it progressive, when it gets larger, it starts missing. You'd have to do like anti-aliasing or something to fill that in, type thing. Yeah, that's really neat, though. So that or, was his first video on that, and then he posted a second one, uh, actually earlier, a little bit earlier, where he worked on a random number generator, to, and then he did it, a demo drawing the outline of a circle, uh, just you know randomly placing random colors, etc. Why are there so, so many was, guitar videos on your watch next, Curtis? What's going on here? 
Well, I play guitar, so it's yeah, okay. probably a bit of explainable. There's machine learning there right now. Like I noticed earlier, Nick uh, Marenti's had all that. Nick Marota had all these uh, uh, torrents of all the stuff he's been downloading. I'm not going to mention what they were, but if you were there, you saw them. So yeah. Was it all ukulele based? Um, <laughs> and next, we'll have uh, somebody on here advertising about cocoa badges, and you'll be just ratting them out to the yeah right. <laughs> all right, VCC. Oh, this is not the latest one too, because it's two dot ten two dot one dot dot Charlie now, I think, right? So yeah. Oh, look at this! They're just all over the place with these circles. Boom! And look at the speed of that. Yep. And all semi graphics too. I mean, you can do this in the higher semi graphics modes too. So. Yeah. I don't know. So you can I see the little random numbers being generated up on the top there, so oh, it's actually reporting the it's... locations of where it's going to plot yeah, them. It does there. the X center, X, the Y, y center, and, and the, the color, color? I believe. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. I mean, we don't really have any graphics libraries for semi-graphics modes. Most people have to implement that on their own, except for semi-graphics 4 you have set and reset. Well, did, and now, did well he, it. speaking of licensing, did he get permission from uh, Nick Morentes, who now has trademarked semi-graphics mode exclusively? <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Yeah, I've heard his licensing deals are a bitch. I don't know if I can... He can buck off. <laughs> 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 Uh, the O has been copyrighted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, have to draw is, square circles now. The round ones are copyrighted, but yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Olympic Like to talk to you. Now it is that the Olympic Committee might want to have a yeah. few. Oh, right, yeah. you can't cross the circles in the right these spots. Are, these are those round. These are those round things. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are curves. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> just emailed as well. Yeah. <laughs> Big old tire wants their uh, 10 cents. Uh, <laughs> the real job. donut yeah. dilemma. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, from the sounds of it, from the sounds of it, Sheldon's actually kind of creating a library of semi-graphic routines for drawing like lines nah, and circles and, and you stuff know, here. Um, Paul, um, Paul Shoemaker has been working on some of that stuff too with his 3D maze and the monsters and stuff. So Yeah. So I think uh, we might end up with some decent semi-graphics libraries and if they can hook them into basic... And I mean, basic's designed to be extensible, so yeah. you could actually start setting up, you know, games you could write in basic with yeah, like semi graphics, higher semi graphics. Yeah, you could have like a, you know, like similar to set and reset. You could have a paint set and a circle set and uh, line and line yeah, set, yeah, things. things like that. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. And things like P copy would already work because I mean, these are just you know, two, yeah. four, now, six. Now K it's a thirty-two K screen, so. screen or something. So, if you think uh, about it, these are all McDonald's. Oh, the arches. I'm no, thinking those O's. Oh, no. Sheldon. Oh, His McDonald's. Okay. Last name. Yeah. Oh, McDonald's. okay. You lost me there. <laughs> yeah. And there's the name. Still thinking. The big name. Asparagus. Okay. <laughs> Next. Next. Uh, ah, there we go. This, I haven't. I haven't updated this yet. I want to. Yeah. Now we we showed the SDC Explorer an episode or two ago, I think, with the new splash screen. Which, I mean, some people have said, you know, we, we like to have the option to shut it off because it's, it's nice the first few times and then it just delays you getting into the game or whatever you want to do. But uh, I, what I hadn't been aware of was that Eric had actually done some alternative designs and sent them to Guillaume and uh, he actually posted what some of them were. Yeah. So I'm going to scroll through these slowly here and then I want you guys to pick. Do you think they picked the right one or is one of these actually kind of I like, rock your I world? Like the a bit blue better? one, the kind of yeah, blue uh, motherboard thing back there. That's kind of cool. Mm. They all look good, but as far as one I'd want to see frequently, I would like something that looked kind of techy, circuit boardy. You know, the artsy. So ones your, your vote cool. is for the current one or my, for the my, blue my one? My vote would be for the green one or the blue one because it's kind of techy. 
you know, kind of circuit boardy looking. The other yeah, ones are very yeah. stylized, and I don't hate okay. them. I, I like personally. I like the wave in the car because those are actually like you know picture pictures, like art. So, yeah, yeah. Anybody else on the panel want to do a quick comment for a one? Which one I like, I like the, the green one. Yeah, one with the wave. I like the green. The wave I like the cool. wave with the sunset. Yeah, yeah. That's my, my probably my favorite in the car ones. The second. I told Eric all the above, and he said that was actually discussed. <laughs> that they ended up going with uh, just pick one. Okay. Yeah, we can, I like the, I'm I like the green. Either. I like the green because it's it, it's both a cocoa green and it's also uh, tech. Circuit you know, board green. It's, yeah. it's obviously a circuit board. Yeah. 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 I like the blue one and the white one. I'm kind of boring with the white one, but I yeah, this white I mean, one or the white they, white they one? All no, the good. white one. The the one under the one under the blue. Yeah, okay. the SDCX, just the logo. Just, just like, plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. But the blue one's cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, the blue looks good. I like the blue. The blue's my second favorite. I like that, too. Ron, which one did you say you like? I was just going to say the one with the wave is nice, but the SDCX, the text doesn't fit well. The X is skinny, and the D looks like a black. Yeah, yeah that's the one thing you can't really read it all that well. Yeah. Way. I have to agree with that. But I mean, the wave it's looks impressive cool that he has that kind of 3D look of these things in such limited resolution. This is SG4, you know? So the fact yeah. he's able to get anything that looks like anything in this amount of space is impressive, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's true. I like the wave. I like them all, but I, my, my, my top favorite one is the green one that's in use, and my second favorite is the blue one. The okay. car, so that seems to be a fairly common... Yeah. The car's right-hand drive. Oh yeah! Look at that. That's <laughs> <your fan. laughs> they all look cool, though. Yep, they do. Okay, is Alan still on the call? Is he? I am. Hey, because you got a couple videos here. Because I, I missed one from previous, so these are kind of going to be in reverse order from when you released them. But uh, if you want to just kind of, I'll, I'll mute this and let you talk over it. Talking about the sixty-four yeah, and one ROM. Sure. So. Yeah, a lot of, so this is Super 64 ROM pack. So a lot of times we, uh, we make the 28 to 24 pin conversion boards to use more common EE proms to replace our ROMs, right? Uh, so this takes it one step further. I'm using a 32 pin flash chip. So it's an AMD 512 kilobyte flash. And I'm going to cram it into this 24-pin socket in an old ROM pack cartridge. Uh, this this little cartridge came from eBay many years ago, and it arrived in a box of other cartridges, and it was missing its label. So uh, it turned out it was Galactic Attack, and I said, you know what? I don't mind, uh, you know, destroying this ROM pack in the name of creating a 64-in-1 uh, game cartridge. So, uh, so this is all about just how to, how to do this. And in the end, I, I load it with some nice little utilities and I think 56 games and, and cram it all into this, into this cartridge and put it back together. Okay, here it is. There's, there's going to be a little six-dip switch to select the ROM image, and I'm uh, epoxying it into the, the edge of the cartridge there. And That's pretty uh, yeah, retro so, when you have to use a dip switch as your selector. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's a teaching moment. Very... You can teach people binary and yeah. how it works. That that's right. It, it's really confusing to have this list of you know sixty four games, and you want this one down here. Oh my goodness, how am I going to flip these switches in the right order? Yeah, so you almost need a little cheat sheet and a little lookup that says you know. Yeah, otherwise it's dummy, Russian roulette. Make it look. <laughs> make it look like this, you know, flip through all the combinations and try to try to guess. Um, so here I'm going. I'm, Oops, sorry. First I'm, uh, so the, the chip is already in there. And so what I did is I, I think I programmed the uh, first ROM bank is just disk extended color basic. And then I put in some different versions of HDD DOS for DriveWire 3. Yeah, so it's a useful cartridge too. I think the first eight slots are utilities and diagnostics, and then it left fifty-six for for games. And you know, you can fit almost all of the eight K byte and smaller ROM games on this. Almost all of the ones that Tandy released uh-huh. will will fit on this. Um, you have to okay, there's also larger games, right? There's 16 and 32 kilobyte games. So I kept them off of this one, and, and this one just has the two, four, and eight K games on it. That's neat. Yeah, it's a cool little project, uh, and showing exactly how to do it type thing. And and having HDB DOS and stuff, especially if you don't have yeah. disk drives and stuff, it's kind of handy. Having something you can boot up and directly connect to your DriveWire server. Exactly. So I have DriveWire on my laptop there on the left, and yeah, so I use that, the cartridge for that. There's yeah, there's the little uh, cassette player. Uh, also, if you noticed, you may have other Spectre side. So you may have noticed in the earlier shot, I had a joystick sitting there, and it says IBM on it. Oh yeah, the IBM and, Craft or whatever it was. Yeah, the, the IBM Craft. So it's physically the same as the deluxe joystick. But it has a different cable and connector for the PC Junior. Mm-hmm. Oh, just went off the screen. And one of my viewers said, "Hey, is that a PC Junior?" There it is, right there. Yeah, on the left. One IBM. on the left. Yeah. So what happened there was I had a uh, a joystick, a deluxe joystick with broke internal plastics. So I just bought this off of eBay fairly cheaply, and then replaced the cable with my. You know the correct cable from the deluxe joystick that was broken. That conversion that, that is in the that conversion's in the Coco one two three of uh, a couple issues back. By the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, Rick, Rick Ulan wrote an article about that how to how to convert an uh, PC an IBM joystick to work on the Coco because you can get those oh, okay. yeah. buy a bunch of them. Yeah, because yeah, these, these are more it. available. So, uh, where yeah. can I find that article? I'd like to see that. It's in the Coco One Two Three newsletter. Uh, go to glensideccc.com. I don't remember exactly which one it was. It was one or two issues. Oh, ago. perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because uh, another viewer said, "Hey, do you have a video on how to to make that conversion?" And I said, "No." So I'll reply back to that person and say, "Hey, but here's a uh, an article from Rick Uland, and yeah. you can check this out." They're good. They're good. Yeah, that's cool. neat. And so as cool as this is, and I don't want to take away the fact that this is a homebrew that you did it, but there is a modern solution for this that Jim Brain has. It's called the Coco Flash, which has got like eight megabytes of flash in there. So just that's like I would hold a thousand 
8K ROMs, you know, and it's got yeah, right. Uh, and, and, and it handles the larger also, size ROMs too, yeah, like RoboCop, bank yeah. switching and stuff too. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It has the the hardware support internally for bank switching. Yes, yes, all yes. the fly bank yeah. switching. Yeah, but this right. is a very so, cool. So this doesn't have that. This yeah, this is just what you can do if you if you have an old decrepit ROM pack. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. A, uh, I think it's really AMD cool. AMD flash on eBay or something like that. Yeah, I love the whole dip switch approach for that. That yeah, is but so. This, that's what <laughs> <switches>. <laughs> I will mention too the Amigos actually uh, was it on the Atari twelve hundred XL or something? One of them actually got some sort of a solution that was similar to this. I had a bunch of games flashed on, and same thing dip switch. Except there was like nine or ten of them. Aaron was doing it, and he, he had this massive sheet that he would hold up, and you know somebody would request, "I want to see this game." So we'd take a look, and he'd try to set the dip switches, and you know nine times out of ten he had the wrong one, so get some totally <laughs> different game. It was, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a I have a technique for that. I have a a left half and a right half. And then I have four blocks, and then uh, that gets me the first three dip switches. And then uh, if you know zero to seven, then you can get the the last, you know, the bottom three dip switches. So it's not too bad. That's cool. I've <laughs> got a couple people in the chat. Steve Rasmussen, Buck Owens, who's very active on the Amiga community, says that it was for the Odyssey too. And then Canadian Retro Things, Ken said it was for the ColecoVision. So I'm still not sure what machine it was for. I just remember everyone was fiddling with it. Okay, but. Uh, now, this next one that you did here, this is actually a segue into a whole group of news stories related to the same thing, which is cassette, which is not something I thought I'd ever say on this show. I thought we'd all left cassette way behind, you know, for disk drives and SD cards and everything else. But actually, by coincidence, you, David Ladd, uh, Ken at, at, at Canadian Retro Things have all been doing pretty cool stuff with cassette stuff. So I'll start playing yours, and then we'll kind of get David in and, and, and uh, go into some of the other things that have been discovered. Ooh. There's like a whole bunch of stuff going on here. So. Oh, yeah. FSK. Drivewire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the very beginning of this, just to start it off, this is you showing that how fussy volume levels are on the Cocoa when you're trying to load something from cassette. So you can take it from there. Exactly. I, I don't know if this is something that only I'm facing, but I I refurbished my my little CCR82 down there on the left and started trying to C-save and C-load, and I just couldn't get the volume set right unless I just cranked it all the way up, you know, 8 or 9 or 10 level on the volume. So I decided to, to dive in and find out what the heck, you know, what's going on. And this is Coco 2. This is one of the more modern Coco 2s that came uh, as 64K right out of the box. And I found out that it has, there's a cassette connector there, but it has a, a DAC that that creates the, the sinusoidal waveforms that are saved onto the cassette. And uh, I found that the uh, the C save was making really ugly waveforms. There there are some of them. So you know you notice these waveforms are uh, they're different heights for the, these pulses, mm-hmm. and that's supposed to be frequency shift keying. So it's supposed to be clean mm. sinusoids of one of two different frequencies. But you see the little little runt pulses there. Those are the higher frequency pulses, and they're supposed to have the same amplitude as the lower frequency pulses that I'm pointing to right there. 
Yeah. So, so for people that are not familiar with some of the tech terminology here, basically these should all be the same height. They should just vary the width. So you should have like a half size and a full width one for the ones and zeros, basically. Yes. Uh, yeah. So so this is right out of the back of the Coco two. It's it's wrong, right? So yeah. um, actually, at this point, I might be looking at the playback. Yes, I'm looking at the playback. So I, I did a C load. And I just said, gosh, what is this? Where did this come from? So I, I traced it all the way back to where I C-saved it onto the uh, the cassette tape. And I'll show that waveform here in just a moment. And and you can see where, this is still not it, but you can see where the uh, the corruption comes from just right out of the back of the cocoa. It's all over okay, the place. There, there it is. Mm. There it is. Okay, so this is the 6-bit back, the same one that makes sound, Coco. Yeah. Now, it's being reemployed and, you know, redirected with, with a MUX. It's being redirected out to the cassette port. And look at this. You, know, you should be seeing, when I zoom in here, you should be seeing steps. Steps on the way up and then steps on the way down. But... It's it's a really ragged mess, and it, it's not clean going up, and it's not clean. It's even worse going down. Um, so you see how you can see little steps on the way up. Yeah, yeah. That's so. That's almost a triangle okay. wave instead of a sine wave. Yeah, it's more triangular, and it's it's clipped. Mm. And then look at the way down there. The, the falling yeah. slopes are yeah. exponential instead of stepped. Yeah. Well, it turned yeah. out where I'm pointing to right there, that that pulse never made it all the way to the valley. It, it never got there in time because the slew rate was too slow. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, then the the higher frequency that's over there on the right, you know, that had no chance. It didn't even get much past the zero crossing. So this should have looked like two different frequencies, you know, one wide sinusoid and, and then two narrow sinusoids. So here in a minute, I, um, I do the old ROM to RAM routine. So I, I load the color basic into RAM and I hack it. So I found the table where the, the C-save routine has 36 values in the table to create the, the waveforms. And I, I simply lowered the amplitude, or you know, I turned down the gain, and you'll see what an improvement it makes here in just a moment. These are the values there on the screen. Those are 36 values out of the table, and there's what it, they look like if you plot them. Okay. So, uh, so the Coco makes the slow frequency by driving all 36 points out to the to the DAC. And it makes the higher frequency by skipping every other point. So it gets through the table in half the time, but it only updates the DAC half as often. So, And there's a picture of that coming up here in just a few minutes. I love how you're doing your where it'll modification on the fly here, too, on your program. You're editing the line and just changing the values. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I wouldn't see what this looks like. And, and then I'll plot here in a moment. I'll plot. This is a zero bit. So this is the lower, this is the 1200 hertz frequency, and this is what happens if you plot you know, every point in that lookup table. 
Is that um, is that the output from the cocoa, or is that um, or is that a, a theoretical? Because there's a lot of stair stepping and no anti aliasing there. Okay, that's the theoretical, and the, the bottom okay. is in the, the oscope image is what actually comes out of the cocoa. Yep. So if you look at the third hump on the oscilloscope, yeah, that should match what's on the cocoa screen. Okay. But it doesn't match because the waveform just before yeah. it didn't get all the way down to the bottom in time. Mm. And here I'm probably talking about, hey, I'm getting ready to, you know, divide these values in half or something like that. You know, <clears throat> I think I ended up going to one quarter gain, and one quarter gain was uh, creating a much cleaner waveform. Okay, there we go. So there's a zero one zero. Yep. Now look at the second waveform on the oscilloscope. Look how closely it matches the red. Yeah, yeah. See, it, it's the only thing that's missing is that lower part of the blue, just before the red. It the blue didn't, you know, the that first oscilloscope um, sinusoid didn't make it all the way to the bottom. And something that I found out since I made this video is the Coco 1 and the Coco 2 have different implementations for the DAC. You know, in the Coco 1, it was implemented with a bunch of discrete chips, and then they, they reduced a large number of chips down to a smaller number of chips in the Coco 2. And one thing they did to do that was to integrate several of the – okay, so here it is. This is at half gain. So the height, the, the peak and valley height is halved, basically. Exactly. So theoretically, this is what it would look like if if C save used only half as much gain. Okay, and then there's this little program C save mod. It modifies the the values in the in the ROM to to cut the gain down. And now you just made that point two five. So you just stood it down to about a quarter. Okay, now we're at a quarter, okay, and I think I'll, I'll probably plot that next. Yeah, here, this is And your plot, plot is actually pulling from game. the values of what's in ROM right now and, and plotting it? It is. Okay. It is. So it modified it, and then it did a peak. Okay. Okay, yeah, so it just did the peak of the 36 values. So here, uh, you know, the steps are much smaller. It, it should give the DAC a lot more time to, to make those transition swings and then I'm going to put it up on the scope here it is so so now look look at this waveform like look the peaks that. and valleys now are almost they're, exactly they're, yeah, the same peaks size and valleys are in the right spot yeah. right right there's there's a slow waveform that I'm pointing to then there's a fast one there's a bunch of zeros and then a one so yep. you pretty much described the problem with pop music today <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you know, when the uh when your your electric guitar's amplifier is yeah. is cranked up, it's it, you know, it's it's intentional distortion, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's another way to play? I wasn't aware of that. So <laughs> is there some sort of hardware issue in the computer that's causing the problem that, that yeah, you're Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. So I I need to look at more of my Coco ones and twos. So so far I've looked 
at this was the Coco 2 that has the problem. Mm-hmm. This integrated DAC chip that I was about to describe is hardware limited. It seems to be able to to drive positive a lot faster than it can drive negative. And then I looked at my Coco 1 and it doesn't have the problem. It's making nice looking waveforms. So the next thing I'm going to do uh, when I have some time this coming week is I'm going to look at a lot more Coco 1s and 2s. I have a couple of Coco 1s that I can check, and I have five or six uh, Coco 2s. And I'm going to see if they all have the problem or if I just got really unlucky with my the first one. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's right in the hardware. It's it's the DAC in the Coco 2 just has this limitation. That's interesting. And, and by modifying the, the sine wave table, did, did you actually test that, and did that help? With the yes, exactly. So right here, I'm. Um, that's what I'm doing now. Is I'm showing how at gain of one quarter, you get plenty of signal onto the cassette tape, and when you play it back, you can turn the volume. You know, before I was at a volume of eight. Well, now when you play it back, you could turn the volume down so low that you can barely hear it, and it still and picks it up. You could. Yeah. And you can still pick it up. Now, I finally did get an I.O. error at that low of a volume, okay. and that was at volume level of, of three. Okay. So then I, I put the volume at three and a half, and I got a clean load of this 30-second load. It was a fairly large program that took 30 seconds to load, and it got cleanly through at a level of three and a half compared to a level of eight before that's that's impressive <laughs> this problem yeah, then, goes back then, this problem goes back to the early days of coco's everybody had problems loading from tape and you had to jigger the volume and get your volume just right yeah. so this problem has been around right. as long as co it's i've heard i because I, I they were talking about this this week in, in discord and they talk about that maybe it's an aging hardware problem where some of the things the chips themselves are starting to slew and it could be a hardware degradation problem mm-hmm. that's one possible theory but honestly this issue was around when the coco was new so, yeah, you know what? Um, it would be really nice is if I, so. I have one old cassette tape that I saved in 1984, and I'm going to uh, play it back and see if it already had the degradation then, right. or if it's something that's happened since I made that recording. Right. Something else that's a possibility right. that I'm thinking of here too is is maybe you're uh, because you're having varying results with different cocos. It might be worthwhile checking the power supply rails because this, to me, looks like, especially with the custom DAC chip, it looks like a power supply rail issue, especially with that negative, you know, the, the negative not going low enough. Um, maybe there's a power supply Great rail idea. limitation there. Hmm. Okay, so, so Danny, as I, as I look, I will make sure to check that rail. At this, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I will definitely mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Well, he does get to that because the salt chip also did the power supply regulation and... A whole bunch of other things, and so the Coco audio cassette signal was kind of a very minor thing amongst a lot of bigger signals. Hey, so, wasn't yeah. there uh, somebody uh, reverse engineering the salt chip? Yeah, that was uh, um, to make yeah. a uh, Terry Trap. Uh, yeah, Mr. Dash salt replacement. Yeah. Because yeah. I wonder yeah, just if, the way, uh, if just the way the improvements you... in the design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so, the way that you, so you, you, you bring the gain right, you bring the gain right down, and all of a sudden you're not limited by the power supply rail limitations. So it's, it really looks like that to me. 
exactly. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if it was if the power supply rail was limited or if inside the DAC chip, if they just under designed the output buffer. You know, I, mm. I don't know. I don't know yet what it what the problem was. But in the Coco One, the there's a six resistor ladder, yep. right? You know, in discrete logic, and then it's followed up by. Um, I think there's six buffers, so it's just a totally different hardware design, and I didn't mm. notice that until I, I think I noticed that this morning or last night, and I said, "Whoa, look at this! This is you know totally different in the Coco." Okay, there is the zero crossing detector. So when you do a C load, that the analog waveform is the waveform that came off of the tape, mm -hmm. and the zero crossing detector to to Rickle uh, to Rick's point. The zero crossing detector is over in the salt chip, so that's really a, a mismatch of a hodgepodge of all these different random functions. Uh, you know, the the RS two thirty two level shifters are in the salt chip, uh, but but here is the zero crossing detector, and it makes the job a lot easier. You know, when you're when when the ROM program when the ROM routine is trying to measure the time between zero crossings. If you have a nice balanced waveform on the cassette tape, it makes the job a lot easier to to time those zero crossings. And the um, the routine is looking at, at a timer, and it's just simply counting a certain number of counts. And it says if the zero crossing happens less than that that number of counts, it must be a one. And, and if it took longer than that, it must be a zero. So by by measuring the time between zero crossings, you're you're determining the frequency of the wave. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so here you have six and then five and a half toward the right side of the screen, and you just got to figure out, okay, that's six and six. What do you mean by six and five and a half? Oh, so, like the so, difference in width. Yeah, in width. Yeah. So you've got a six and then you've got a five and a half. Okay, that's the same. But then you've got a four, and that's different. It it's for you know. Yep. So even even here, so here it's not it's not perfect, uh, but there is a good bit of margin, so there could be some jitter, and it, it could still you know can reject that. Um, and it kind of has to because I mean get like tape stretch after time and stuff too. So I mean you're not going to get the exact same. True and and different. Uh, not everyone calibrates the speed of their CCR, right? So some of them play a little faster or slower than mm -hmm. others. Yep, yeah. yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now the That's thing really I found fascinating about this is that this was just the start of Cassette Week on Discord and between a bunch <laughs> of other people here. So oh. <laughs> it's just coincidence too, because you guys hadn't been talking yeah, to each other and, from what I understood. And, and now that I'm seeing the actual video here, you've done a great job in visualizing the concepts. And for me, yeah. not being a technical guy and not being a hardware guy or a circuit guy, to be able to see the actual waveforms and visualize this incredibly helpful. And so the fact that you good, took the time good. to plot it out was great. 
But even before I saw your video, yeah. when they were talking about the issue, you know, uh, Tim Lindner was able to steve explain it to me where I was able to understand it. Because some people, they know what they're talking about. And just because they know what they're talking about doesn't mean they can convey it in a way that a lay person will understand. So I, I was able to grasp what you did before I saw your video by hearing them explain it to me. And I thought, that's really cool that we live in a time now where we can discover these things that might have been flaws in the system from the beginning. And the fact you've got that super scope to see that incredibly helpful obviously and obviously you understand these things too it's that's helpful um but yeah so this type of scientific analysis is is invaluable in in not only identifying the problem but coming up with a solution and bravo for that sir thank you and uh after david ladd saw this he uh, took it a little farther. Uh, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> yeah. David so, Ladd said, hold my diet, Dr. Pepper. So. <laughs> yeah, David Ladd, he's, so he's my hype man. He, he became the amplifier here, and um, he he went crazy and um, yeah, he started clipping. did a, a, a double speed <laughs> load and a, a quad speed load, I believe. Yeah, yeah which he, we'll be getting to shortly. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I'll let you guys go there with that. But yeah, now, is David was, still on the panel? Yes, I am. Why, yes, I am, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> little, uh, again, with a little more enthusiasm, please. Oh. <laughs> and, and let me, let me, Stevie, let me Steve explain one other concept to you yes, while, while we're here. Yes, please. Fire Steve's hot. <laughs> What's fire hot? Oh, okay. fire hot. Fire hot. Great. Thank you. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, it's I'll let David kind of take it away from here, but basically, uh, Ken at Canadian Retro Things is in the, the YouTube chat. You can pipe in from there, too, or you can join the call if he wants to. Uh, did an experiment with David doing cassette stuff, which I will play silently in the background here. And, David, if you want to like, take away how this got started between the two of you. Um, is this the one with the Bluetooth? Yes, yes. it is. Yeah. Okay, so... With the the Bluetooth, I have had one of these adapters, and I had the crazy idea, hey, I wonder if I could play the audio from my laptop across the room to the Coco that's on the other side of the room using the Bluetooth module. But I'm not really set up for doing videos, and so Ken's always receptive at taking ideas. So I'm like, well, here's something I was thinking of. Um, What do you think? And, well, Ken ran with it and made... um, Last week's video. Yeah. yeah, and then of course, the, <laughs> then the one with the the high speed version of the loading, and um, you know I've been tinkering and doing all my stuff, testing stuff, and um, and basically like with Audacity because uh, this is easiest to do with Audacity because it doesn't, you know, um, because w- when you're doing the higher speed loading, things like VLC will keep the pitch the same but will shorten the play time. And that's not good since with the cocoa, if you speed the cocoa up or you change the timing routines, the frequency has to go up as well. You know, like if it's 12 hertz, 24 hertz, now you need to be 24 hertz, 4,800 hertz. And VLC uh, doesn't change that. So with um, Audacity, you can change the... Um, how it was um, the play rate and everything gets sped up correctly. Sample. Mm. Yeah. And that's basically what Ken was showing here is playing the, uh, how he edited it 
um, and how we played it over the Bluetooth and, um, and then using high speed poke. Um, and I found basics timing table that's in the low RAM variable space that basic uses where it stores those, how many times that it has to count to load it in basic. So then I start saying, well, is this doable in a, on a Cocoa 1 and 2 at the double speed mode? And without the high-speed poke, with three bytes changed, you can load at twice the speed. Which so means from 1,500 baud to 3,000 baud, essentially. Right. And it's just right in half. And if you use that same technique and then add the high-speed poke on the Cocoa 3... Now you just went four times as fast on your play rate, which means now you've just cut it. You're to six thousand baud now, so right. And loading... you're, you're at Commodore sixty four hard drive speeds at that point, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I've just been going nuts. And then there's um, a project which I'm pretty sure we had discussed two or three years ago. Um, I haven't found the episode, but there's a a person that goes by MySoft that has a uh, Cocoa um, tape. Well, it's the cassette port, but it's using the sound card that you can get faster load rates, even using his turbo loader routines. And I don't know how many people here have tried loading HDB DOS off of cassette or a phone, Never. but that normally takes 50 seconds. So quad speed, that's 12 and a half seconds. Um, and, you know, that's nothing. The Spores game that we played with, I put that on tape, the Coco 3 modded one. And that takes almost two minutes to load at 1x speed. With the turbo tape loader, it took uh, 11 seconds with the, the, the preloader and the actual binary itself. 11 seconds. Wow. Load off oh, a yeah. tape. That's, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's down from almost two minutes. So you can imagine. Uh, yeah. And actually, Dave, your, your comparison video is actually next year. So basically what Ken did here is he just did the double speed version. He tried quad, but he had a bit of an issue, I think. But you guys have figured that out, I think, if I remember correctly. Right, yeah, and let me just uh, and before you switch to the next video, I want to Steve explain to anybody who doesn't understand the, what audacity is and what he's doing, too. So, yeah. Um, uh, but go ahead, Dave. Was something else you were going to say? Mm-mm. Yeah. So especially if somebody ends up listening to this on the podcast later and you can't see it. So Audacity is is a piece of software that lets you modify recordings. And so the recording of the tape file, when you're talking about doubling the speed, you're doing that in an audio editor program. And what uh, Ken had on his on his video, you could see that. But uh, if you don't, when, he, when we talk about Audacity, if you don't know what that is, it's free open source software you can use to edit recordings. And um, and and so it's just like when you. Uh, and another example is sometimes when you change the pitch of of of, of your voice it goes up an octave, right? So similar concept here. When you're doubling the speed, you have to make sure you compensate for everything so none of the data gets lost in that, um, in that changing of, of, the, um, of the files. So pretty, pretty cool stuff here. Again, because I can visualize it, um, and it, it's, it's easier to, to understand for me. But if anybody's listening to this later and you didn't know what Audacity was, I wanted to give that free uh, annotation there. So 
And yeah, and, and also one of the other good comparisons is people that's had record players mm-hmm. or some of the more high-end uh, reel-to-reel tape decks. Um, there's options that you have different play speeds. And like mm-hmm. a record player, 33 or 45 RPM, just switching it, you could hear the music, all the tones, everything just get higher right. when, when you play it. And most people, well, if you're like many of us, we've been around long enough, we know what a record player is. So hmm. switching it from 33 to 45, yeah. <laughs> 78, man. It became the chipmunks. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because yeah, the Coco only has a zero crossing detector, so the frequency doesn't matter if you can count the zero crossings. You can crank up the speed. So you don't actually have to change any of the hardware in the DAC because of that. You're, nope. you're, all you're doing is altering lookup tables in the... in, in yep. In software. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I mean, I, I saw this video first before the next one we're going to play from David here. So this was basically, I mean, first of all, last week, Ken did one where he just did Bluetooth. So you can load wirelessly from your PC or your phone across the room. That was cool enough. Right. Now he's doing a double speed. So now we're doing 3,000 baud cassette, which if you have a cassette player is awesome. But what, uh, actually, I'll skip ahead one little link here. So this apparently has actually been out for a while, like three to four years. And I, I, David swears we covered this before in Coco Talk. I honestly don't remember it. Nick Marentes didn't men- remember it either. Stevie, do you remember seeing this project before? Um, I remember us talking about it just generically, not specifically. But yeah, the, because I remember mentioning when I bought one of my Cocos on eBay years ago, it came with a high-speed tape loader, and it was a three-and-a-half-inch floppy of software I had to run on my PC that was kind of like a drive wire or something or another that would let me do this. But I had never used it, so I was familiar with the fact it existed, and that was about the extent of it, so... Okay, because basically what this does, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, David, but basically this is software that not only modifies the tables and stuff, but also does built-in compression and a few other things and requires, or we think requires, but maybe not, we'll have to further test it, but it requires like a digital perfect output, like not an analog where you know wavers a bit here, but you want a digital perfect one, and then it can actually increase the speed to 1600 bytes per second instead of 1600 baud, which is about a tenth that. So now we're talking like 10 times speed. Yeah, the uh, so far from my experiments, there's three uh, wave for or uh, sample rates that it gives you for like the wave files is the standards 44 kilohertz, which is CD audio quality. Mm-hmm. Then there's a 58 kilohertz, and then there's an 88 kilohertz. Now, a lot of cheap sound cards cannot do anything above 48 kilohertz so the other two modes will probably be restrictive um but even the 44 kilohertz wave file you know that that was still impressive and the software supports compression which means any binaries that have built-in graphic samples and stuff like that that could be compressed will save even more load time wow um, so it's kind of like MP3s for music, but doing this now to data that you're loading into your Cocoa. Yep. So you're going, you're, going at, you're going up to 10 times the frequency at some of these, are you? Is that right, David? Or? Um, I don't know on this fast loader, um, and I'm not sure uh, of the person's name because it's, uh, it goes by MySoft64 bits on YouTube. So um, I don't really know who it is. For sure, but it's um, it's a cool project. I've been like tinkering with it. Um, unfortunately, I do not have a working 
cassette drives for the Coco to actually test out how well it works on real tapes. Um, but, is it supposed well, is, to work off of this, tape? I thought it was supposed to work straight from a PC. Well, you could take and put the WAV file, record it on a tape, and then use the tape. Oh, okay. So we want to see if that's going to work. Like, could you make a literal Coco cassette that runs ten times faster than normal? Like a physical cassette. Well, that's that's what I was I was getting at here. I mean, this may be something that we can. Um, David, I think you mentioned to me in, in Discord or something. I haven't replied to you yet. Sorry about that. But um, you were talking about high-end cassette decks and, and metal tapes and things like that. Um, I've actually got three very high-end cassette decks here, dual capstan, three-head, um, you know, top-of-the-line Nakamichi decks. Um, and those decks have the frequency response and the frequency stability um, to uh, to make it worthwhile experimenting with this. So this might be worthwhile something, you know, I'll, I'll come in and try it with my Nakamichi decks and see if it works. Yeah, and if Maybe you make it on one of those decks and, say, a metal tape and then you play it back in a regular cassette, is that clean enough that it would actually work at, say, the, the 10 times speed? Maybe not the 20 times, but... It, it should do. The only thing you're going to find is the equalization on a metal tape will be a little bit different, but um, that shouldn't be really a problem with this. In fact, it might even help it. Yeah. And then if you combine it with what Alan did, like reducing the amplitude so that it's much less fussy on volume, would that help or hinder this well, experiment? I don't... It, would definitely help. it would definitely help recording high frequencies onto a cassette. If you record them at lower levels, tape has the wider bandwidth and you can record higher frequencies. Yeah, my experiments so far, at least with my USB Creative Lab sound box, um, with Audacity, I by default, um, what is it? I normalize to a negative five on all of the yep. WAV files. So it's like almost about half the amplitude, um, just because I find it loads better. Um, yeah, well, yeah. But yeah, you you you'll get the. I like doing my comparison videos. I've done uh, quite a few of these for Curtis on some of the Nitrous Nine projects over the last two years. So longer, yeah. So so this Passing one here just to set belts. it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is loading Star Wars, a game we just just played this week. And on the top left, he's got the normal cassette load speed. The middle is the double, which is kind of what Ken was showing in his video. The upper right is quad speed, and that's the. Uh, cutting the table down and doing double speed poke or something like that, I think. Yeah. And, um, right now I'm, I'm, I, I keep breaking FFmpeg, but I'm trying to get a version of this video that says what each one is. Oh, so you have like little video. subtitles on there or something. Yeah. Yes. And that's what I'm working on. Um, but the, the top middle one, which is the double speed, you can, um, either with the high speed poke on the Coco three or the table, mo- the, um, the variable timing um, area in the low RAM, if you change those to half, um, you can do this on a Coco 1 and 2, on the middle middle top one. Yeah, but it's still twice as fast as the original. And then if you combine those two techniques, double speed poke and the having the table size, which is, I think, three pokes, then you can get the quad speed in the upper right corner. So this is all on real. This would work on all on real physical tapes. I've, I've tested all five of those. Uh, well, obviously the top left one everybody's tested on real hardware, but and the top middle one I did back in the day on the yeah, Coco Three too. on real hardware. So that is those two were for sure. The other three I did in this last week on real hardware using the sound USB sound card playing into the Coco, and it all worked. 
Okay. And now for these lower two, the one on the left is R0, as they call it in that software we just showed earlier. That's 44 kilohertz playback, and the bottom middle is the 88 kilohertz playback. And that's the one that would require a special sound card that can actually handle that high of a right. response. And both of those are with compression enabled. Okay, so it's doing data compression combined with the with high speed yes. response. So when so you're when you're saying data compression, you're talking about the compressing the actual waveforms, or you're talking about compressing no, data the data is itself? being compressed. The data yeah. itself okay, is right, being compressed right, right. within the waveform. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I didn't look through okay. the source to see if it's like RLE compression or Lempelzev Welsh or what he's using, but I'm assuming it's fairly okay. simple because he's decoding it on a real cocoa, so in real time. Hmm. So anyway, well, the way this thing works is it's a. I'm sorry, is he using the standard, uh, is he using Tandy Color Basic ROM for those bottom two, or is it a special... Uh, He's got no, a preloader. I was it's just about to get into that, actually. So basically, it's a little a little add-on to the beginning of your program that you're trying to load that uh, loads in this fast load um, software that then loads in the main program you were trying to do at these higher frequencies. But you, you'll see the speed differences here loading star spores, which, how big is that? It was a seven granule disk file, so it's like 20K or something. Um, I think it might have been, what wasn't the Coco 319 granules? No, oh, maybe. I can't remember. But yeah, Alan, I had uh, posted a link to you about the, the repo. <laughs> the one in the bottom. That, that was right. bad. Yeah. yeah there it uh, is. Boom. It, boom. Look at that. That uh, that um, cursor, this, the, the the found cursor, was flashing almost the same yeah. speed as the, as the normal cursor. Yeah. Well, you can even see in the top three the difference of the speed of the F because that is each yeah. block being read. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the fast load for the it. win. That that's just boom in there. <laughs> that's amazing. Now that requires a digital okay. perfect. We think I'm, we have to try this on real tape to see if a real tape actually has the frequency range to handle even the slower so of the two fast. Top ones. right hand corner was quad load of a normal situation, yep. that and that have. would be workable on real hardware for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to try these on the Nakamichi. I reckon it might just do it. I'll uh, send you the wave files so that I use. David Ladd is no yeah. longer just king of the floppy. He's also lord of the uh, cassette tape, too. So, yeah. <laughs> now, that top middle one, the double speed one, which is one I did use back in the day before I got yeah. my first disk drive. Yeah. Which seemed magic then. <laughs> and then, last but not least, eventually, wait for it. it, it, it wait standard for it, 1500 baud. Yeah. So the video itself is three minutes long, so that tells you how long it took to load the tape. Because well, uh, yeah. I, I left about a minute because I wanted a fixed time when I recorded these that I could just keep all the videos flashing, you know, with the, the yeah. title screen. Uh-huh. So I stopped everything at three minutes, or at least that's when the timer was. And then in MAME, because it's easier for me to synchronize this using the outputs from MAME, um, I... Stopped him as soon as the beeper went off. I told it to exit main, which saved out the video as of when it was done. So, <laughs> retro innovation says in other news, scientists have now engineered snails that move four times as fast. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, yeah, so. this this is one that David and I got talking to late night on Discord a few days ago, and I w- I'd really like to see Alan, David, and Ken kind of all collaborate in this try, and actually Danny too now, you know, collaborate on really high end cassette equipment or playing it from a you know an iPhone or an Android phone with really high fidelity to see if these you know twenty times ones will work. 
on the real hardware and then also maybe mm-hmm. try recording it onto regular cassette tapes or maybe you know vary between you know a metal tape and a you know, regular tape or whatever and then see you know, like where where is the threshold can we do a 10 times load on a real coco with real hardware without having to use a digital source can you do it on mm-hmm. analog um and to just have you guys kind of try it between this, all of you and and just see you know what what a real coco with a real cassette is capable of doing do you need a special high end cassette like you know Danny has to to get some of this stuff to work off a cassette or will it work on you know the old CCRs and CTRs at, at maybe the 10 times speed so i'm really yeah. curious as to where this goes i'm going to try I'll, I'll try recording some onto the nakamichi and then play it back on the ccr81 yeah you know, the, the recording's done on the net yeah 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 so yeah. david can you send them all like you've already made you know the high quality images of these the wav files for these correct yes so if you can send it off to everybody and then they can all experiment with the real yeah, here's, and here's an idea papers. why don't we open up a discord channel for high speed we, we did already <laughs> way ahead <of> <laughs> we don't have oh <laughs> i was being sarcastic there's a cassette channel now there has been for a few days freaking cassette channel that's all we need on discord. Uh, <laughs> I don't, i'm still waiting for the channel channel yeah. yeah, I was kind of joking, saying that we have so many channels, we need to have a channel guide channel. And then we can also, like cable TV, we can start to have premium channels that uh, you have to pay monthly yeah. for. So. <laughs> have the TV guide could, channel? Could, the TV guide channel, yeah. Could we get a stereo left channel, a stereo right channel? Uh, yes, Is that possible? absolutely. <laughs> no, channel. I want to get the 11.1 left Dolby. Channel. That's what I want. Oh, right my. channel. Right <laughs> channel. Dolby. Orchestra 90 Dolby. left and orchestra 90 right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so at 12X, you get smoke, right? Okay, don't be so, uh, out of the so David and Curtis, a, a question. So bottom left, is that the double speed poke and compression? And then bottom middle is double speed poke and even more aggressive compression? Well, here's what I tested because I don't have a working tape drive. And all I got is the Coco 3. Um, that's physical hardware that's hooked up. So I used MAME because MAME will actually read in many different frequency-rated wave files, and I used the Coco 2 emulation in main, and I was able to load the bottom left one without any errors on the Coco 2 in main. So the bottom middle one requires the high-speed poke. It, it says right in the thing, it, it it's double. So that is... The Coco 3 specific one. David, can you imagine what we could do with a Gimme X? (laughs) Yeah, so that's saying that the compression is doing the the bulk of the speed up, right? Because the bottom left is at 1x speed, but it's so fast, right? It must be like 5 or 6x the normal speed. So that's all from compression, you're saying? Pretty much, and whatever high-speed stuff he's doing, because that's at 44 kilohertz, the bottom left one, the wave file. Um, See, what I'm wondering and, is how much of it is based on the fact that you can do a perfect square wave in digitally. With analog, it's it's got a trail up and trail down type thing. Like You could literally do your zero-one crossings, presumably, if it's completely precise, within like three time measurements, or five, depending if you're doing a wider... It might... Feeding a square wave in might actually corrupt things because quite often a zero crossing detector requires a, a, a trailing and a leading edge it needs it needs that to be able to detect de- de- oh okay yeah but you could do it with less steps than we have now theoretically then right if you could yeah, do yeah, it perfectly yeah, yeah. at a digital level because analog kind of like slews all over the place so that's why yeah. i'm wondering if the 10 times like the lower one there might actually be good enough to run on an analog cassette 
Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that up to you guys that actually have set up, you know, cassette systems and stuff to try it out and see what the results are. And if you report back in the next week or two, I'd be really interested in yeah, seeing yeah, it. Yeah, for awesome. sure. So okay, for Alex, I'll take a technology that's 40 years late for $100. <laughs> but we've had new Kuoko owners who, you know, they want to run DriveWire because they don't have SDCs or don't have the money for SDCs, don't have disk drives. And if you can load HDB DOS off of tape here at 10 times speed and have it up and running in 10 seconds, it's not a big pain to get onto DriveWire off the... PC. Uh, for modern yeah, digital yeah. devices. Hey, let me um, ask you this now. If we're going to take this one step loader, and this is where John Lowry can, can, can chime in too. There's a way when you load tape where you can change the offset of where memory is going. What if you created the tape to where the first part that got loaded in actually poked in the stuff to change the speed and then change the offset and then loaded the HDB. That is kind of what so, the uh, bottom two are doing. Okay. So it you, has that preloader that auto executes and then it loads the actual program itself. So that's exactly what it's doing. Okay. So yes, that way you don't even have to type in the pokes because even though it's only four pokes, if it could be baked into the tape and you just had a high speed HBD DOS, you know, either yeah. physical cassette or, uh, you know, if you take a look image. at the bottom to here at the part where they're actually doing the load, you can see yeah. that extra information that that loader added in on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, and here's another experiment that I actually, uh, tried. Of course I had to use MAME because I don't have the dragon hooked up, but the dragon basics timing variables are in a different location, but I did manage to find them using the debugger, the top middle one, with changing the timing routines will also work on the dragon. So by lowering the amplitude, you you can. Well, no, just doubling the play speed. Oh, doubling the play on speed on the top middle one. Oh, so that's by um, by um, manipulating the wave file to make the wave file play twice as fast. Yes, that's... and the same with the top right one where you're making it play four times as fast. Okay, gotcha. Well, I so think by lowering the... The, the amplitude helps too because it takes less time to go. Yeah, right. That's what that's, that's what I was high. kind of getting. It might be more reliable with Alan's hack as well. Well, now you've got you've got no wow and flutter and less voltage swing, so you can really hone in on the speed of zero crossings, so to speak. Well, but well, that's the thing with the with the with the Nakamichi tape decks I've got here too. They're they're, they're dual capstan direct drive um, mechanisms, and their wow and flutter figures are, are practically unmeasurable. I mean, right, they're not unmeasurable, right. but they're, compared to a normal cassette deck, they're, they're, they're non-existent. But what can you cram cool. into a CCR82? <laughs> that thing got a hemi on it. This is honestly the most excited about cassette anything on the Coco I've been in 35 years. So this is a pretty yeah, no, it's yeah, neat. Looking it's forward neat. to results. Uh, there, it's, it's an, it, other than it being, you know, for the sake of posterity and science and history, that's the cool part. But there are going there is going to be some. Some people who will benefit from this, like the people who yes. want to get up and running on drive wire in the least amount of time, and we can, you know, distill that into a completely re- replicatable solution. Um, that's that's really cool. Um, well, I think David was mentioning, like, if you take HDB DOS, it takes what forty five, fifty seconds to load normally. Now you can do it in like less than. All 10. Right. I mean, and, and let's be honest: is that the <laughs> worst thing in the world if you had to wait an entire minute to load your tape in to get? Well, caught? God, if, yes. If you were in that, <laughs> I mean, you have to. I mean, let's 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 be honest: For the fact that you are relying on a tape, you're in dire straits. I'm sorry, you are. You're in a world of suck that you <laughs> need to live off of a goddamn tape to get your shit going. Okay, so. Yeah, we've done you a favor, but, um, you know, 
I get it. You just bought your first Coco on eBay. You don't have anything. This is my Band-Aid. But are you going to stay living on that tape and you're going to live your life on tape that you need these solutions? I don't know. So. Well, okay, Mr. One Percent. Here we go again. Stevie, here. Or run your freaking uh, 6309 while you're at it. Well, yeah, what does this translate to the MC10? Yeah, well. Theoretically, that some of this technique should work. That second one where, where David, you know, shortening the frequencies or shortening the uh, the waveforms to be half should theoretically work on there too, because it should be roughly the same circuitry. I'm guessing. Well, I know the basic as far as on the Dragon and the Coco, the top metal one is doable. Um, on the MC10, I don't know because I still have to get my MC10 fixed <laughs> to yeah. play. Um, but Does an MC10 have a double speed poke? No, nope. don't think so. No, but you could probably improve the amplitude. But, but the cutting the cutting the size of the waves in half, which is part of what David's technique was, that should theoretically work as long as the basics set set up the same way. Which means you could get three thousand baud loading cassettes on the MC10. Right. And again. It's like we. It, it's this is cool, and I, and I don't want to disparage the fact that this information is being discovered, and we're going down this path. But hopefully, you're not in a situation where your life depends on tapes, because I I'm sorry, but your life sucks if you depend on tape. So um, I, I got one other. I have, I have a roof. I have, I have room for, for you. Tapes. <laughs> Does the Vectrix load by tape? No, it's all ROM nope. based, right? No. Nope. I uh, I think I can maybe. Let me see if um, I can do something here. Yeah. Asparagus? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we're going to move on to the next. Now, this is fascinating. Well, it's cool stuff, well, I, but we don't want to keep beating this horse. Oh, I know. I just wanted to say one other thing is that, like, if you have a CD See player the- or Walkman, having the 44 kilohertz Wayfall ready to go, especially, like, with the Cocoa Diagnostic software. Yeah. Like, yeah. if we're at VCF or Cocoa Fest and all someone's got is, you know, a Cocoa and you don't and your stuff is all set up for demo and you don't want to pull it apart, well, the easy thing to do is just plug in cassette cable, hit play, close, boom, done. Yep, and if you do that auto loader on the lower left there, it can load in the fast loader and then load in the diagnostic software, you know, 10 times faster than normal. So you're checking things out quicker. There you go. So how did Radio Shack <laughs> add having, um, you know, um, Deskmate with no, nothing plugged in? No. Have a look at have a look at my camera view there, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Danny's got a lot that's, of tapes. That's yeah. not a photo. That's that's actual cassettes. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's new old stock tapes on my shelf there. Is it real or is it memory? So we have a source. For those of you whose <laughs> lives depend on cassettes, send a self-addressed stamped envelope to Danny, care of Australia's Tape Relief Fund. And, uh, <laughs> 527 for, for only, Kangaroo for, Lane. For, for only 32 cents a day, you can help a poor bastard who relies on tapes for a living. <laughs> Danny, we, need, we need Sally Struthers to make a commercial for a stat here. So. Yeah. Evie's the Danny, master of upsell. Danny's the David Ladd of tapes. Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll get on to the rest of the stories. I, I did know that was going to be a pretty big segment because no, so is. many people that were. It's cool. It's cool. Were, you know, coming together on cassette by coincidence. So. Yeah. Twenty twenty one, the year of the cassette. <laughs> yep. There you go. <laughs> You're going to rename the show Cassette Talk. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> cassette after dark. And then, um, <laughs> if everybody watches it, after it's been done, it'd be rewind. 
that's right. Okay, we're moving on. Okay, on, on to the rest of the news now, because there's still a bit of to go through. Fast, fast forward to the next bit. we got another four hours of show yet still, too. <laughs> yeah. so. All right. So uh, Bill Pierce, uh, he kind of teased this out a week or two ago, but the new version of VCC is out, which actually has some drive fixes. It's got some hotkeys you can increase and decrease the CPU speed on the fly without having to bring up the menus. The big one for me is he's added the second hard drive support. Now, we have discovered there's a bug in MU disk, which is now fixed. And it was thanks to uh, EJ, uh, what the heck was his last name? I'll, I'll, I'll give him proper credit next week. <laughs> but he actually found the fix for it. It was a stack problem was getting adjusted. And it would start giving me weird IO errors and stuff, uh, trying to do uh, anything copying from the second drive to the first drive. First to the second drive would work fine. How do you so do VCC that? You... was the last of the emulators that did not have two hard drive support. MAMES had it for a while, and I believe OVCC's had it for a while. Now VCC does. So now... I can start working on getting ease of use stuff instead of having to overwrite the hard drive image because we're doing a fair bit of changes every update. So you don't want to put in the floppy because you have to sit there and swap virtual floppies over and over again type thing. Now we'll just have a second hard drive that will say, okay, here's all the stuff that's changed. We'll just copy it over top. That way I'm not overwriting all the settings you've changed, any new software you've done, your high score right. tables, whatever else. So that's the big one for me. And the maintenance release for you that we're doing in mid-January will have that fixed driver. So that problem, as well as some other bugs we found in the meantime and been reported to us, will be fixed. Yeah, we have a few, that was people, a big one for me. We have a few people in chat giving us the name here. E.J. Jacquet. Right. Thank Jacquet. you. Yeah. Thank you. I brain farted on that one. Also, uh, VCC now adds support for the Game Master cartridge. If you want to do native support in that, that's been in MAME for a while. I think it's been in XWare for a while, and now it's also in, in VCC. So all the emulators now emulate the Game Master cartridge and will play Cersei's Island properly when it's released. Excellent. Misspelled Sid, though. <laughs> yeah, SYD instead of SID. <laughs> it's also got a few, a few other nice things like remembers the screen size. If you resized it to a certain size you want, you want to keep it there. It'll it'll remember it instead of having to resize it every time you launch it and some other things too. And he's done some work on the manual. He's got more work to do on that he's planning on doing, but he's planning out almost a complete rewrite of the manual. So we'll keep posted on that. And Bill and I and, I and Bill Pierce and, and Bill Noble and I have been working together on some stuff for you with VCC for testing and stuff. That's too, cool. So. We need great, a Mac port. Great to see a lot of VCC updates happening this past year. Yeah, thanks to Jim Rye, who's been actually the one kind of doing the actual updates. Bill's more the like the manager of the project, but yeah. Jim Rye, who's in the chat, actually. Thank you, Jim Rye. Doing actual work. Jim Rye. So big and shout John, out to Jim there. OBCC is for Jim Rye fixed the pallets. Yeah, he fixed the pallets. He did fix some of the pallets in this new one. Yeah. So what? It, There's more work to do yet, but the like the border color being wrong, which shows white on a green screen, is fixed now. Okay, this next one here, Ed Snyder put up a video showing his chiptunes player playing a couple songs for the new year with the OPL3 chip on his Mega Mini MPI. So he has a little bit of a Christmas message. I'll just play the very beginning and then we'll, we'll cut it off, but just has a bit of a greeting from Jim too. So, Ed Snyder, Ed. he's a gift to the community. Absolutely. And shaky cam. Happy New Year, everybody. Let's hope yep. this one is a lot better. <laughs> better. <laughs> Sounds very sound blastery to me. It because it's using the same chip. Yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit. Polyphonic. Yeah. And this was converted for MIDI, as it says on the screen. Yeah. So he's got a MIDI converter for it too. So. I mean, I will play the whole thing, but if it's it's a nice New Year's message, and there's two songs, there's this one, and then it calls "Auld Lang Syne." 
Um, so you can take a listen to those on the on the YouTube video that he put up. It was a nice just to actually have him put out like a, a New Year's greeting to everybody. Yeah, because he's he's so cool. swamped making hardware for us demanding people. <laughs> I wonder how many Ferraris he has. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last week we featured a little fireworks display program that Trey Tomes had done in Basic, and he was overclocking VCC to eighty nine megahertz oh, to yeah. uh, to do it. Do you remember that? Yep. So Simon Jonasson has been playing with it to, to get the effect a bit more realistic okay. with, you know, fading palettes and stuff. And this is his preliminary where he's basically getting the basic program fixed up to where he wants the demo to be. And then he's going to convert to assembly language. So you don't have to use an overclocked emulator to okay. get it at speed. But just to give you an idea what the new effects look like. Simon Jonathan said, hold my skinny cigarette. Oh yeah. Look <laughs> at that. Very fireworks. Like, yeah. So it, works much it looks a lot better. I think with the, uh, the palette's going from the brighter colors at the center, then dimming down as they fall down. Yeah. So, so I'm really interested how fast he's going to get this running on the real hardware once he converts it to assembly. That's cool. Neat effect. This is one that Rob Inman made, Rob and I'll just play this all the way through because it's a promo for something I, I work on. So, of course, I'm going to let it go through. But uh, this is start to finish from uh, booting Nitrous 9 from dead stop here at, at the SDC prompt all the way up to playing uh, a few bars of uh, Jump by Van Halen um, in Ultimus. Boom. I like that new screen. CPU type 63. Native. Give me X not found. Didn't notice you didn't have to type in this time either. That's that's, that's a nice feature. That's now the drive wire. (laughs) You can do drive by or the emulators now. Okay, and and this is booting into an eighty column hardware mode too, instead of the forty column. Yeah, that's settable. You can change it if you want to. Okay, no, I like this boot mode. This looks more computery. Running the GUI, simply type G shell to run the GUI. Simply type G shell. Okay, you know I don't get to play my favorite OS nine game anymore. Guess the date. Oh, you can set it wrong on your PC first and then run it through driveware. Right. Now we're going into disk drive. We're going into apps. Ultimuse. Boom. Apps. I noticed there were some audible clicking sounds here, too. Is that something that got updated in OS 9, or is that from this? That, that's the key click feature. We've got it defaulting on on terms, so you can just see it. And he was actually doing that for Typehead to make sure he didn't miss any keys when he couldn't see them. Do you guys you remember how much Ultimuse was when you bought it oh it was a fair bit at the beginning it was 29 or 39 dollars i think hmm. i did buy the original 2.62 or whatever back in the day so there goes the copyright strike right there did you speed it up? Yeah, we'd have to double the waveform and do a couple pokes, but it's possible. <laughs> it's the Coco Talk copyright violation challenge. <laughs> Maybe if we keep talking over it, it'll... Uh... Yeah, it won't register them. That's right. Yeah. From the album 1984, it's Van Halen's Jump. Oh, Van man, I tried to record this. Over the intro, I hate when you do that. Stevie, I think you hit the post. Oh man! Will this be our intro to the next show? Uh, could be. Not for legal reasons. 
WNBC. Yeah. Anyway, it's kind of cool what he did this video just so basically showing start to finish of actually firing up an app, like a real app, not a little quickie utility yeah, or something yeah, that actually, but, you know, plays 16 voice polyphonic music. So that's pretty damn cool. All on real hardware. From Rob. No emulators on there. Yeah. Next up, we've got Alan Huffman here. And uh, do you notice the keyboard on the bottom? That is the Raspberry Pi. That's the Pi 400. Yep. That is the Raspberry Pi 400. So he's actually running XROAR to do a Coca 1. And, you know, he actually had, I think he may even have it on the comments here, because people were asking, like, that keyboard with the, the Pi built in is so small, that might fit into a Coco. And he actually has a picture, and it, it's pretty close. He wouldn't have to cut too much of the surrounding case to get it to fit. Yeah, the height is, is pretty hmm. close to the bezel. So theoretically, if you, you you did something like Mr. Dave does and you jury rig a little you know, connector for it and, and write the driver to do it properly, which he obviously he's already done, theoretically, you could just cut the Coco case a little bit if you don't mind doing that. And you could probably have that as your actual Coco keyboard. That's pretty oh. cool. Okay, next up, we have uh, Jerry Stratton. He's the guy who did that uh, basic scripting that does a nice formatted basic in modern terms and converts it back to this basic. Mm-hmm. So we put up a script here to convert hex values to actual bin files. So if you get a listing from rainbow or something like that has a bunch of hex values on it and you, the rainbow and disk isn't available and the program's not available, you can actually run it through an OCR then run it through this and it actually will create the binary file. And that includes preambles and postambles. So if you have, like you were talking about earlier, Stevie, those multi-block sets where you yeah. load a chunk of this part and switch to this, it handles all of that too. And he actually used it to get the little Christmas demo here. So he's got the actual code and it's a little uh, script that you can run to basically convert them over. And they use that in this particular case to get this. And I'll just play a few seconds because it's after Christmas, obviously, but. Never stopped us before. Do you hear what I hear? Now we can do it in cassette at lickety speeds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that loud enough? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And he did that actually you know, from the Rainbow Magazine using that uh, script he wrote there, so he didn't have to type it. Another MC10 update. So John, Jim McClellan actually uh, had posted a McDraw, MC Draw which is a graphics editing tool, and he's done some revisions to it. The funny thing was is if you go through here, and he's got circle code and a bunch of other things in here too, but other people have actually been contributing and helping on it too, like Paul Shoemaker and stuff. So uh, it's like become a community project, not just a Jim Solo project, which is awesome to see. We've seen a lot of MC10 stuff happening lately, and I think that yeah. MCX32 you bought is one of the reasons because that just makes it so much easier to work with without having to fire up, like you said, you know, the MC server or whatever. You just plug this in and copy the card yeah just like and from, what, from what i if i if i'm understanding this correctly i think the nice thing about this over like the coco sdc is i think you can save back directly to the sd card um whereas in the coco sdc you would have to mount a virtual disc to save to that yeah. disc i think you can just save and it saves straight to sd um yeah so I, your c10 cassette files are basically just the yeah, files on the SD yeah. raw. So that saves you the whole concept of mounting and unmounting and stuff. You're just saving to whatever folder you happen to be in on the MC10. Because uh, the folder, that there is a, basically a DOS that gets added to it. So you can change two folders on the SD card. Yeah. Like it's saving grace. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 following the MC10 group on Facebook a little closer now that I have a vested interest in it. So um, yeah, and it looks like they're doing a lot of good stuff, and a lot of more people are getting involved. It's not just the Jim Gary show anymore. There's quite a few people doing active, constant contributions. And Jim Gary could take ten years off, and we still wouldn't catch up to him. So <laughs> true. But at least now he knows he can take a weekend off once yeah, in a while yeah. if he really wants yes, to. Yeah. So next up, uh, Mark Desco found this link. Um, and posted it on Facebook, but it's a book I had not seen before called Basic Programs for Small Computers. And if you read the cover there. Things you can do in 4K or less. Yep. Yeah. And over 30 programs that use less than 4K memory for the VIC-20, Tira City Model 1, and Color Computer, ti 994 and other computers. And actually specifically mentions the MC-10 as well. So there's MC-10 specific listings in this book as well. Oh, yeah. Neat. And of course, you know, for 4K Cocos, if anybody still has one of those kicking around, it's working there as well. Well, if you, listen, if your life sucks that bad where you've got a 4K Coco, we now have a shitty cassette solution for you too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because well, it's solution. only 4K, if you yeah. you crank it yeah. to 10 times, you'll be loading second, you know, one second per program because after that, you're I mean, out this, of the solution itself. It's not a bad solution, but you are <laughs> in a world of suck if you if you're depending on that tape. And you know, no, don't, that don't can, hold back, Stevie. Yeah. Tell us what you really think. The only thing really that think. can suck worse than <laughs> depending on tape to save your life is having a 4K. Okay, Coco. That's all I'm saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the Commodore 64. Oh, it yeah. was in the, in the games category. <laughs> should we start? A, up. Should we start a shaming channel? We could start to shame people. Yeah. you've only got a 4K Coco and you're loading off tapes. You're a loser. <laughs> uh-huh. That's great for community outreach, oh, yes. Stevie. Yeah, so much. Yeah. <laughs> Next out is Stevie's new book, uh, How to Make Friends in the MC10 Community. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I kid, I kid. So. <laughs> so just because of that, here's another MC10 story. Um, so Geronimus Vannon posted a video here <clears throat> of some P-Mode 4 screenshots he made. Uh, and he's using the uh, MCX 32SD and with the 8K internal mod to do P-Mode okay. 4 at Stevie yeah, has. Yeah, and you can see some of the artifacting on here, too. These look like yeah. the old pictures from the Tandy stuff. Unless these are personal pictures. It just happened to look like a Tandy magazine photo there. Yeah, these are neat. You know, it's kind of funny. The red and blue kind of gave it like the 3D glasses look in some cases here. You know? Yep. On your yeah. 3D glasses and there's, now. Your, there's your port of Grand Theft Auto yeah. 5 for the MC-10. For the MC-10. And Jim Gary would have it done in a weekend. <laughs> <all right. laughs> I like that. That's cool. And they actually load pretty fast off that SDC. I, I hadn't yeah. really seen like what the actual load speed is. Yeah, but this kind of gives so, me a reference because six so K per screen. Just, just to give you know, if anybody's looking to do an SD card solution, most of the devices that support SD cards they want the SD card to be formatted in FAT32. And if you happen to run Windows, Microsoft has imposed a 32 gigabyte limit on what it will format using the FAT32 file system. So um, if you're using Windows and you've got a 64 gig SD card, you can't format it FAT32 using the GUI. Now, you can, if you know how to do stuff in the command prompt, you might be able to get away with it, but um, just, just be advised. If you're looking for SD cards to use in things like the Coco SDC and the MCX and you run Windows, you might want to stay at 32 gigabyte. Um, well, okay, what about size. the um, little program that will format your SD card? Well, yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a third-party solution. Yeah, if you have something, okay. if you have something that might work. But if you, if you don't have access to tools or other things and, you do, and you're – And you just try to do it from Windows you're itself. trying to do it from Windows directly, you're going to run into an issue. 
Um, so. And, and now Robin is accusing you of Fat 32 shame. Oh. So. Okay, these next three videos, I'm not going to play them all. They're pretty short, but I'll just, you know, kind of give you a clip in the middle type thing of each. So this is by uh, the Dragon Plus Electronics page. Now, Dragon Plus is a company in the UK that is uh, doing hardware for the Dragon. And what, what they're doing right now is they're making basically what was originally known as the Dragon Plus board. And this was made by a company called CompuSense back in 1985. It was basically an 80-column card with 64K of extra RAM you could run as a RAM drive. And they had you know various apps. They have like editors that worked under you know standard Dragon Disk Basic. They had a version of a, a driver for Flex. They had a driver for OS 9. So they put up videos showing their new duplication of this board running on all three of those systems. Did so somebody the first say one, there was a filter to filter out keyboard noise right now? Because I'm hearing some keyboard noise. That'd be me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this so is like a word pack, basically, right? Similar to a word, word pack? pack with 64K of RAM okay. additional. So, so we'll skip ahead on the Dragon boot here a little bit. The Dragon color computer. And this is version 1.2 of OS 9, <laughs> which means it's newer than the first version we got in the Coco, but older than the and final version. And it even says licensed to Dragon. Okay, so there's the 51 by 24 right, like graphics the... screen they normally booted into. And... and then they tell you to switch over to your 80 column screen. Now, is this just hardware text or does it support graphics too? Uh, this is just hardware text. Okay. And you can see it initialized a RAM disk of 236 sectors. That's the 64K RAM on board. So that doesn't come out of your OS 9 level 1 memory mm. space. No real time clock here. Not Y2K compliant either, you'll notice. Oh, wow. So I wonder if uh, it's clearer than it's showing up now. Probably. Yeah, basically, basically a, the contrast is you actually filming this off a real screen. Yeah, so it's, it's, this is a camera pointing at a screen, so it's just a focus okay. thing. You can even kind of see the guy's shadow on the screen that's yeah, you know, facing yeah, it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And, it's a real and they called the RAM drive V0 for virtual disk, as it was called back then. Anyway, that's actually running on a real Dragon 64 with this card installed. So, so it's actually showing it. you the RAM drive works, the 80 column works, etc. Yeah. So this is like a Coco 1. Yes. Second one here is running it uh, using edits. Um, where was this here? What's the P mean? P means you got to go to the toilet. In the directory. <laughs> See it? Yeah. Oh, no, I have no idea. That's just probably whatever the the, the delimiter it's, is. It's, p- it's P for potty break. Yeah. Go potty, Dan. <laughs> Hello, I was Facebook. thinking of Ron because Ron brought it up, so I was thinking yeah. of Ron. <laughs> well, the, the, this uh, edit plus thing here is basically it's an add-on to hook into basic so that all the basic print commands and stuff work with the 80-column card as well. Okay, well, that's cool. Hello, Facebook. Boom, 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 boom. Looks like a terminal, you know? Yep, <laughs> literally does. <laughs> and then finally, I know a lot of people here have not seen Flex before, but this is uh, Flex running with the 80-column card. There was a song by Queen about this, wasn't there? Flex. Ah, it'll save every one of us. <laughs> and we have a channel for Flex, of course. Flex. Ah. Now, the Flex, Flex driver for- here, they actually tried to do a primitive windowing system. That's not the greatest, but it does actually kind of work. Where you can actually designate frames, as they call it. So there's a 25 by 12, and then he does a top one, and then he does a bottom one. 
but you can actually set it to scroll within that frame so you can create virtual windows. Which, if you're used to the 32 by 16 screen, you can actually get almost a full size screen four times on the screen at once. So, Let's see if we can find another. You did one little demo. Yeah, here you did. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Any font changes? Probably not. This is just using no, a hardware. No, it's going to be hardware 6845 based or something. Yeah. Like. So here he's doing a directory. Now you notice it destroyed the content, so it doesn't preserve yeah. the window per se, but it actually has. Commands you can say, yeah, I'm going to print a bunch of text now, and you're going to eliminate it to this little square on the screen. So, kind of like you were thinking about in your adventure game there, Stevie. Yeah, that's cool. It was really cool that uh, the people that made the board cranked out three videos and three different operating systems for the Dragon, all that had support this board now. And, of course, the RAM drives and stuff, too. Flex or Flexer? Nope. No, Flex was by TSC originally, and then uh, Frank Hogg had a version of it, and Spectral had a version of it. Wasn't Flex It it was uh, the main operating system for the techies. Uh, before OSign came out. But wasn't it also like on CPM grade hardware too, Flex, or was that more? It might have been, yeah. I, it, it's around that level of, like it had subdirectories and stuff that, you know, regular base, just basic didn't have, but it didn't do multitasking. It was the main operating system for before We're hearing some echoing back. Yeah, I'm hearing from some somebody. echo. Uh, what are we looking at here, Curtis? Uh, next up, we have uh, Chet Simpson did a release video of Chaos Animation. Now, I've heard this right now doesn't run on the real hardware. It, it runs on the emulator. There's a yep. glitch or two, I think. But basically, it shows what his new Chaos Engine is capable of doing with some digitized sound effects, some animations and graphics and stuff here. So it's a minute. I'll just play the whole thing. It's pretty cute. I've heard this right now. It doesn't run on the real hardware. It runs on the emulator. I think that was Allison bringing the echo. Yeah. There's the saint. Cool. This thing's got a hemi. Oh, it's Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> it's a hemi roadrunner. The future is chaos. Roadrunner. Me, 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 me. Ah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There's Sackman. Wiley Redding a rocket. Wiley Coyote. That's really cool. Yeah. He's been working on Chaos for uh, probably in some shape or form for a couple of decades. So it's really cool seeing it coming to its final fruition here because it's a whole graphics library development system and everything else. Next up, this was a new YouTube user I've never seen uh, before called Ohead, I believe. Yeah. And he says, I'm not so musically inclined, so I apologize for inaccuracies. (laughs) But he basically, I mean, he's basically discovering the Cocoa and he's running a Cocoa 1. So he's using basic with the play command and he does a few bars of, of Daisy Bell, you know, from 2001 with the lyrics on the screen. He sounds like Cocoa Talk. We're sorry. So, it, you know, this is to prove that the Coco can perfectly do karaoke night. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Here's one for you, Elliston. <laughs> Next up, and um, I know Rob's been fiddling with uh, using the Mac version of uh, DriveWire 4. And we've discovered that only the Windows version of DriveWire 4 has all the capabilities, like virtual terminals and stuff. 
Um, <clears throat> the Mac version basically supports a subset of that, a superset of DriveWire 3. So it has some stuff, but not all of it. Same as Pi DriveWire doesn't have everything. <laughs> but uh, Boise did a kind of a surprise release here of uh, the Mac version of DriveWire 4 uh, that now supports Apple Silicon, the new M1 chip native. Okay. So if you have one of the new uh, M1-based uh, laptops or the Mac Mini, then uh, you've got a native version of the nice. DriveWire 4 for it. Then there's this one here from Ricky L. Kasem uh, in the Dragon Group. He's released, uh, I, I think Dave Shutoff was talking about this earlier, about the uh, Cast Duino and the Max Duino. Okay. So the Arduino-based ones. Um, he's got a new version of the TZX tools for it. Updated. I don't know too much about that, but it was in the Dragon Group specifically, so I'm assuming it has some that works with the Dragon too. So, if any of the Dragon people can, you know, send us an email or something, or mention in chat, and be more specifics. But there's an update to that that package. Right now, now you know, I was I was only kidding a little bit about the whole tape thing. I'm just kind of you know making fun of the fact that we do have solutions <laughs> that negate the need for this, but it is obviously it's a cool thing that we're able to do this. But where is the tape a little bit more applicable and and, and uh, necessary is in the world of the Dragon, right? So mm-hmm. 90% of Dragon software was all tape-based. Now, again, are there solutions like the uh, Dragon MC, which is kind of like the uh, Coco, uh, the MC32 SD thing? There is something like that, right, where you can load cast files from an SD card with a, with an add-on. And and, it, and obviously it's nice if you are able to get that add-on, but not everybody is able to get that, either either financially or you don't have the space or you don't know about it or, hey, this is, this is a, a fringe hobby for me. I've got the machine, but I'm not going to spend a lot of money with this thing. So there's a, there's a variety of reasons why people, even though – solutions exist not everybody is is either willing or able to spend the money to get those solutions um Mm -hmm. so the high speed tape thing if we can get some of that going for the dragon that would be a huge boost because all of their libraries on that so it's not it's not that they're the third world in this case that can't afford a virtual (laughs) floppy drive it's like well most of our software is not floppy enabled to begin with um and so the um what is the uh floppy emulator gotech right which is an Arduino type thing. So this Casino is kind of like a tape version of GoTech, right? If, that, if that's a yeah. fair, I think the Max Duino is a disc version of the okay. Cast Duino. I think it's a right. version. I think so. And sure. that's also what Dave Shadoff was talking about earlier too. Is if you're making these kind of GoTech like solutions, that that screen he was showing to have a larger screen to know what you're doing and to be able to interface with the device empowers you to a degree too because the the GoTech is not user friendly. You have to like kind of navigate through a real like if you if you're lucky to have the screen you got that one line of screen. Yeah, and you got to press the buttons on the yeah, GoTech you press itself to all go kinds of buttons and stuff. stuff. So um so these Castuinos are definitely uh, a, a, an essential feature when most of your library is cassette based. And so having but again, this is a modern tool that negates the need for the old hardware. Um but it's definitely cool stuff. There's there's lots of ways to get things done. Well, we're pretty spoiled with our SDC. Oh, absolutely. We? Oh, yeah. We're def- definitely it's like pretty Nick, awesome. Nick Morota's calling me the one percenter, but I mean, it's true. Well, when you, uh, <laughs> was, we are Stevie, spoiled. It was, Steve, it was very gracious of you to give the Dragon users a pass. From yeah, this cassette. Absolutely. You don't include them in the dregs of humanity. No, not at all. The, not at all. If you're a Cocoa, Cocoa user, users. if you're a Cocoa user, and you and you don't have a six or nine, I mean, what yeah. are you here for? Yeah. No, the projects are awesome. The projects absolutely yeah. are awesome. The fact we discovered these and we know how to improve things is awesome. My whole thing is, is yeah, it, you know, if 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 your life depended on tape, 
you got bigger problems than the time it takes for your tape to load. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh my God. Yes. I really need to share a screen for a second here. Uh, Actually, I will be able to shortly because this is the last story we're on. So um, this is the download link for that tools. Now I'm gathering from reading some of the descriptions of stuff here because there's a whole bunch of these other tape things. CPC is another brand. I'm assuming some of these others are different machines from Britain. Um, so I'm guessing that this is actually a cross-platform solution, too. Mm. This is not specific to the Dragon or the Coco. It probably covers the Amstrads and the Spectrums and everything else, too, I'm guessing. So this is actually a solution that would solve, if you're a retro collector in general, where you have more than one retro system from the time, this probably would cover them all, or a good chunk of them, anyway. That is cool. So, And that's all I had for news. So if you want to share the screen there, uh, Rick, with the, whatever you and were And no disrespect to... To our uh, AC eight bit zone or David Ladder or anything else, it's very cool that what you guys are doing is cool. But if if that is somebody's saving grace, then I pity that person. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> again, again, again. So, so um, let's see. Can I share the screen? Here is my cocoa I've been working on all week. Ooh, look at that. Um, is it shared? Boy. Yes, with a deluxe black and white TV. Oh yeah, look at that over there, that little tiny one. With oh the yeah, little the little tiny one. Antenna. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a carrying handle. Cool. So this is, is your that, portable. Cocoa. Is that realistic? I think we lost your audio, Rick. That's very unrealistic. Yeah. Rick, Rick is frozen. <laughs> we, lost, we lost his audio. I see How the sun, the sun manual over there. <laughs> yeah, we need to compress his waveform so we can get that information <laughs> in a little quicker. Rick, can you hear us? The Matrix has him. Rick Eulin, do you copy? The Matrix has him, he said. <laughs> oh. Ricky, can you hear yeah. me? That was good. He's the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, I think he oh. lost his connection. Okay, I'm trying to Uh-oh. end I'm trying to end his share, and I'm having a hard time ending his share. He right won't now, be so. able to. There you go. Be- it's gone. Hopefully he'll come back. Hopefully he'll come I did back. want to mention 8-Bits in the basement. Uh, one of our friends from across the pond there mentions the Max Duino has integrated the software to load files for multiple systems like the Spectrum, the Commodore 64, the Coco, the Acorn, Electron, etc. So that is a cross-platform solution. Okay, that's cool. It's a multi. Because don't you have to modify the firmware of a GoTech for the system it's going to work for? So it's not a GoTech floppy emulator is not one-size-fits-all, right? It's... I think at the hardware level it is, but yeah, I think you might have to. You know, well, the the I'm flash sure. firmware, uh, it's called the floppy, the flash floppy firmware is cross-platform. Once you update the GoTech with the flash floppy firmware, it's usable on um, those MIDI units that use floppies, the keyboards that use the floppies, um, <clears throat> IBM PCs, um, the Coco, because I've got two different styles of GoTex, one with the flash floppy firmware and one with the uh, um, the HXC compatible GoTech firmware. Um, so what do you use most often? He, he's going to be exclusively loading yeah. from tape from this day forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, his tape is now faster than his GoTex. He so he's going to stick yeah. with that. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Good stuff. Well, maybe Rick will come back. Well, listen, we're yeah. already we're already at four hours of this show. It's actually been a jam packed show, but I think I'm going to make an executive decision and we're going to skip uh, updates and acquisitions just because f- four hours is a long freaking time. Evie, uh, are we going to introduce ourselves though? We no, have, we have no, int- no, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Oh, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> nobody cares. Your name nobody has been mentioned. Your name has been mentioned quite enough already, you narcissist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we can. Um, uh, Rick is trying to get back in. Visit Ron's garage. Yeah. All right. So how about we'll do we'll, instead of up. instead of panel intro, we're going to do panel outro, and then we're going to oh, put a fork in this. There we go. Very nice. So Rick, well, Rick Eulin is back. Rick, you froze up on us when you were sharing your screen. You want to do that again? Um, not the freeze up part. What? Just the sharing your screen. Yeah. Yeah. Not the freeze up part. Well, let's see. Um, so, yeah, I literally have been working on a cassette tape system all week. How um, many? What speed? Single? <laughs> dual? Um, let, let me see if I can find the... This one goes to 11. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, all my CCRs that had modified, the dials go to 11, right? So <laughs> That's just like my guitar amps. Yep. Yep, yep. So now I'm going to try to share, and if I go away again, I will see you all in the outro. Sharing is caring. See you in the afterlife. There we go. There's a project. Here's the thing I've worked on all week, and yes, Resplendent in its deluxe five-inch black and white TV and cassette tape loading. I was going to ask you: is that a uh, is that a is that a realistic that TV? What brand is that? No, it's a deluxe. Okay, tell it's great. But it is a realistic tape deck with box okay. recording and a bunch of features I don't need. But anyway, I thought it was funny. I've been on cassette Coco all week doing. This is the week of tape, man. And, and, and totally and, coincidental. Like none of you guys were talking to each other about yeah. this stuff. No, David. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just uh, you know a sad fate we all deal with sometimes. No, yeah. awesome. So it's only Steve who's anti cassette here, really. I um, I, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm I've a even tape here. guys i'm gonna share i'm gonna share a story all right when i was really really little i had a really bad experience with the cassette tape and it's been haunting me ever since so so this is me reaching out i'm reaching out and um let's be honest with you it was an eight track (laughs) (laughs) where did the eight track touch you (laughs) stevie pulled the tape out of the cassette and and then got it accidentally wrapped around his neck, and then he almost strangled himself with it. All right, all right, Stevie. So then check, he's, check this he's, out. Here's some more. Here's some more tape. Real to real, real to real. Nice, very nice. Brand new. Oh, nice. Were you done presenting yet, or no? <laughs> he stopped sharing. You oh yeah, no, that was my thing. Was yeah, look at all those tapes back there that Danny has, real to real, and everything else. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He's got some sealed C twenties. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. It is a very cool, um, nostalgic thing. Like anything else, we're using old computers. Why are you even using an old computer? When you think about it, why yeah, exactly. are we using a cocoa when clearly they've invented better machines in the past forty? So the fact uh-huh. that we're using an old computer already means we're insane, right? Yes. So, oh, just um, try to explain that to somebody outside yes, the hobby. Right. Oh, I, I played with a thirty-old year computer but, I had when I was but, a kid. They're like, why? I, I can qualify my insanity working on a forty-year-old computer, but I can also be judgmental about wanting to use a cassette tape on this 40-year-old computer. When You're clearly, just judgmental, period, yeah, Steve. Let's be honest. Clearly, you can be hypocritical. Right? It's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like somebody saying, yeah, I just came up with a really cool way to efficiently create an outhouse. 
That's great. I've got one. I got running water. I've got plumbing. I'm going to use my <laughs> toilet. Okay. So Who you go knows? make that outhouse. That's great. <laughs> it's like modern ki- modern kids complaining about us listening to our 30 year old music, even though yeah, that's right. the last time so, music was good. But yeah. well, actually, right? you've never yeah, heard good. of Justin Bieber, now have you? Right, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it is it is totally cool. It's totally cool to how we have that that we have identified the waveform and how we can fix that. And it's so cool that we know how we can make things faster. There's definitely an application for this, but I will still make. Let's like. Nitrous nine, wonderful operating system, but I'm going to make fun of it till the day I die, because that is my God-given <laughs> right. Right, so you know, it runs uh, more stably than Windows. But if we needed to load Nitrous nine from tape, now we could do it in like ten times faster. So we got that going for us. Nitrous nine onto your MCX thirty two. We're working on it. I'm waiting on Curtis. Yeah, to people do the already port. have been asking me about that. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about, do, how about we do? How about we do panel? Outroductions. So our resident <laughs> Apple guy and the wearer of the fine quality headgear, Mark D. Overholzer. Also the bodyguard or something. Yeah. You know, bouncer, I guess. Bouncer. Right. <laughs> so, and so if anybody out there who is an unfortunate person who does require cassettes for life sustainability, I do apologize for making fun of you. Um, <laughs> but not really. I'm going to call Asparagus on Stevie and the cassettes. punching yeah. down, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> Mark the Overholzer, thank you for being here today. Thank you for putting out all the links in the chat for everybody to click on here. stuff. And Danny O'Connor, uh, fan of the tape. For sure. Person <laughs> I'm gonna record that. the I'm gonna record the next Coco intro music on cassette just for you, oh, Steve. You're gonna make me have to listen to it on tape. Like I, I was I was gonna to tell David Ladd, if you send me one more DM with a YouTube video on tapes, I'm gonna unfriend you, David. So uh, <laughs> You hear that you hear that. Everybody sends Stevie videos of cassette. Yes, high speed audio tape playback for the Coco. Yes. Actually, you know, send him real audio cassette tapes with all your bits for the next show. Oh uh, mm-hmm. yeah, send all your complaints in via audio cassette to P.O. Box. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit uh walla walla nebraska uh, <laughs> uh l curtis boyle thank you for curating the news today anything else you want to let the folks know at home about uh easy of use beta six on cassettes not coming out anytime soon okay. <laughs> thanks to star spores right so and now having to load from tapes but busy you- working on os3 <laughs> yeah mc10 not, not not a thing not a thing yeah. believe it or not uh, Tom, <laughs> Tom, thanks for joining us. Sorry, didn't get a chance to get to you earlier. Got nice shirt there, Donkey Kong. Love it. Yeah, a Nintendo one, so that color computer, unfortunately. Well, we have the Sockmaster port of that to the color. And just wear an official arcade one because ours is the same. So yeah, yeah. John Lowry, thank you for being here, sir. Anything uh, you want to tell the folks at home before we sign off? Before we shove uh, off? Happy, just happy New Year. Yeah. Oh, by the way, since we're still here, and anybody listening at home who I haven't offended, so um, um, nobody's left, Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, we didn't. I would like to do a kind of celebrate the community achievement type show, maybe for next week. But I need some suggestions. So I'm asking for those of us here on the panel, and for those watching, if you if there's things we need to highlight, saying you know 2021. Here's let's look back at all the cool things from 2020. Um, put those suggestions, either email them to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live or put them in the CocoTalk lobby in Discord, and we'll try to put together a little PowerPoint um, next week if I can get it compiled in time on celebrating you know, all the cool things that happened last year. So uh, that has to be 
stuff that's happened before January 1st, though, right? Mm, not necessarily. Whatever. Okay, because I was just going to say, can we include all this cassette talk here because you like it so much? Absolutely. That's the highlight. <laughs> Absolute cassette highlight. Talk. Absolute highlight. Yeah. So, um, John Lowry, <laughs> Allison Denou, thanks for they stopping started by. before the end of the year. Allison, so. how do you feel about tapes? And be honest. I think they're very useful. <laughs> <laughs> That's very diplomatic. <laughs> he says, be honest. <laughs> we should start a tape po- We should start a tape podcast called Let's Get Real. Oh, oh, that's a good one. I like oh, it. I like it. Like it. <laughs> I can use, uh, where is it? Jason, the Cocoa one? Man Riker, creator of the Switcheroo and many fine quality products involving toggle switches and cables. Anything you want to say to the folks at home? Parting words. Oh, parting words. I, I you know, Speaking of toggle switches, and I don't do this often, <laughs> but um, I will mention, and I, oh. I did this last week quietly, but I did reopen pre-orders on the Joey High res so if anybody wanted to place their pre-order they can do that now that don't have a toggle switch do it it has it doesn't have a toggle switch it has has three and a rotary switch and a rotary rotary, right yeah three toggles and a rotary and and of course you you need to add two more to it though you need motor on off and audio on off for all of our cassette stuff I mean the pause button for the (laughs) relay yeah, you yeah, need a pause key. Yeah, and we can you can get that at cocoman.biz. There you go. Shameful plug there, Rick. Well, Eulin. I don't do it that often. <laughs> Rick Eulin, party well, thoughts. Yeah, in addition to tape, I've had this mylar monstrosity to deal with. Eight of them, as a matter of fact. Wow. Ooh. You looks like folks fun. might know these as the infamous Coco Three keyboard. My or very nice. That's one where the contacts wear out, then the keys quit working, right? Well, in addition to breaking at the top, the traditional thing, I found they also oxidize along the traces along the sides, mm. and so, um, yeah, it's going to take. I know some people have painted with uh, with like a metallic paint. Have they? Re- yeah, re- that that fixes the breaks. Okay, like up here. Okay. But it also oxidizes on the little silver traces that mm. run down deep inside. And so, yeah, I've got like nine Cocoa keyboards that I need to invent a solution to Mylar fix. replacement, huh? Well, or, yeah, clicky switches or something. something. So, but anyway, it's my life has been Mylar all week, and I'm glad it fits that, in well uh, with today's tape talk. Well, yeah, but I don't have the money to buy 10 of those. No, I don't know that they exist. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it ever made it past uh, just a demo or a prototype, but it was was an interesting project. Yeah. Ed's keyboard, I guess. Yeah, Mark Bosley, our backup streamer engineer. Any parting thoughts for the folks at home? Nah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we just woke him up after all the news. Uh, stuff, so Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda, Nick Moroda. There we go. We said it thrice. <laughs> Anything you want to say to your adoring fans out there? Um. Well, I just want to say again, thanks to Dave Shadoff for coming on the show and yeah, giving us absolutely. a fantastic interview. Great game. And, I do have a question uh, for Nick too. Once he's done his little spiel here. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks again to everybody who supports the. Uh, the game on segment it's been really fun we're coming up on a year in in just a few weeks it's amazing so thank you to everybody who wow. takes part and uh we'll continue on as long as there's interest 
Absolutely. As long as we still have games and there are new ones coming out, so that should be well. Yeah. You have a question That's for right. Nick, Al Curtis? Yeah, I was wondering, when are you going to finally get a 6 through 9 installed? Join the 1%. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get one installed at, uh, at a Coco show uh, like four or five years ago? I could have swear there was a video of that. Yeah, that was a Tandy Assembly. I did one with Richard Lorbieski. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Yeah. As soon as I get one, as soon as I get a 6309, it'll be the best thing ever. Until then, yeah. I'm going to yeah. make fun of yeah. you guys. Yeah. You, you, you're very much like your namesake, Nick M. from Australia. He's yeah, exactly right. the same way. No, yes. I, didn't, I didn't want to say anything, but I'm actually working on a series of videos right now on how to load from tape in an efficient manner. So I'll have an entire series on this coming on YouTube in the near future. And then you're going to hear me say that in tape and cassettes are incredible technology. They're fantastic. Wonderful piece of technology. Always been a fan of the cassette. Uh, speaking uh, of, you won't believe three thousand bought on the MC Panda. <laughs> uh, uh, it's it beating a dead horse, and it's getting deep in here. Oh yes, it is. And AC, get your shovels out, folks. Eight bit zone. Thank you for being here. And that that was a really cool video you did with the scopes and everything. I was able to follow that, and that's saying a lot because I'm not a technical guy. So that's cool stuff. Here's and, a tool for your tapes. That's right. It's oh, the yeah, yeah. Yeah. rewinder. Yeah, 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 yeah. The manual no, no, Actually, actually, a pen scoop doesn't work. It's it's got to be a big. It's got to be a big pen. Oh well, yeah, it's work better. The cap, yeah, the <laughs> little, little bigger, little pointy yeah. thing from the pen cap will get in there and work real good. That hexagonal yeah. cross section. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yep. <laughs> so, anything else about cassette tapes before yeah. we go? Yeah, AC, thanks for well, that video. Yeah, what, go ahead, one so. more thing. Oh yeah, no problem. So uh, as I say. Uh, bye. I wanted to show one of my acquisitions. Oh, neat. Was this. Uh, oh, excellent. Where do you obtain such item? I came where? from a relative. A fr- I just don't know where they got it. I can't imagine where, right? Oh, and yeah. also, one last thing. Real Coco users are switching to these. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Pro still using micro cassettes. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Those are for the MC10. The MC10 uses the micro cassettes. <laughs> no, now I got to hook my micro cassette recorder up to my MC10. You realize Just that. Just to now. see if it. Black <laughs> Sanctum? What? The play yeah. sucks off that cassette. Yeah. It's not. It just, it, I, I, I've always said this. It's not the size of the tape of what you store on it so um, that's a good thing no it's the speed you store it at that's what she said (laughs) thanks AC Uh, David Ladd is David Ladd still with us yes I am Stevie David did you enjoy sharing with us all of your discoveries about the tapes and the many ways to load from tape oh I enjoyed helping with that, that part of the show I didn't appreciate the snide remarks from you Steve <laughs> slamming down a defensive David Ladd uh, I'm back well, oh, listen, there, there's, there's a first time for everything right so and, and last but certainly not least the he's bringing sexy back to the cocoa Mr. Ooh. Dave 6309 um, were you still there Mr. Dave uh, of course I am, yeah. I am looking forward to your sexy game. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, and, and, so save um, up your loonies. Oh, excellent, excellent. And um, and I'm looking forward to whatever that uh, fast food was I was serving. I'm looking forward to trying some of that. Poutine. You really do have tried. It. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Poutine. Poutine. And what is it again? It's like French fries with gravy or something? French and fries, cheese curds. Gravy and cheese curds all melted together. I don't know. It's that's, awesome. I, it's, 
Oh, no, it's a delicacy. Yeah, in, you, in you, you haven't tried it, Stevie. You'll like it when you try it. Right. You ever had chili Smoked cheese meat. fries? I know you like fast food. Yes, it's like the I ultimate. like chili cheese fries. Well, then it's kind of like chili cheese fries, except you're Okay, and look at all the tapes. Food. You guys are just taunting me with these tapes now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> my, that's my penance, is that I'm going to be taunted with tapes. Until, uh, <laughs> don't send hate mail, just send cassettes, right? So that's... Uh, tapes, 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 tapes. And um, tapes. if I could be Lovely narcissistic tapes. for just a minute, did, did you guys enjoy the I don't um, think you can be narcissistic no. it's just one <laughs> but did you guys did you guys enjoy the the medley I put together of oh, all that the various versions that was awesome there's, that was really cool there's been a lot yeah, it wasn't bad for you one percenters it was pretty good yeah, <laughs> yeah. alright so we're not going to punish the audience any longer there's not going to be an outro there's not going to be anything else we're just going to press the button, button so say goodbye everybody push Bye, the button everyone. Frank. Bye, everybody. happy new year yeah. And Happy New Happy Year. Year. Tapes Happy are New awesome. Year, all. I haven't seen you since last year. Tapes are awesome. If you if you run from tapes, you're a fantastic person. You're an incredible person. Tapes are amazing. God bless the cassette, and we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. 